Okay, we don't have time for an intro, so say one funny thing. Childhood. My childhood, specifically. Good enough. Roll it, Ted. Oh, what's this? A horror film? Oh no, many horror films. Blood and the guts. They're so scary, I forgot where I ever came from. And just when I'm recording, the recycling truck has come past my house. Ah! But I'm not going to spend any more time re-recording this. Ah! The worst thing is as an Italian man, definitely. I wish I'd seen any Jallo films. Any at all. I've just come back from a holiday and there's a dead bee on my desk. Ah! The terror of it all. Still definitely an Italian man. Ah, the horror. Ah, Hello and welcome to this year's One Spooky Thing, our yearly rundown of a horror franchise that somehow gets longer every single year, even when we talk about fewer films. Oops. I'm Paulio Argensalt, and I am joined this year for the very first time by a non-Paul for the spooky thing. <gasps> it's our very own Ellen Graham. Yeah, but if you donate enough money, we can change my name via deed poll <laughs> to be Paul Paul Graham. God, that <laughs> oh, sounds God. so boring. That's the most depressing oh. thing. Hello. Hello, I'm Paul Graham. <laughs> Welcome to my car park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't immediately start talking with a British accent, or maybe I would. You, you it's might, up to you, you might dear have listeners. To if you're Paul Get in the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, this year, Paul Graham and I are going to be. <laughs> God, the glamour, the exoticism. We're going to be looking back at that beloved franchise, Seven Unrelated Films, because it is. <laughs> <laughs> really scraping the bottom of the barrel yeah, with these done. Halloween episodes. We're done, eh? and I don't want to watch the Hellraiser movies. It's the <laughs> it's the seven classic Jallo films of Dario Argento. That's right. It's Halloween, fools. <laughs> As usual, Sorry. I have seen them all beforehand. Whilst my guest was a newcomer, I believe, apart from Suspiria, which we are not covering. I saw nada. 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 Well, look, we have literally no time, so let's just get on into it. Okay, we need to travel far into the past, distant May. Ooh. And it'll be it'll be really noticeable because uh, when we cut back and we'll be recorded on gramophones and it'll be all timey. <laughs> <laughs> wow, May 2023. What a time. What an exciting time. We're going back there right now. <gasps> um, so what could be more appropriate than taking these time vespers? Ah, <laughs> uh, hop on the board. <laughs> we're going back in the time. But we're, but we're also going to a place. It is uh, Italy. <laughs> and that's uh, why the fuck I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Roman Holiday at Gregory Peck. We're, go- we're ignoring Audrey Hepburn to investigate a series of brutal murders that were ultimately, that she was ultimately responsible for. And Spoilers. It- <laughs> Which one? Let's go. Arrivederci! <laughs> Arrivederci, douchebags! <laughs> here we are in May! Oh, wow! Oh, it's, it's it, a miracle. It's nice here. Ah. Oh. Free of all the responsibilities of October. Ah. <laughs> There's no robot overlords to have to pay back. Yeah. We're not having to work for my dick manager who's an AI. I hate that. <laughs> oh, my AI, my AI is really nice. 
Oh man, yeah. I need a firmware upgrade for my boss. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I'm getting one for next boss's day. Which yeah, is every day. <laughs> we we bonded uh. over our love of chips. <laughs> now that's all right. <laughs> that's the kind of thing you're all gonna absolutely love this year. Oh no, <laughs> I'm sorry, people. Sometimes I forget. <laughs> I I work with children a lot, and then um, it's little moments like that that you know. That's fine. Th- th- it's what our audience need. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's start. Let's start this crazy, wacky adventure we're on with the bird with the crystal plumage, or... L'uccello dalle piume di cristallo. Beautiful. Do you want the best Italian word? Oh? It's a filler. The best one? Yeah, it's a filler word. Oh. Uh, it's allora. 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 So when you're speaking, uh, you know, it's it's like you top and tail things with that. It's, uh, I guess, like the... It's the, like, you know? Exactly. Or I think it's right. it's really so. Uh, you know, ah. so, blah, 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 blah. Allora. He's a dead. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went to the market. He had a heart attack. Allora. He's uh, no longer with us. Uh, uh. Love it. Okay, we will hear more of the Italian phrases I picked up later on in the episode. But you for sure now, will. let's take a little journey into the life of a Mr. Dario Argenta. Ooh. And see if we can figure out how we got here from where we are now. <laughs> what so, happened? <laughs> what the hell happened here? So, born in Rome. Dad is a Sicilian film producer, the excellently named Salvatore Argento. Salvatore. A man who's uh, known for, we shall say, credits, are um, all directed by his son which is fun. Right. <laughs> uh, but he didn't need his son in order to make uh, grody horror films with excellent names. Uh, in the 60s, he made Kiss the Girls and Make Them Die and <laughs> The Hell Before Death. Oh, I like that. Ooh. Ooh. Thank you. Uh, Mum is a Brazilian photographer, the also excellently named, okay, Elder Luxardo. I can't help you there. I'm not, I don't, <laughs> I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> Fair. Well, there you go. <laughs> In that case, my, my pronunciation does. was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Get my, him on the phone. My it's Elder Luxardo. <laughs> Argento becomes a film critic. Dario, that is. Becomes a film critic, then a screenwriter, which is a natural career progression. It happens to all of us. Um, his first credit is, Pardon, are you for or against an Italian comedy about a man who is an advocate for the sanctity of marriage, who himself is separated from his wife and sleeping with loads of women? An Italian film. <laughs> yeah, we we do be doing that, don't we? <laughs> we 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 do. Well, it's 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 a world. Thing. Pardon? Are you for or against? That sounds so That's British. <laughs> I'm sure in Italian it sounds better. <laughs> you keep talking. I'm gonna look it up. Scusi. He also works on Today We Kill, Tomorrow We Die, which sounds like a Troy McClure role. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, he also wrote Commandos and Battle of the Commandos and Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West, quite crucially. Um, and according to Dario Argento, the reason that he and co-writer Bernardo Bertolucci, which is crazy, were hired by Leone to uh, write the film is that Leone wanted to make a film with a female lead and he didn't think that old Italian men would understand women. So the obvious solution, <laughs> they still hire two young Italian men. <laughs> And that's why that film is the feminist masterpiece it is today. Wow. Wow, wow, we. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. Thanks, 60s. That's so. Oh, that's so Italian. I can't even. 
Oh, I can't even begin to, to, to talk about why that is so accurate to my culture and it's my wonderful. people. <laughs> also, the, it's a beautiful, the, fitting tribute. Pardon, are you for or against is, uh, scusi, uh-huh. le favorole al contrario. Contrario? Contrario. Yeah. Contrario. I like that. Yeah. That sounds good. You see? It sounds better. Yeah. It sounds like a saucy, raunchy comedy. And, I, and I butchered the pronunciation there. So think about how, how much better it would even be with a real Italian. <laughs> We're never going to find out. I wouldn't let one of them on this podcast. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> wow. Getting spicy. It's never going to happen. <laughs> e picante. <laughs> Oh, God. Eventually, he gets around to making his first feature film. He borrows liberally from Frederick Brown's... Uh, Frederick... Frederick Brown... You see, I can't pronounce anything. <laughs> Frederick Brown's novel. The most English name ever. Freddie Brown. He borrows it from his novel, The Screaming Mimi. And uh, visually, he borrows quite heavily from Mario Bava's The Girl Who Knew Too Much and Blood and Black Lace. A sort mm. of early giallo film, which really introduces the idea of the killer's black coat, hat, and gloves, which becomes Oh, it's a iconic. look. It's such a look. It's a look. <laughs> it's, it's a shame that ruined it, because it was my look, but then all the giallo films came out, and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly I'm getting so- arrested even more than usual. So... The film is well received by critics. The monthly film bulletin here in the UK, where the film was released as The Gallery Murders, just factually inaccurate. Boo. Not one murder successfully happens in a gallery in this film. And it's not even a murder. No. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely not. So, yeah, said, apart from one or two concessions to contemporary fashions in violence, I love contemporary fashions in violence. I follow it very <laughs> And that's quickly. where the boot and the hats come in, you see. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In the shape of some gory stabbings, yeah. this murder mystery is developed more or less in the classic Hollywood tradition and is all the better for it. Altogether, an eminently watchable film from a director of some promise. Very sniffy kind of British wow. review there. Some promise. We always do the plot rundown, and this time it is my turn sure to is. do the plot. So, from what I could tell, the film was a big hit. But here we go. Here's what happens in this particular part of the Jalloween. Ooh. We start with a guy tidying up his knives, uh, as we all like to do at the end of a big day of taking care of, of taking pictures of some lady. Yeah. <laughs> but then this lady gets murdered off screen, presumably in a dramatic set piece that we wish we had the money to afford. <laughs> soon. Trust me, soon. Uh, we meet our hero, Ted Stryker, off of Airplane. Yeah, we meet our hero, an American who came to Italy for the pasta, but now has had enough Italian food and wants to go home to America. It's the most implausible thing about the film. <laughs> Back to squirty cheese for me. Mmm, cheese, nice and orange. Like I like it. <laughs> <laughs> like I like it. I'm back home in the States. <laughs> He's about to leave town. He's on his way home from the Bird Museum or something, and he encounters an elaborate murder set piece, so he decides to get involved. Big mistake in Italy. Never go in when you see one of those. <laughs> I found this to be the most implausible part of the movie. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> sorry, you want to get away with murder in Italy when everyone has their fucking nose in your business? Um, I just, nah, nah, not in this house. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's literally a miracle his mother didn't literally see him. Literally, but... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big mistake, yeah. A fancy lady has been stabbed by a mysterious man dressed, in a, dressed as an Italian murderer. No. And, uh... Ted Stryker tries to save the woman, but he gets Obi-Wan between two sheets of glass, so he just has to stay and watch until the Rosas show up, yeah. including young Chief Inspector Stephen Graham. 
He announces that the pulse is weak, but it doesn't appear to be serious. Oh, good. That's good to know. Um, there's a piece of fabric here that seems to be incredibly poor quality. It must have been made in England. Okay, this is a clue. It's a very good clue. At this point, a man runs up. Hey, I'm the... Uh, oh, God. I'm the, I'm the husband. I was just uh, nearby. Anyway, what's happened here? Oh, no! Monica! <laughs> Mate, you're still wearing the gloves. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> nothing to suspect here. So obviously the police suspect our hero, Ted Stryker. They arrest him, but they've got nothing on him. And besides, I'm flying out of here in two days anyway. I see. Can I uh, see your passport? <laughs> yeah, sure. Here it is. Great. Can I, can I have it back now? What passport? <laughs> oh, Italian police. <laughs> The only thing that could have made it better is if he tried to, like, make it appear behind Ted Stryker's ears. <laughs> Do you mean this a passport? Uh... <laughs> Do you mean this passport? That's a penny. Yeah, yeah, use it to get back to a flat where we can reach you, please. You're not going anywhere. So he's stuck until they solve the murder. Oh, um, no. Attempted murder. Stuck in Italy. Um, ugh. And they're linking it to a series of other murders that have happened. Uh, but, hey, maybe you could lend a hand, though. I'm a writer with nothing but six weeks of experience at the bird factory. Yeah, well, that's exactly the kind of mind we need. All right, so, so he heads home, and is, but on the way he's stalked by a menacing bass line. And he nearly gets cleft, but a very tall old woman is able to warn him. So really it's just a water tall. pipe that gets chopped. Really tall. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the ladies in, Ita- in Italy. They're all incredibly tall. Yeah, it's all the spaghetti, I know I factually guess. they're not. All the spaghetti, you get long and noodly in your old age. So... That was a trick. We yeah, don't eat well, spaghetti in Italy. Ha ha. Ha ha. Well, somebody's out to kill this guy. So uh, best report it to the police immediately. So he heads home. <laughs> he heads home to his Susie Kendall and um, her wall poster of Einstein that she has. She wants to make out, but he's too distracted by the memories of that terrible attempted murder. He's oh, no, he does fully have sex with her. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Took a break from brooding to just finish that and then <laughs> got back to thinking about... <laughs> The next day, Stryker is invited to a display of some of the movie's representation of queer people. Much, much more on that as we go, but it's uh, an interesting start. Mm, bring in the perverts! <laughs> oh, God. Luckily, luckily, the police can feed all of the information they have into the Honeywell 12,000 computer and get a hilarious printout of what the killer probably looks like. Mm. Thanks, future cops! He goes to visit the home of the victim, but she's all bedridden, sleeping off the vicious stabbing that she had, so he has a, a chat with the obviously innocent mur- uh, husband. Murderer, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Slip of the tongue. Uh, the husband. <laughs> oh, well, it definitely seems like you did it, and you're left-handed, which is a thing. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll come and ask you more questions at the end of the movie. Yeah? That's the drawing board of his candle. Um, she should be able to help. After all, she's going to be in spasmo. Stryker goes into an antique store uh, where one of the victims worked before she was victimed. Yep. Good yeah, one. okay. Part two of Argento's depiction of queer characters. Please consult uh, chapter three of this yes, symposium. But is he queer or does he just work in antiques? <laughs> <laughs> the new game By show. Ellen's latest that, book. Yeah. <laughs> Stryker finds out that the last thing that the girl sold before she was murdered was a painting of a charming country scene with a very poignant and sensitively captured uh, foreground murder that's not hilarious at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's something sinister about it, says Susie Kendall. Yeah? What? <laughs> a normal Italian woman is ending her day as all Italian women do by changing into a sheer negligee and smoking in bed. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she has 
she has every right to do, but she's bloody murdered for it. I know. And that's this bloody nanny state <laughs> coming in. I know, that. right? <laughs> that we can't have our tits out smoking in bed before we fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, there's been a horrible another murder. So Detective uh, Stephen Graham goes right to Ted Stryker with this news. <laughs> I need you to solve this case. I've got nothing. Literally nothing. Ah. <laughs> uh, Oh, he does. He gets on the box and says that the killer is an absolute loser and will definitely be caught soon because he's an idiot. So the killer calls in to leave some incriminating evidence. This might not be the deadly uh, cat and mouse intelligentsia game that we'd hoped, but <laughs> but it is more realistic. <laughs> it sure is. Anyway, things are getting stressful. So let's have a nice night out, Susie Kendall and uh, Ted Stryker. Uh, yeah, just Kendall Stryker and the bodyguard. Uh-oh, though, Lance Henriksen, the murderer, appears and oh! tries to actually murder them both. Do you know what I called him? <laughs> what do you call him? Burnt, Burnt face, face John Waters. Oh, my God, that's actually not bad. All right, we'll, we'll swap over to John Waters. So, yes, John Waters, charming charming man John Waters. Uh, he chases after Stryker, but fortunately, Stryker finds some men, any men, uh, which makes the uh, killer go from baller to faller, I guess. So <laughs> he, he tries to style it out and walk away, but now Stryker's following him. Clever, clever John Waters that held his assassination attempt right near an assassin's convention. Why do we have those? John Waters is able to get away because his face is just too generic in Italy. So Yeah, Diamond doesn't hit that. He is asked, Stryker is asked by the cop, uh, do you think you'll recognize him? Yeah, there he is. No, that's a memory. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that was a com- that was a confusing shot, so I, I uh, Yeah, I I think I'll recognize him. So yeah, he he goes to see one of the victims' pimps in jail. That is the pimp of one of the victims, not one of the victims' many pimps. Yeah. <laughs> English language is just delightful. It's Marty Feldman. Yeah. And he explains yeah. that he's um he explains that he's a good guy who just wants to look after the girls and he arranges for a shady man to visit because sometimes that's what you need. Um hey shady man, can you can you help? No. Maybe. Give me the money. Uh all right, when will when will I hear from you? Never. Tomorrow morning. Goodbye. <laughs> Slam. Ring ring. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly how I try and give myself an air of mystery. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it's not him. It's the killer who leaves another incriminating phone message. For the love of God, just catch me. <laughs> the next morning, there's another ring ring. And okay, it's me. What do you mean, okay, it's me? How do you know about the other phone call? I never left the house. What? I have information. What is it? Nothing. I don't know anything. Here's an address. I, I would actually prefer if you were just not helpful. This is really confusing me. <laughs> Got to keep them on their toes. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a pretty good tip because he finds a syringe, some vials, the body of the man who tried to kill him, the burnt face John Waters. <laughs> it's not bad for a billion lira or whatever it is we paid. They analyze the recordings and they find out that there are two killers. It's a scream, baby. And also, there's a weird noise in the tape. Huh. Anyway, yes, there's, it turns out there's a weird noise on the tape. Oh, it's so hard to make a sinister phone call without leaving some kind of incriminating evidence in it. Like the guy outside my house who likes to scream out the address all the time. It's just really hard to make blackmail phone calls with him about. But yeah, they've got a, a, a strange noise on the recording. So Stryker meets up with his Richard Dreyfus friend who knows the sound. <laughs> he knows the sound. They just can't place it. Give me two more sequences to remember what it is. Oh, I'm sorry. You two are actually fully having sex. Let me just finish my drink and then I'll leave. Yeah. Ted Stryker leaves too. And that's very nearly beneath the minimum, minimum number of people needed for sex. So Susie Kendall's going to have to do some pretty furious improvising here. Nevertheless, Ted leaves because he's off to visit the artist who did the not hilarious at all murder picture. Mm. And uh, yeah, he meets the artist, Dom DeLuise, who (laughs) freaks him out, feeds him some cat, and then turns out to be a dead end. So it's not a great trip. 
Back at the flats, Kendall spots a sinister figure in the hallway and immediately becomes a total liability. But to be fair, he is gradually chipping his way into the house, and he will be inside any day now. <laughs> Stryker gets home and turns on the switch to turn on the next day. Uh, he's incredibly <laughs> casual about the entire thing. The noise was actually from a bird, and there's only one of that type of bird in the entire city, which is fucking convenient. Why don't you just close the window if you live by the zoo of rare animals? Why would I do when that? you make a threatening phone call. <laughs> it's very hot. <laughs> oh, shit! It's the first victim's apartment! Oh, yeah, we never did anything about that sketchy husband. <laughs> we really, Shame really didn't. Yeah, there's a scuffle and he falls out the window. Oops. He confesses it, and whilst dying, he confesses to being il assassino, and then dies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, case closed. Wasn't I, wasn't I here with a, with a girl? Where's she? <laughs> no idea, mate. Tell you, tell you what, go ask everyone in Rome. Okay, so he's two days later and he's followed the slow trail of witnesses who saw her going off somewhere. Uh, and he's arrived at a spunky old house in the middle of um, Perugia, probably at this stage. He goes up to the nutty attic and finds the truth. The thing he misremembered about the killing that's been bothering him all this time. Of course, what? it was. <gasps> Find out for yourselves, dear listener, because... <laughs> We don't spoil it. This is unusual. Let's not spoil it because this is unusual for Halloween episodes, but all six of these are whodunits with relatively good twists. So I think we should leave off the actual reveal and encourage the listeners to go have a little have a little watch of that. The dog doesn't like it. The dog doesn't know who the killer is. He's upset. (laughs) Love that. But anyway, once the killer is unmasked and is wonderfully over the top for a while, uh they go they go the way of all Argento killers and uh, get killed, and then um, the movie immediately ends. Although this one has a bit of an epilogue where they cut to a... Uh, because he saw Psycho, so they cut to a guy who explains what was going on the whole time, then the movie ends. Yeah. But for the most part, killer dies, credits. It's and I, very I abrupt, isn't that. it? <laughs> yeah, it really, sure, that's only going to get more abrupt, I promise you, <laughs> as we go. Fantastic. I can't wait. <laughs> oh. So, what did you make of the bird... With the crystal plumage. Yeah, look, it was, uh, I, I said this before to you. It's really interesting, this whole culture of, mm. of giallo films uh, and, and dubbing, um, mm. which I do remember from from watching uh, another like giallo film at Shite Night. And I was like, man, this oh, yeah. sucks. I wish they would just speak Italian. Uh, no. Because it's like the, the, <laughs> the, the, the bad dub over and the mismatching of words mm. does lend yeah. a certain shitness. To what, like, <laughs> like to what otherwise could be, the, you know, the script's nothing fantastic, but it's got such style to it, you know. Oh, the, God, The yeah. colours are so lurid and, yeah. um, you know, he's got a great, like, he, he's got some great faces in there. Like, I can't <laughs> speak to the acting in, in certain parts, but he mm. does pick some really great, interesting faces um and mm. and bodies that that you know um if you kind of think about the shapes and and whatnot and if you think of his films more like a dance it's some really yes. beautiful dreamlike uh uh shapes he's making and and tableaus yeah. um like the the color palette yeah. is beautiful there's a wonderful mm. thing where the eeriness uh and lack of audio sometimes actually does serve to yeah. make things a lot more disquieting. Um, whereas I feel like modern day, we kind of just go for the obvious, like yeah. the obvious score. The score is like 
you know, oh, yep, it's heightening. It's got it's got high-pitched strings. That's going to make you feel uh, tense. It's yeah. got, like, the, the tones and the chords. Yep, that's psyching you up for, for a jump scare. Whereas, some, like, the whole murder, uh, you know, fake murder with the... Yeah, yeah. Where our main uh, character is trapped behind the, the glass, we only mm. hear the woman kind of moaning. And even then, it's not yes. screaming. And we don't hear any other no. audio. And it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really unsettling. Um, yeah. Because of absolutely. that. And even the the score is, I was saying, like, we have this chase, this chase scene. And instead mm. of, again, yeah, discordant uh, tones, um, we yeah. have this kind of funky jazz. Which yes, actually really yeah makes it so much more interesting because it, it adds a mm. pace and it adds a, uh, a, you know, a drive to the scene and it's yeah it's mm. it, it's really interesting and it's not not so obvious in certain parts and you think about like yeah you know yes it it has this wonderful eye and dreamlike quality around it and you're like I wonder if if people were able to like speak in their own languages and maybe yeah. like with, with different kind of quality acting and writing, you're like, fuck, this would just be like, <laughs> this would be balls to the wall. Scary. <laughs> it mm. does have a timeless quality about it, but yeah, it, it is a curious decision. I have to say, I do. I find it as part of the charm and I've, I've yeah. seen so many of these things now that I, I don't notice it so much now. It's just, I know it just it feels like part of the campness to it that, mm. to me because you know Argento did want this international cast and he always wanted a dynamic leading man which I'll be interested to see how we compare because performances generally yeah can be very over the top and or kind of sleepy but it just adds to me for to the style of the thing because it has such a such a coolness to it mm. such a cool impression of Rome in the 60s he always has interesting architecture, sort of weird little modernist spaces like the gallery, but yes. then also the the artist's house, this walled up sort of country house all bricked up on the lower levels so that you have to get in for a ladder. He's got such interesting spaces. Everything about the decor of uh, Susie Kendall's house is fascinating. The furniture, the posters, yeah. the, the colours given there is just kind of gorgeous. <laughs> it's just... I was looking at the posters after a while. Like, obviously, we've got yeah. the big um, Einstein. Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You've got some sort then, of black rights I was going to say, poster. there's like a... Yeah, yep. like black rights. And I'm like, is this... Are we kind of going for like a student kind of feel? Yeah. That's, that's what I assume. Very curious. It's it's got a kind of coolness to it, and then just the filmmaking, which we'll talk more about in quick firing. But the way he sets his camera, the way he moves it, the things he's trying, which just feels so natural mm. and sort of obviously sort of look at me, like following the knife as it moves around, or you know this kind of thing, and yet also just so imaginative, yeah, as well, just pure innovation in yes. that sense. And you can see why this excited people at the time and to make people think, oh shit, there's a new voice here, and I think that's only going to become more apparent um, as he develops his style because you know the, if the, if he was Wes Anderson then this is very much bottle rocket you know it's yeah. like okay I can see why this is going but we've still got Moonrise Kingdom to yeah, come to yeah. really fucking cement what this is going to look like from now on okay so a few things then first of all so we've got a few of our, our standard little roles so first of all best scare and or 
creepiest moment, we might say. The scene in the gallery is very stylized, mm. and and we've I think we've yeah. talked before about Argento and and kind of beauty in in gore and horror. <laughs> but it does, yeah, it does have this dreamlike quality. But I was going to say the actual frightening uh, attack is on the. Um, oh, I forget. I I don't think we have a name for her, but the the twenty eight year old no. woman who lives alone who smokes In the negligee. A, yeah who smokes a ciggy yeah. before bed. Um, yes, her mine is from her thing too. Yeah. the POV shot of the doorway pan. She's smoking a cigarette. Cigarette uh, smoke covering the doorway. Pan to her putting out the cigarette. Pan back, and the guy's just there. Yeah, that's ugh, and it's like that it. worst fear <laughs> of you know yes. what's what's um. What's better? Is it always better to have your eyes on the thing and and yeah. see the person come towards you, or you know look away and and have it be a shock? Um, either way is bad. Yeah. But yeah, her her that s- childhood fear, her screams of yeah. just like no, no, oh. and and particularly because yeah. we have the the killer removing her underwear, it's like oh, this is unpleasant. Yeah. I don't like this. It is <laughs> <laughs> for no reason too. He just takes the underwear off and then kills her. Yeah, I think it's it's the thing but, of the the threat um is yes. is awful and uh yeah, she her her screams are, are really um really heart-wrenching. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, very powerful performance there. That brings us to best character. Our favorite camper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Could be literally anyone from the cast. Oh, um, dear. Why don't you go first? I'm, I'm still thinking. <laughs> I will go. I will go with Eva Renzi, who plays the uh, the titular gallery non-murder at the very beginning. Ah, yes. Who is just her performance is really big. She's iconically beautiful in this she incredible is, sort of yeah. white white. What is it like a pant? suit thing it's like um, trousers but then it's a dress on the upper half yeah i feel like it's like a it's not a cape but yeah the uh mm. uh it, it's a tight vest kind of cut and then it it um has yeah. a long back because it's one piece right yeah oh uh, i uh, it yeah. might be two pieces but yeah it's it's gorgeous oh, maybe um it's incredible her hair is amazing this red hair and the sort of long big style i really love and then she's got these giant like the mouth, like this yeah. big like, teeth thing going on, which really works for the sort of moment, the, the sort of frenzied moments that we get with her. Uh, has that stricken anything for you? Um, I mean, I liked her a lot. Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm down with her. Um, I will say there was something very unsettling. Um, and kind of <laughs> like somewhat charming, a very funny characterization, but the painter. Um, the fact oh, that yeah. the fact that yeah he's, yeah, he's boarded fun. up all of the the doors <laughs> so that no one can come in unless he lets a ladder down already leads to this like what the fuck is this guy's deal? <laughs> um, yeah, the the <laughs> I loved him. Yeah, his kind of brusque nature, which is that fun thing in a murder mystery of like, is this is this some person just like really terse and and yeah like um. Uh, idiosyncratic or are they actually yeah. hiding things you know when he's talking about oh, his God. his mystical painting he's moving into his mystical yes. periods and the guy's like why <laughs> and he goes why yeah why? i just felt like being mystical like yeah it's, it's love that it's fun and it's you know that's uh that's where these really tense kind of things lead to of like oh you know 
again, what's going to set this guy off? And of course we have the reveal of like, you know, (laughs) first we have the cat and it's like, oh, it's a cute cat. Maybe he's not so bad after all. No, he eats. Yeah, yeah. He eats cats. <laughs> he's eating cats, and the guy's really slow realization that he's just eaten cat. <laughs> yeah, what a dumb fuck. Um, <laughs> sorry, like. <laughs> but I love how affected he is by it. I love how he's just like, no, no, oh. no. Yeah, that's the most. Uh, that's stuff. the most affecting uh, performance we're gonna get out of him for this. <laughs> well, we'll come to that in a moment. But first of all, let's talk about best kill, which of course is the reason we're all here. Hey. And to be honest. The kill set pieces of this are not like the standard that we're going to come to. But I will say the bodyguard getting hit by the car is is, is <laughs> kind of ridiculous because he turns into this dummy. But it's also kind of horrific just how I think it's the line later on where it's like he died without regaining consciousness. Yeah. It's such a grim detail. Spinal, like he never woke up. Spinal and skull Ugh. fracture or something like that. It's like, well, uh, yeah, that'll grim. That'll do it. <laughs> Two yeah. places you don't want to be fractured. <laughs> I think I was probably the Siggy woman. It's, it's rough. <laughs> sh- it is rough. I should stop calling her that. <laughs> she, she died doing what she loved, smoking in bed. <laughs> God bless her. Um, as do so many of the people who smoke in bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truly. One way or another. <laughs> All of God's soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> died for the cause. Yeah. Of, you let me smoke in fucking bed, goddammit. Um... We will be ranking our heroes because the male leads in these are shy. You no, know, really, they're, they're, they're interesting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're I see. very curious. That other yeah. type. This guy, he's got a strong jaw. He's got quite. He's got big brown eyes, which I quite like, and he is not very expressive. Bar is so low. Look, he's he's the only one so far. Okay, I'm not saying that number our number two guy isn't going to easily knock him off, but. <laughs> Just bear him in mind. Love- we'll see, see how we get on. One last little section before we close this off. Great. Because my God, this is going to be a so, fucking long I'm podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so, so this sorry. This is going to be horrific. <laughs> Let's just try and build our Italian vocabulary. Okay. Whilst we go. Yeah. And just pick out some words that stood out. Um, when the guy leans over and says that the wounds are uh, not serious, uh, he says grave. Grave, yeah. Like grave. 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 Yeah. Gra- yeah, like grave. That's why I think it stood out. It's... Good stuff. And I think, to be honest, a lot of these are ones that just have something in common with English, so I was able to sort of recognize them. I think exit was described as ingresso. Oh, okay. Or, or entrance. Yeah. There's also port, porta. For door, oh, port, yeah, that was one like... I knew, because I'm like, mm. uh, 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 firma la porta is close the door. Ah. And so when he was screaming oh, that, God. I was like, hee hee, I've been told to do that. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite phrase, uh, ma que uh-huh. Made it in. Makifai. Makifai is like, what What are you doing? What are you doing? Ooh. Yeah. Makifai. Yeah. I like that. I also had sangue for blood. Blood, yeah. Sangue. Sangue. He says very dramatically mm. as he finds blood. Sangue. It's like, yeah, you're at a murder scene. Well, attempted. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so surprised. Like, <gasps> blood. Human blood. It's more likely than you think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seto. I think seto gets said to mean like, um, sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Kikosa, like it's not an a, a particularly ah. exciting word. Kikosa is just like, you know, <laughs> why or what? Oh, yeah. What's uh preg- prego? Prego is like uh you're welcome kind of thing. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. It gets said. Grazie. Uh, prego. Che? Capisco. Understand. Ah, yes. That's yes. It's in capisce. Like yes. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, somebody says that. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. why I wrote that Capisco. down. Yeah. Understand. Oh my god. Okay. I think we are there on um on the bird of the bird with the crystal plumage. Yeah. We shall see how we go in our journey into Halloween. So let's get back on these vespers. Ooh. Arrivederci. I'm really not used to these things. Oh yeah, yeah. They really they'll they'll vibrate up your entire ass. I'm, I'm worried about when we get on the roads with these. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not very confident on this. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh! Uh, oh, actually, it's that... quite intuitive. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good for the environment. I can nip around the streets. <laughs> good for the shops. You can, you can whistle at people as you go. It's yeah, just like a really optimized Italian <laughs> mode of transport. I can ogle women and drive. <laughs> Wowee. <laughs> Anyway, where are we arriving to? <laughs> well, last time we talked about the bird with the crystal plumage, which in Italian is... Oh, fuck! <laughs> I don't even have my old notebook! <laughs> oh, I feel more conf- I feel more confident on the Italian for this week's one, uh, for this month's one. Last one was, um, oh god, Lucello della Plume... No, it's not Plume, it's with Lucelle... an I, it's like Piume. Lucello uh... della Plume, Piume di Cristallo. That sounds good! That sounds good enough! You definitely said all the words! That sounds like it would get me at least something similar at if I went to a restaurant and for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he named an Argento in the original language. You know the rules, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. What a fun trip to Italy this has this been. Is, <laughs> this is why I didn't go to film school. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was a modest success in Europe. But when it was retitled The Gallery Murders and released in the US, it did very well. So studios are keen to capitalize on this whole new market, they say. Although I don't know when the release of Mario Bava's Bay of Blood or Twitch of the Deaf Nerve, as it was retitled wonderfully, um, happened. I feel like that, that, that was definitely earlier, but I don't know if it broke the American market first. So It's also like, it's a better retitle. I like it. Oh God, it's a really good retitle. Yeah, but... <laughs> usually retitles are like shit. <laughs> I know, right? The Gallery Murders? <laughs> But um, all of this is from the account of uh, Sergio Martino, um, who wrote Cat of Nine Tales. So you're going to believe this fucking guy about anything? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't trust him. I don't like the... I don't trust him. He's, don't like he his has moxie. trouble telling a straightforward story. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, all liars anyway. do. it is because of this american market that papa argento salvatore goes to the states and recruits james uh franciscus uh which he's american so i assume you just pronounce it as bluntly as possible franciscus james franco (laughs) yep james franco he recruits him picked him up from a university somewhere (laughs) some people might know franciscus from beneath the planet of the apes and carl malden who plays the uh blind guy in this who is in fucking loads of things a lot of alaya kazan films he was Father Barian in the waterfront and Mitch oh. in Streetcar. Oh my. So, okay, oh yeah. My. I, so I had deal. a very unique face, but I was like <laughs> I don't know like face. I couldn't I couldn't place him because I'm like, he just looks like a sweet old man. He looks like Gus the Theatre Cat and <laughs> he was. <laughs> he actually was. Wow. <laughs> what a reference this early. What a reference! <laughs> what a we're already on cats, people. But how appropriate, it turns out. Yeah. Um, these are jellical cats. These are... <laughs> Some murder cats, maybe. Oh, maybe. God, no. Oh, God. But 
Argento gets to pick his pick of the studio and lots of control, so he does what he apparently always does, according to Martino, starts with a title he likes and then finds a way to write a movie around it. Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> Interesting idea. He almost succeeded here. <laughs> <laughs> almost? <laughs> almost made it fit. Yes, this is <laughs> The Cat with Nine Tails or Il Gatto e Novacone. Beautiful. Bellissimo. Oh, yeah, so the film did very well, critically and commercially. Um, though, the good, fine, handsome people at Sight and Sound had some reservations. Writing in the year it came out, Richard Combs said, Argento directs with an insistent hand on the mechanics of terror and suspense, but beneath all the muscle flexing, the plot develops roughly and incoherently. Well, thank God we're here to straighten that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> That sounds like my hand on the rundown of this plot. <laughs> That's right. I can just blame Argento. Yeah, I, I think you legitimately can. Like, what have we done? Oh, Halloween 3. The, the, the twists and There's turns. There's a guy. He's got a mask. <laughs> Stay away. Oh, it's murder still, in time. <laughs> we still struggle to do that in under 20 yeah, minutes. You've yeah. got this. Yeah, you just had to describe all the different set pieces for murders. I got, I got and come shit. up with fun names for Crispin Glover. God almighty. However, Argento has called this film his least favourite of his Giallo films. Um, but shall we think that? Does ja- does Argento speak for us? Let's see. No. But first, with her very first solo plot rundown. Bloody Ellen Graham. I stand up for my solo. <laughs> Someone else from there's the a- crowd goes, you go, daddy-o. Otherwise, there's an awed hush. Oh. <laughs> <gasps> All right, strap yourselves in, Fucklenuts. Okay. I'm strapped on and ready to go. We are on the street. We're going for a stroll uh, with blind dad from my big fat Greek wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly the level of um, obfuscation that I need from you. Great and a nice Veruca Salt. They're walking hand in hand, but they pass a mysterious man in the car who's talking about blackmail. Uh, (gasps) Blind dad from big fat greek wedding gets the girl to <laughs> look at his face um and have a have a good squeeze then they're home <laughs> with their puzzles but however <laughs> i'm already losing so much confidence in myself <laughs> it's so good so far sorry i'm just looking at how much i've got left to go <laughs> it's Do like it. a really really ambitious marathon runner who's also <laughs> never trained go on freestyle it okay uh we're home uh with our puzzles but Blind dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding gets a foreboding sense and opens the window to, I don't know, sniff out the murderer. <laughs> Something's <laughs> ringing in his ears about blackmail and, oh, I should f- I should find a guy to blackmail and I'm going to blackmail him. And he thinks, hmm, that was an odd thing to overhear, wasn't it? We have the killer's POV. We see a security guard murdered, dumped at his post, and the killer walks through a hospital hiding from horny Italian doctors. <laughs> They find, <laughs> they find a filing cabinet labelled Genetica. What could that mean? I don't know. I don't have <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> then we have young Paul Newman, a reporter. He gets out of car almost just to knock over the only blind man on the street. <laughs> They talk, uh, they, uh, (laughs) young Paul Newman uh, uh, says he's here about the the murder. People are thinking it's just a robbery. 
Ah, no, no reason to be concerned just yet. We follow young Paul Newman as he walks into the crime, stre- crime scene. The crime photographer, Minnie Al Pacino, tells Paul Newman all the top brass are here, but nothing was stolen from the lab. Ooh, it's, you can't have a robbery oh, without anything being stolen. Something smells hinky here. We have the chief inspector giving the rundown. The chief inspector I have named... Klinger from MASH. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. There we go. Chief Inspector Klinger uh, gives Paul Newman a rundown um, and they briefly stop to ogle the daughter of the lead professor. Um, This genetics lab uh, clearly studies biochemistry and dot, 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 eugenics. Oops, oops, oops. It was the 70s. (laughs) Then we, we see all of the professors and doctors of this uh, laboratory gather around. Oh no, it's a room of Italian men and one woman. My worst nightmare. They're talking <laughs> about their confidential and top secret research. And one of them suggests maybe this could be espionage. Someone's looking <gasps> to try and steal their top secret research. What did I say? The most Aryan biochemist. <laughs> I did say Nazi <laughs> doctor, but I don't want to. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Most Argent should I, is fine. Should I label off the doctors now while I have a, sh- a chance? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> One. We, we have all these doctors in the room. Uh, there is our our main professor, Professor Tertzi. Uh We have Nazi doctor. We have horny doctor. We have English doctor. We have lazy doctor. We have... Doogie Hose Hauser. <laughs> and they're all they're all concerned about what's going on, that there's been a murder in the lab. But yeah, the Nazi doctor says, Hey, it's probably nothing to worry about. Let's just let the police work it out, alright? <laughs> and for horny doctor, it's bring your girlfriend to an active crime scene day. Uh he says to his girlfriend he knows what was taken from the lab and who it was. And this could be a big step forward for him we see horny doctor go to the train station uh the killer is also there horny doc goes to shake hands with the killer but uh uh-oh time to shake hands with the underside of a train bitch he gets thrown under (laughs) uh we see a a mannequin horribly crumpled (laughs) no people are aghast until they remember they were there to take pictures of a celebrity Ooh, what a fascinating (laughs) comment on our now uh, constantly uh, looking for, for dopamine from if it leads, it bleeds type news reading. Is this good? I don't know. Might be good. Anyway, back to Blind Dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding. He hears the news of the scientist's death uh, uh, from the paper. His um, sweet Veruca Salt reads it aloud and yeah. says it's the man that she saw in the car talking about all the blackmail. Oh, and this article was written by young Paul Newman. So he goes to visit him at the paper. It turns out that blind <laughs> dad from Big Fat Creek Wedding used to be a journalist before the accent accident that lost his sight. Before the accent kicked in. Before his <laughs> accent changed from Greek to Italian. It happens to <laughs> us all in time. <laughs> And uh, uh, based on his uh, previous journalistic knowledge, he asks if the photo is cropped. We call Uh. Mini Al Pacino and it turns out it was. He cropped a little from the left. He goes to look at the negatives and notices (gasps) the arm and hand of the killer. But oh no, he's about to get murdered himself and turned into a wax figurine that is slashed (laughs) in the face. (laughs) Oh. 
Oh, uh, yes. So, Minnie Al Pacino is murdered. Oh, no. Young Paul Newman uh, uh, finds the body. Very, very sad. He's an old friend. Oh, no. Emotion. Uh, and he talks to the police about a real crime that is going on. This police wife's recipe for ravioli. Am I right? Who uses nutmeg? <laughs> Um, (laughs) (laughs) young Paul Newman is told not to tie Minnie Al Pacino's death with the horny dog so as to not alert the murderer Um, he starts prying about horny dog he finds out about the fiance although the cop says you're pretty nosy huh for a guy whose job it is to investigate shit yeah yeah, that's a real character flaw on you, buddy. <laughs> Young Paul Newman and Blind Bit Dad from... B- I wish I hadn't picked this name. <laughs> <laughs> What's the acronym? Well, Blind okay, dad before <laughs> I chose Dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding because it fit better, I just had Blind Alan Older. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the acronym for blind blind dad from Greek wedding? B D F G W. B D G F W sounds like a great dating acronym. I think go for it. W W seeking B G F W G. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, WWI my God. Is wild I've lost woman. so much confidence in myself. Why did you ask me to do this? <laughs> anyway, do it. Paul Newman, dad from Big Fat Creek Wedding. They're watching the rest of the doctors leave the practice. They see there's a police tale on Professor Tertzi. Um, and we also find out a nice little bit of backstory in terms of dad from Big Fat Creek Wedding and Sweet Veruca Salt. Uh, they're semi-adopted. He has no... They both They both have no family, so they, they need each other. Oh, I like it. Young Paul Newman uh, was going to investigate the fiancé of Horny Doc, but uh, they do a little swaparoo, and Dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding does it instead, while he goes to see Anna, who is the daughter of Professor Terzi. Uh, do you have a fun name from her? I was going to say Italian Dolly Parton. That works. Because of her beautiful <laughs> big hair. Uh <laughs> In the meantime, young Paul Newman has a very uncomfortable shave uh, with mm-hmm. a really, really descriptive <laughs> barber. Uh, who, uh, he's, he's doing his own OJ thing of like, they're saying a barber did the murder. Now, if a barber was really going to murder a guy, don't you think he'd do this? <laughs> and after his shave, he pops in uh, and tells Professor Tertzi that Horny Doc's death was in fact a murder. He then flirts with Italian Dolly Parton. Ooh, it's steamy. Meanwhile, Dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding is talking to the fiancé, Bianca. Don't have a fun name for her. I was going to say Brunette Barbie. Does that work? (laughs) That'll do. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Uh, Brunette Barbie has a strange uh, little locket um, that she wears around her neck with Horny Doc's picture. She makes Mm. a mysterious phone call after Dad from Big Fat Creek Wedding leaves to say there is trouble and that she is being investigated. Meanwhile, (gasps) Italian Dolly Parton and Paul Newman drive like true Italians, recklessly, to shake their police tail. (laughs) (laughs) They end up talking at a bar and Italian Dolly Parton says the facility is working in both a revolutionary drug to cure hereditary disease and two, a government investigation into XYYC. Syndrome, which is a real thing, but the way the movie's going to talk about it is not a real thing. 
Okay, then. This apparently indicates a criminal tendency. Uh, she then talks some shit about all of the doctors, says Nazi doctor goes to St. Peter's Club, which turns out to be a gay bar, as Paul Newman discovers when he heads there to talk with Nazi doctor. I feel bad that I titled him Nazi doctor so early in. <laughs> as I you find never out. know. Yeah, That's oh. a beautiful lesson you've learned. Oops, oops, oops. Sorry. Oopsie. Nazi doctor. Uh, <laughs> Nazi, fuck, oh my God. <laughs> Nazi doctor prefers to keep his nose out of it and advo- advises Paul Newman do the same. After all, if it is espionage, it's going to have some big hitters behind it. Brunette Barbie is searching for something. Oh no, it <gasps> must be in Horny Doc's car at the station. There's so many tickets. True horror. She sees Horny Doc's note to meet at the the, the killer at the station and slips it into her locker. Um, I hope that's what the note was. I don't think I actually read it for sure <laughs> because I was too busy taking notes. Ah, the irony. The killer watches her uh, uh, get this note from the car. Uh oh. Meanwhile, Paul uh, Newman and Dad from Big Crack. That'll do. That's the new name. Great. They compare notes and they have nine leads. <laughs> What is this? Some uh, sort of cat with nine tails? That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> what a natural analogy to draw. A needle drop of the title of the film and we're only like an hour in. <laughs> <laughs> Brunette yeah. Barbie is on the phone to Paul Newman. She wants them to turn the note into the police because she doesn't want to do it herself. She's far too busy being murdered. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not only that, the killer is onto young Paul Newman and dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding sends them a note. Dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding is worried about sweet Veruca Salt, so he sends her away to a trusted friend. Paul Newman is... uh, What did I say? Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Paul Newman discovered that Doogie Howser... One of the Dookie Hauser doctor was fired from his last job and ah. Nazi doctor is living far beyond his means. That's just what we need. <laughs> Two more leads for Ellen to furiously write down. Dookie Hauser <laughs> tells Paul Newman they are developing a drug to cure hereditary disease. Blah, 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 blah. We, told this, blah, we blah, blah. did this all before. Uh-oh. All of this uh, research could lead to minority report style eugenics. That's not good. Mm. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> importantly, all the researchers and 500 people uh, are being tested for XYY syndrome. And I say to myself, well, that's a shit sample size. Anywho, the killer <laughs> has poisoned the milk to pull Newman's house. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, not the and, milk. And just when uh, Italian Dolly Parton is paying a visit, a sex visit, they're flirting. Woohoo! She has a shirt designed just for getting her tits out. She has a very still and calm O face. That's something I just uh, observed. Uh, they decide to have a nice post-coital milk, but just before Dolly Parton drinks it... Dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding calls and says that someone's out to kill them. Oh, no. Thankfully, she has not drunk the milk. Uh, Paul Newman knocks it out of her hand. It was poison. Yuck. Huh. Oh, no. It's some sort of insult competition uh, with champion <laughs> Gigi the Loser, as I call him, Long Weird Al. Paul Newman enlists Long Weird Al to break and enter Professor Tertzi's house. They find <laughs> out that Italian Dolly Parton is Adopted, and there are disturbed diaries concerning the writer's <gasps> thoughts towards women and their love for young young Dolly Parton. 
Italian Dolly Parton. Why not? It's oh, all the same. Uh, the shit. points are made up and nothing matters. <laughs> uh, Speamy, who is the Italian inspector, so who, what did I call uh-huh. him? Inspector Klinger from MASH admits ACAB. Yay. <laughs> and that he's also found the killer. Uh, they reckon it is brunette Barbie since there was 10 million lira and a file on the Tertsy drug found in her apartment. Not just that. Her and Nazi doctor would meet uh, occasionally and Nazi doctor has vanished. And we find that lazy doctor is the source of this info. Paul Newman receives a strange visitor who tells him that Nazi doctor, he's in a small villa. uh, And this visitor is a spurned man who had his boyfriend stolen by Nazi doctor. That sucks, man. I get you. And it's pride, except it's not because we recorded this too late. Uh, young Paul Newman gets attacked at Braun's villa by Man- Manuel, who was the uh, lover of Nazi Doctor. And Nazi Doctor is already dead. Oh, no. Nothing. All Uh-oh. leads are coming up. Nada. The one lead <sighs> left is the note. And Blind Dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding has a hunch that it was on the necklace of brunette Barbie. They go to rob her grave and the killer stalks them. They find the note. But young Paul Newman gets locked inside the mausoleum <clears throat> and oh. dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding stabs the killer with his knife cane, uh, who says that they have sweet Veruca salt and are holding her hostage. And as the subtitle assures me, the voice on the <laughs> phone is male. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I don't know. The killer has sweet Veruca Salt is holding her hostage. Oh, no. Uh, Young Paul Newman reckons he knows who it is, confronts Italian Dolly Parton about her wound that she has uh, since we know the killer was wounded in the cemetery and her hesitancy to drink delicious milk (laughs) using the the classic Italian math formula, whore equals liar equals murderer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it's not her. Whore leads to anger. <laughs> anger leads to... <laughs> Doesn't seem to be her. The police start looking in every room of the laboratory for sweet Veruca Salt, resulting in a rooftop chase with young Paul Newman and the killer and a very, very, oh. very painful-looking hit with some roofing tiles to Paul Newman's face. Oh, no. Oh, no. His beautiful face. He gets the shit batter beat out of him. But... We find the killer, and it turns out, after all that, the killer has <sighs> the XYY syndrome. Uh, no. Did not want that to be revealed, and uh. dies via elevator shaft after taunting Dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, no. Oh, the no. end, <laughs> The end. We still, uh, there's no refractory period yet in these Argento no. films. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are left here's the high thing. and dry after your climax. There is no <laughs> cool down period. <laughs> there was going to be apparently a scene where you would cut to the bedroom where he's mm. gone back to and somehow managed to reseduce the bloody uh, fiance. The, oh, the hell yeah. Uh, uh, Italian Dolly Parton. Oh, Italian yep. Dolly Parton. And she was like, you didn't really think I was uh, uh, the culprit, did you? And he's like, no, of course. And then she brings <gasps> him two glasses of milk. Oh! The end. Which is quite good. They love milk. <laughs> <laughs> they love milk in Italy. They fucking love it. <laughs> they love it. It's There's so many milk bars. But it's like, I like that. I think it's cute. It's just it is like, cute. You know, oh, is she, was she the murderer? Was she not? That's kind of a fun thing. I but definitely... Fucking, 
Martino yeah. convinced them to just end it abruptly with the killer dead. <laughs> I mean, I would have liked an ending. I, like, I would have liked some yeah. sort of epilogue or... <laughs> Oh, God, you're so not going to get one of those. <laughs> Am I not going to get one for this whole Halloween um, series? I can't remember how opera ends. Anyway, ah, yeah. that was a really good plot rundown. Amazing. <laughs> was it? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, was coherent. It, really? it was funny. I mean, coherent is new to us. <laughs> Tell me, yeah. what did you think of Il Gatto and Overcody? I really maybe it was the bourbon talking, but I had a really good time. I really. I'm glad liked you're taking this. my feedback to get drunk to get tanked before. <laughs> I'm tanked right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's ten in the morning. <laughs> Amazing though. I'm so glad. I really got today. No, I really enjoyed it. I think. Um. I. I guess the more we do it, the more I get over my thing of like lips not matching up and to be fair i wasn't paying that much attention to the lips because i was furiously (laughs) writing down notes (laughs) maybe that'll make you yeah maybe that'll make you enjoy a film more if you have to furiously (laughs) write down the plot as it happens in front of you um (laughs) was i gonna say oh yeah i feel like what did we watch yeah the bird with the crystal plumage last time and i felt um I felt much more characterization and and color okay. in this world and and maybe not just that but like um like there's a lot of really cool interesting ideas and set pieces um mm. and and there's just much more in this film the, like this film feels much more alive um even like a lot of these weird side characters seem yeah. really fleshed out and real and yeah. there's just a lot <laughs> going on um that you know, it doesn't need to necessarily happen, but the whole idea that there's this criminal who's involved with an insult competition. Yes, I love that um, so much. Since he got really good getting out of prison, I'm like, that feels yep. like not just a weird, oh, I'll add on this stupid detail. It feels like, you know, there's a lot of colours in the brushstroke of this yeah. of this painting. Absolutely. Yeah, and I really liked our leads. I really did like them. Yeah. I thought they were very compelling. Oh. Um, charming yeah charming they had they worked well off of each other paul newman had a lot of chemistry um seemingly with everyone but like particularly when we have him flirting with young dolly Parton, it's like oh yeah all right all right um yeah incidentally what version of the chat up line did you get oh shit he gives a statistic as to how many people are making love at any one given moment yes the yep. good response that I got in the hour video version is, I'd hate to lower the average, which I feel like is a good line. Like, I hear that some people get, by the way, that was me coming on to you. And it's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, joke, I, did, I did get that one, but which I one? still found it charming. I, I got the latter. That was oh, me coming. Right, okay. By the way, that was me coming <laughs> on to you. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. But that's because that's still, I that find it cute. horny when people are frank. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i like and your boobs make sh- and make sure that there's no miscommunication <laughs> yeah, that's that is true with, i like with, it when when pickup purpose. lines are followed with oh by the way just in case you didn't know that was me flirting with you uh so take it or leave it <laughs> <laughs> so there you go there's that yeah i'm i'm aware that might not Love be that. sexy for, for most people <laughs> um yeah i really liked our leads i i said they were inquisitive Amazing. curious and but but very kind and very they they felt like real human people, um, which I really liked. Incredible. That's so good. Yeah. I think 
with this, like his style is developing, like the visual style, the things he's doing, the risks he's taking are mm. so interesting. And the way he's sort of shaping the way in which he cuts from one scene to another, the yep. way in which he sort of moves his camera, you know, during that chase scene uh, that's happening. It's not even really a chase scene. She's just driving really badly. But all the <laughs> inserts of him with his hands like clenched, like gripping his legs yes. and the uh, handles with his yeah, and all the, face like, looking people really passing casual. Past, you know. Yeah. Our car nearly hits them. Then the police tail nearly hits them. And at that point, they just give up and go back home. And it's amazing. Yeah. It was just... That it whole was... sequence... There's wonderful. lots of little funny jokes in there that yeah. I, that I find really based in human behavior though like the cop who keeps talking about his wife's the pastor it's, yeah, yeah but he's really excited about it he's like you'll never believe what she adds it's nutmeg yeah <laughs> and nobody ever wants to hear it Oh, what do we call him Italian Ted Striker uh, in oh Crystal yeah Plumage. the last one yeah. didn't really seem affected by anything that happened to no, him in that's that film. Fair. Like, it's, you know, he saw a murder in front well, of him. It wasn't very He's... personal to him. Like, no, he doesn't know anyone. No, it's kind of fucking about. Um, Apart from when his girlfriend gets attacked, but even then he but... kind of just laughs it off. Yeah, absolutely. He laughs it off when he nearly gets murdered. Like, it's yeah. it's a very strange and, and weird, like, you know, it, ma- it makes me feel like there's no stakes or that I'm following this strange guy who's not really afraid of anything, which no. could be its own and- thing. But to be like, fair to, te- to Italian Ted Striker, I do think that was just the vibe that Argento yeah. was going through with that movie. It's a lighter tone, I think, in that one. But I, I love that we see the pressure on these two people as they're investigating this murder where after yeah. Minnie Al Pacino dies, uh, you know, everything's scary. Like, it's it's yeah. it's big. The stakes are big. And, um, you know, even he's going to get a shave and the barber's talking about, you know, can you believe they think it's a barber? And uh, yeah, you can yeah. see the fear in young Paul Newman's eyes. Is like, <laughs> even though that is a comedy sequence, yeah, yeah, it but it's 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 good. And like after he really is. gets poisoned by the milk when they're having breakfast, he sniffs <laughs> the milk nervously, yep. and it's nice. These people have connections; they're deep in they the do. shit. I like it. They are. It's good stuff. It's real investment. And do you think? that the plot is maybe a little too dense. Like, we have too many... What do you mean? too much to follow. (laughs) 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 It's a bit much. (laughs) What do you mean, Paul? I'm shaking my my pages of notes at him. Well, you'll be glad to know I don't think it gets that complicated again. And, you know, like, with all the doctors, like, all the stuff with the Institute I found a little dull because the doctors, aside from the one who's visiting a gay bar and has, like, a young lover, Mm. which is amazing. Incidentally, new, uh, new... installment in our lgbtq yes um, yes i I flagged that (laughs) yeah let's let's have a look at this so in this one way less stereotypical i think Mm. i mean he goes to the bar and there's some mishaps there but when the guy compliments his eyes he takes that as quite the compliment it seems he's not nervously backing away like Mm. you know italian ted striker and then later on when the guy who is it who comes to him and says you know i'm hoping that if you arrest oh, yeah. this guy then he'll come back to me or if he, you yeah know, dies, manuel manuel's yeah. lover yeah that's kind of a poignant scene he seems yeah really, he's like, not sorrowful he's not played for laughs at all he's um no yeah he's like a kind of uh you know looks like it as well it's interesting when you see queer characters who are older as well because i yeah. feel like yes some sometimes we only see um essentially younger people in in the lifestyle but this yeah. guy kind of he's almost he's an almost Vincent yeah. Price looking motherfucker <laughs> who comes in and is like yeah he I'm does. gonna tell you where 
um, Brown, the German doctor, is. Yeah. I'm going to tell you where yeah. he is. I don't want to be involved, and I'm sure you know why. Um, yeah. And but yeah, might, as we said. Yeah, and you might judge yeah. me for for who I am, but you know, this is this is why. Yeah, I. It's, it's, it's good stuff. It does conform to the sort of tragedy model of older queer characters, which is this idea, this societal idea that you can't be happy when you get older and gay because you won't have access to the nuclear family, which we all expect you to be the to be the only fulfilling way to get older, obviously. I mean, it seemed like that guy would have been happier if his boyfriend came <laughs> back to him. <laughs> I mean, definitely. His boyfriend but... of three years as well was the detail he said that yeah. yeah manuel was his like they they were together yeah, yeah. for three years before brown kind of you know they home wrecked that that situation yeah, yeah. which um, is you know fair enough but like like yeah nevertheless even though it does conform to slightly you know outdated stereotypes about sort of you know older gay people it's still just uh, it, it's a very poignant scene and it seems mm. like it's one portrayed with sympathy so i think that's a step up as well so in many ways, we're still not quite all the way yet, there yet. And I think the next one is actually going to be the sort of bridging point where we really see Argento emerge. Because for one thing, the murders in this are quite straightforward. Mm. Most of them choking. A couple of, ve- two in particular, very memorable ones, though, I think. And I think we're probably going to draw on these for best kill. Oh, yeah. In a moment. <laughs> but nevertheless, like two really memorable ones. Otherwise, but nevertheless, we're on our way and a lot of stylistic stuff is falling into place. And you mm. get the impression of a filmmaker who is becoming more confident and a little more ambitious and i feel that's a very exciting thing to see um with that in mind let's start revisiting some of our segments shall we Woo! let's do it (laughs) first of all did we pick up any more italian vocabulary in this episode uh uh, in this particular film i got uh (laughs) um so obviously good night generally like uh buena notte yeah something like that yep but here sleep well was used and that's dorme bene Oh, ah, that's nice. Ah, that's nice. sweet. Um, and then a character refers to last night and says something like, um, Notte Makes sense. Yeah. I think so. Um, oh, okay. So the little girl's calling, um, oh, Carl Malden cookie. Biscotti. Biscottini, it sounds like yeah. she's saying, because biscotti is what it should be, but it really sounds like she's saying biscottini or biscottino at some stages. Yeah, which might tense. be the diminutive little biscuit. Ah. Oh, little biscuit. <laughs> Couple more Italian words. Grande vita, the high life. Ah, yes. Or the Living the high life. life. Grande vita, the big life. The big life. Um, right. Coincidence gets said in the subtitle, and the word used is something like casual, which I thought, oh, okay, there's something interesting there in terms of like a really casual kind of event. But then I Googled it, and the Italian for coincidence is coincidino, or something like that. So <laughs> this is some sort of it phrase must be, or something. Yeah, it must be some kind of slang or... It must be. Not um, sure. Not sure. Similarly, milk, which I look up and it's obviously latte. Obviously. Yeah. But I'm sure they're saying something like lacre. Oh. Or something like that, which is like lacte. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's, Maybe uh, I don't know. There might be like a difference in the milk you drink. but versus Yeah, something. like just drinking milk rather than milk you use. Uh, beviamo il latte I don't know (laughs) we drink milk (laughs) finally finally profondo is used to refer to a deep cut in a wound like profondo like Mm. it's and it's interesting because we've got profondo rosso coming up which is deep red yeah and I don't know it's just something about the similarity between the idea of a deep cut and a deep color like that's a thing in English but it's not very intuitive the idea of using deep to describe 
like darkness or lightness mm. and yet to see that that's the same in italian is really interesting what would we yeah you could also say rich yeah yeah think, rich yeah you, you tend to Which, say rich rather than deep but i yeah, think i'd say deep like oh it's like a deep blue mm. <laughs> last few segments best scare slash creepiest moment the fiance uh bianca brunette barbie huh. um yeah when she's, uh, you know, it's that thing where she's so close, you know, she's on the phone talking yeah. about who the killer is. Oh, yeah. Um, she notices the doors, like she hears something. She goes to the bathroom yeah. and the window's open and she shuts it. And there's just like a slight breeze in the shower yeah. curtains. And as she, as she leaves, there's just enough time where we are left to think maybe it's a double bluff. Yeah. And then just after the the shower curtain starts to move and then it cuts away yeah, and I'm like, oh, that was very deftly handled. That was nice. That was good. And there's a couple of moments, like I feel like Argento is playing around with backgrounds in this one a bit more because mm. when young Al Pacino is about to die as well, the door is in the background and you know it's in the background for a yes, reason. And then yeah. he walks out of frame and we just stay for a little bit and the focus shifts so that the door comes into focus and then it opens and it's, yeah. It's good. It's toying with you a bit. Mine is the eye. They keep cutting to this eye, like this brown eye, like really twitching mm. around the place, like during the, the murders and also just a couple of the stalk sequences. And it's creepy. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Best character. I just really, I really did like our leads. I really did. Yeah. They were both, yeah, both really endearing. Yeah. I liked them both. Really endearing. Yeah. Speaking of endearing, my favorite character slash sexiest camper is Gigi the Loser. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you'd say that. Fucking... <laughs> Fucking love this guy. His look is so iconic. He looks like a chuckle brother. He's got long hair, long face, mustache. He's introduced via the swearing contest with a priest, which is hilarious. It's so like James Joyce. Oh, I forgot it was with a priest. Yeah, it's such a Joycean kind of aspect to it. And he's he's got an earring, like a single earring, and he's got all the tools scattered around him. And at one point when they're breaking in to the house, he trips but then he just really quickly is eager to style it out. But then as soon as um, Giordani isn't looking at him, he just kind of like does a face of, oh shit. Like it, <laughs> he's very expressive. And to be honest, it's a recurring character in the Argento Giallos is the eccentric guy who helps out. Mm. We had him in the last movie. We had, um, I can't remember what we called him, but he was the guy who stayed way too long after the main character started making out with each other. Oh, yeah. It was the weird guy who's like, yeah, the guy who's information, but the maybe call. I won't. I'll be back oh, him tomorrow too. morning. Yes, you get... That's the thing. Yes, so you always have guy who our main character knows and then even weirder guy that he knows. Right. <laughs> so Gigi the Loser, I guess, is kind of that, the second it's, tier weird It's like guy. most high school friend circles. <laughs> so it's definitely... Like one, one weirdo and they bring their friend. <laughs> <laughs> You're so profoundly going to get it in the next fucking movie. Like, that hierarchy is amazing. Amazing. Ugh. I look forward to it. God. I Especially because I don't have to that. do the plot rundown. <laughs> oh, my God. Best kill. Bianca's death, the fiancé of Horny Doctor, was Ooh. quite upsetting. Cause she w- that was choking, wasn't mm, it? Yeah, but like it's it's like he's strung up strings across her hallway yeah. that she gets caught in. And then oh, she's yeah. strangling, being strangled, being strangled. And we just have her head on the floor that keeps getting thumped on the ground. And so I'm just oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, the well, foam. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, has he stopped? Like, is this just part of the strangling or is he uh, also trying to, like, you know, use blunt force? But yeah, the blood yeah, yeah. from her mouth then turns into foam. And I'm like, oh, no, Ugh. she's she's dying of strangulation. And um, 
It's yeah, bleak. It was, it was very bleak. <laughs> Mine's a bit sillier. It's the train. So our guy gets pushed in front of the train. <laughs> you went we straight for the, the comedy. We see the front bumper. <laughs> it's amazing. We see the front bumper and like a slow motion shot of his head crashing into it. Truly and blood like flying out of his mouth. And then he's caught up in the side of the thing and he's twirling around. The way and he's flipping like, around is very funny. I know, but if you use your imagination and picture it as an actual person, like it is fairly gruesome like oh, to imagine sure. just being flung about like that. Oh, but sure, also, but it is a man made out of paper and hay. <laughs> it is. Oh, but twirling, the ending is twirling. also very good. The ending where we're in the lift and he has to grab onto the cables and his hands are like burning oh, as he tries to yeah, slow himself. Oh, yeah, and there's himself. some like smoke. Ah, that did actually, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a nice little detail. That is a nice little detail. Mm. I enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and the way and his like legs hit first. Yes, and I he like, like slumps down. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not that's the funniest rough, buddy. way. There's not the funniest way of dispatching the killer. I think the next two are going to give that a run for its money. But (laughs) (laughs) the next two have crazy ways of killing its uh, villains. Yeah, like ridiculous. (laughs) I'm looking forward to those. Anyway, um, finally, the last thing we do is rank our heroes. So I think it's fair to say we both think that James Franciscus as Carlo Giordani is, um, yeah, a step up from... Tony Masante as uh, Sam, Sam Dalmas. So at Absolutely. the moment, we can do this like a running gauntlet thing. Like uh, like that, this cool podcast I used to listen to. They did that oh, yeah. Futurama episodes. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was pretty good until the woman came on and ruined everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she used to really do these very verbose plot rundowns of the episodes. Just yeah, she really would, and no one would care. <laughs> 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 and halfway through the rundown, neither would she. <laughs> But I enjoyed the fa- I enjoyed her fashion corner. That was good. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, whoever. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean? On behalf of her. What do you mean? I don't know. I speak oh, okay, for, yeah. you know, all women on podcasts everywhere. <laughs> That's handy. Whew, I think he bought it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we should get onto these Vespers. <laughs> they have doors. So, <laughs> the time traveling ones. The time Vespers. Nevertheless, yes. Carlo Giordani is our current reigning champ for best Argento hero. Hell yeah. See. How that evolves. It's and a he smile. Looks for me. A lot like Paul Newman. He does which look doesn't like hurt. <laughs> doesn't fucking hurt. But I'll tell you what does. It's these it's these saddles. Ooh, Let's get on. It's bumpy. It's saddles. Hi ho away. Beep beep. Scoozy. Scoozy. It's scoozy. Hey, look at this Pastano over here. Can you believe she's futzing around with this this outfit? Scoozy. Excuse me, Padre. Okay, okay, we're here. Wow, and you know, only knocked over one priest, Paul. That's a that's a I record, know, right? In Rome. <laughs> oh shit, we're in Rome. I have to go. <laughs> you I... literally can't swing around one of their plentiful cats I without can't... hitting a Padre out here. It's because uh, let me t- let me let you in on a little Italian secret. Okay, come come got... closer, come closer. <laughs> I got fucking people waiting for me here, guy. They don't fucking care about their pets at all. They just let them <gasps> fucking roam around and get fucking... Oh, my God. Yeah, ticks and shit. It's so fucked up. Anyway, that's it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the eternal city. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. Well, here we are. Oh, ready Mio, to talk Mio. about yet another. Because, yes, we heard about how Il Gatto e Novacore... Uh, allowed Papa and Bambino Argento to break into the American market. That's right. Uh, yep. 
That's right, little bambino. <laughs> and yeah, so we learnt about how they sort of broke open the American market for Italian cinema and the, their pattern of sort of marketing that they wished to repeat, including the unusual practice of coming up with the title first. How naturally do they manage to make it fit this it's time? Ne- oh, oh <laughs> Paul, I had it's, issues with this one. <laughs> it's a journey that we're it's all going to go something. It's something. <laughs> yes, because we are here to talk about Four Flies on Grey Velvet or Cotro Mosche di Veluto Grigio. Ooh, perfetto. This movie was released the same dang year as Il Gatto. Uh, what? 1971. Yep, he's a lean, mean, machine. <laughs> so what did they like did they film it at the same time and release they it? Must it? What, they, they must have done what must have done I don't know that's it's, too it's much bizarre that's or maybe mu- they held basta, on to basta basta that's too much okay <laughs> slow it down when are they gonna be... sleep when are they gonna eat when it's uh, <laughs> this is ridiculous this is <laughs> it's too... not eating enough <laughs> you're too skinny you're wasting away <laughs> <laughs> always with the giallo <laughs> This forms the third and final part of the Argento Animal Trilogy. Mm. Uh, so we'll get to the concept of the title in a bit, uh, in some depth, but apparently <laughs> <Will we>? Argento <laughs> did initially reject that concept for being too silly. And it's good to know there's a line. Whoa. Whoa. Argento <laughs> rejected it for being it. too silly whilst he <laughs> was slipping on banana peels. <laughs> Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, all right. He's very much the Italian Jacques Tati. <laughs> and that's what we all love about Il Maestro. So mm. he only changed his mind when the special effects expert, Carlo Rimbaldi, uh, showed him the effect they planned on using and was like, that's going to be in the movie. Ooh. Uh, he apparently wrote the deaths first and then strung them together with a plot of sorts, <laughs> which, yeah, makes sense. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So oh, during great. the film, Argento fell out with composer and composer Ennio Morricone over some of the tracks in the film. He wanted oh. more unsettling little girl singing, I guess. Just, and you know, not... what happened it to the la, 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 la. Do that again. No. Wow. I feel like uh, Morricone is like Robert Smith up in this bitch for this one because there's a few tracks that are like jazzy and fun and fresh. And maybe, and maybe Argento was right. Maybe the jazzy fun tracks don't quite match up. <laughs> Who am I to say? Who am I to say? It just doesn't make me happy. Look, how about this? No, no. You do that on your own time. Not here. You don't bring that shit in here. Yeah. Hey, well, that was quite well received. David Peary at Sight and Sound felt that the ending was obvious, saying Argento's thriller would have worked so much better if he had abandoned his painstaking attempts to disguise the obvious and concentrated instead on heightening the atmosphere of hysteria and menace, which he is clearly quite capable of sustaining. Hmm. There's a kind of a double-edged sword there. You're really good at this. It's a shame you did this. I mean, most most reviews are... (laughs) Anyway, after the release, the film became a bit lost with no home media release until 2009 because of an issue with the rights. Uh, The issue being that Paramount had them and didn't want to do anything with them. That's a tricky issue. Oh, Paramount. (laughs) You (laughs) 
sneaky so-and-so. <laughs> no. This is also why it doesn't appear in my charming uh, Arrow Video slipcover Blu-ray collection. Uh, but Shameless... Uh, released a special edition Blu-ray to commemorate the film's 40th anniversary. Restored and uncut. And that's what matters. Not having mm. identical covers to each other. That's not important. It's uh, fine. Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. Paul, get yourself down to Officeworks. Okay, I don't know what the local like printing <laughs> place is in, in England. Okay. <laughs> All right, I don't know what that is. But get yourself down to like a stationery store and uh, just do it yourself, all right? You'll just feel do it better yourself. about it. Yeah. Get Barry at the photocopier to knock you one up. <laughs> and uh, anyway, speaking anyway, of being that allora. kind of person. Yeah. Allora, it's my turn. It's my turn <laughs> to <laughs> run down. It's Paul's turn. Yes, it's Paul's turn. <laughs> it's Paul's turn. Watch out. It's Paul's turn. Okay. Take it away, maestro. Ugh. Johnny Longhair is trying to do some 70s drumming to distract himself from the creepy-looking man staring at him, and also an off-putting opening credit sequence he's being intercut with. That's never a good time. That sounds amazing. I also had Hippie Paul Rudd or Pointy Jim Morrison. (laughs) It's very good. (laughs) Oh my god, though, it's one of the many titular flies. It's just buzzing around, causing an issue. Uh, but he decides to ignore, not follow that lead, but instead to follow a creepy old man to a disused theatre, which actually turns out to be one of those kinky stab a guy in self-defence and get filmed by a weirdo in an unsettling mask-style joints. All over Italy, those. <laughs> and the UK, it's, I hear. And the UK these days. Uh, meanwhile, back at home, he has a cat with a flawless sense of timing, or maybe just takes really good direction. We're not sure, but... He's there as well as uh, his girlfriend, uh, who rings like a phone whenever he tries to touch her. We've all been there. Oh, what did you call her? What did you call her? Uh, that is Julia Davis, I think. As in, to... that's her actual name, or? No, that's um, a British comedian. I think she looks almost identical to. Oh. She's been in some very dark comedy. She's okay. a very, she's very funny, um, but yeah, very upsetting. I said booby Ellen DeGeneres, but that's yeah, that'll work. <laughs> So he's feeling a little bit upset about having murdered that man. But what's this in the post? Passporter poster. <laughs> Somebody has e- has sent him the po- the passport of the guy he killed. That's not great. It's not going to make for an easier night. Mm. Later, one of his he, one of his parties, one of his mates is telling a great party story about you know guys getting executed oh, in the God. Middle East. But <laughs> Fuck Johnny that is guy. really Johnny's really messing up the mood though. Lay off, Barry. I'm really on edge since killing that guy. Oh, he has a picture of that lying around. What? <laughs> and there is. There's, there's a picture of him killing the guy in the records, which later goes disappearing. <gasps> no one ch- dreadful... no one changed the music, all right? Let's just... <laughs> <laughs> what a dreadful thing to have happened, my grandmother says, because she's watching this with me. <laughs> she explains, yeah, he was perfectly happy before, just drumming. It's like, yeah, in the one scene we saw of his life before this, he did I'm seem sorry, perfectly happy. I'm sorry, he was happy. perfectly happy drumming. He Just was. Walking he was around. perfectly happy but before some weirdo started staring at him. That night, Johnny Longhair, who I'm actually renaming Gail Garcia Banal. Oh, uh, gets, yeah. I think so. He gets choked mm-hmm. a little by the killer. Ah, uh, it's one of those clubs where you get filmed killing a guy and then they come back to your house and choke you in the middle of the night. It's kinky. I like it. <laughs> he tells his girlfriend, Julia Davis, off of Jam, um, about what's bothering him. Oh, nothing. I did kill a guy, though, and I'm now being blackmailed by a creep in a mask. Oh, is that all? Yeah. <laughs> also, also, I really didn't eat well today. So, <laughs> who's to say? Um, and then, yeah, uh, he explains all of these issues that he has. Also, I was recently attacked. Yeah, you were very recently. <laughs> like, so literally, recently. you can still see the guy. <laughs> 
You should go and interact with the police. They'll probably be folksy and nice and talk about pies and stuff. Yeah, that is Italy, but I don't know. This time I think it's, uh, I better deal with it myself. Although not entirely by myself, because uh, you should get your friend involved. Oh yeah? He's great at being a shrink as well. You think I'm crazy? No, no, I just think he would help you. Well, he's also a really good chef. You think my cooking's bad? <laughs> you, you're exhausting. Anyway, go go see your two favorite, two, go see Paul's two favorite characters from this movie. It's God and the Professor. God! Oh God! Yeah, what I we all fucking... hoped would happen. So yes, he goes and recruits his two poor friends who are going to help him. Well, well, I killed a guy, and now someone's after me. You never just stop by. <laughs> <laughs> he goes home and beats up his postman, but it's no use. It doesn't help anything. So. Uh, the maid overheard him talking about the guy he killed and is now getting on the phone to someone in order to try and set up some kind of exchange of information. A transaction is happening via cables. My God. <laughs> Very sinister. It's the future. She, she arranges She arranges to meet someone to hand over some proof in a park. Never do that. It's just not going to end up well. No, I don't mind not telling anyone where I'm going. <laughs> Shh. After hours? Sounds good to me. So they meet in a creepy playground where all the children play in slow motion and the couples disappear in random edits. Mm. It's notorious in the neighborhood, that place. Yeah, uh, yeah so she dies. I mean, this <laughs> one... she obviously dies. Not only because of that. Also, don't run towards the creepy breathing. Don't worry about the cobwebs in your hair. You can get them out later. That's that gap true. is definitely big enough for you. That... <laughs> Even for your giant hair. She has one last shot to try and get saved uh, as a small nerd tries to help her. But then when it doesn't work, he, tr- he decides it's easier to just try and gaslight her instead. <laughs> oh, the maid's body has been found and your address is all she had on her because she had nothing else going on. <laughs> she they didn't even have, have been... a name. The maid. Not even a name. The maid. I know, right? Day long. They say it was a maniac that might have done it. Oh my God. He has cushions that are torn up and a flat that is completely disheveled. Oh, hang on a minute. He just owns a cat. <laughs> That's all that is. That's all any of this was. We meet another character. He's a spaghetti-eating, ass-slapping kind of guy. And, uh, oh, he's the guy who's supposed to have been murdered. So, yeah. But now, the killer actually does murder him with some <gasps> fancy camera work. Ooh. Yes. He's decided that the professor and God are a bit rubbish. So he's going to hire the next cheapest p- uh, PI that he can afford. A gay! <laughs> <laughs> well, hey now, can, can we say that? <laughs> I don't know, but Italy just said it for us. He drives into his office from the street, it seems like. And uh, he takes him out to eat a steak, three sandwiches, and two eggs and a beer. All of those gays. <laughs> Famously eat a lot of steak. I don't know what this was. Anyway. <laughs> I think it's just that he's poor, maybe. Oh, I think that might be it. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's hard to discern what is a gay stereotype or just character, actual character development. Slash Italians. <laughs> <laughs> Slash just Italy and life in it- Italy. Yes, he brags about how many cases he hasn't solved and then asks him some very personal questions about his life. He answers that, he takes the case, and then he gets on to Julia Davis to find that she's being interrogated by the Polizia about the maid. Oh. And they show a picture they showed me a picture of the body. They said, check this shit out. <laughs> it's really rank. And it, <laughs> he was right. It was really rank. Mm, truly. 
Julia Davis's cousin is also here um, in order to be interchangeable with her and also add another body to the count. So in two ways, in two ways, really, because, yes, yeah, she's brown hair lass. And um, yeah, she's innocently taking uh, he is innocently taking a bath in front of her when suddenly bloody makes a move on her. Oh, what? It's, gu- <laughs> it's guys like this guy. That is the reason that we can't all just be casually naked around each other all the time. That's and I, pretty true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that that's the reality we're in. Uh, oh, the killer got the cat. Oh. At which point, my mum leaves, saying, leaving my nan and sister, just saying, oh, no, I'm not having this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this was the straw I that can, the camels back. I can, I can forgive the brutal murder of women, but I draw the line at cats. <laughs> <laughs> you can forget. <laughs> this was incidentally after the four of us sat down to the lengthy bathtub sex sequence, so that was good. Ah, oh, ki- yes, the killer got the cat. So the cousin nakedly tries to comfort our hero whilst the gay inspector has a breakthrough. I think I found something. I'll tell you about it later. God damn it, detective! Just, can't you just tell me now? But no, he goes off to do some cool drape- uh, coat draped over shoulders uh, sleuthing, but then gets bloody murdered for it because he looked too fabulous. Damn it. Mm. The injustice. Uh, but he did find out about a patient in an insane asylum who seemed to go sane when her their apparent father was killed. Also, they hated cats and liked stalking around the place in a weird mask. Oh yeah, that was probably them. He also found an apartment with a lift and I got excited because I remember the lift from the last movie and the one from the next movie, both of which are very good. But Ooh. there's no lift action in this one, unfortunately. Oh. I know. Sometimes it's good to just take the stairs, folks. Yeah. <laughs> you will really, really feel that that is the case after the next one. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, God. Well, brown hair cousin uh, finds a crucial piece of evidence, then gets murdered. God damn it. I'd say that WhatsApp would solve a lot of the problems here, but I feel like people would just be like, I found something. C- um, come and meet me and I'll tell you all about it, LOL. <laughs> oh, I would totally be using the voice app. <laughs> the voice notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it turns out that... <laughs> How is she still holding her thumb down? She must have locked it. <laughs> yes, they use uh, Wild West technology. Oh, they use Wild Wild West technology to see the last thing that the cousin saw before she died. And it's a bird with crystal plumage. Damn. I think that's going to be very helpful. Cat with nine tails. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have a cat. Oh, no, I had a cat. Oh, I haven't greeted the cat properly. Uh-oh. That's really hit me hardest out of all of this, he says, with his his wife's cousin just dripping in the corner. <laughs> anyway, he buys himself the smallest gun commercially available in order to defend himself. I'm glad it <sighs> comes with instructions. <laughs> yes, it does. He gets to load that up in a little box it came in, which is adorable. And he decides that he's just going to sit and wait for the end of the movie to happen. Several characters call up to see if they can come. he can come out and, you know, meet some new characters or have some new subplots, but he's not having any of it. It's just like, no, I'm just going to sit here till it all ends. I'm just going to sit here and finish the dream I've been having. Oh, that's how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> he gets ready to shoot literally anyone who comes in and the bloody killer shows up and my God, it's... <gasps> Watch the movie to find out, folks. But then after the reveal, there's a ruffle. Uh, a ruffle? Yep, sure. There's a ruffle. <laughs> It's like a raffle, but some you know, chips, quicker. some ruffled chips, <laughs> <laughs> some ruffled chips, and yeah, the killer dies in an amazing car crash. The end. Yeah, very yeah. satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it fucking is. I love when you get to that movie where it's just like, well, I guess the ending is coming, <laughs> whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah, sure. What was. did you make though about Quattro Mosche di Veluto Grigio? Um, look, 
I'll be honest. I did get a little bored in this one. Um, I, I, I felt like it, like there was some really cool things in there. Like I really yeah. loved a lot of the, I think the, the thing I'm really enjoying about delving into all this Argento is just seeing the scope of, of setting the scene and the scenery yeah. and the shots that he takes. Like they're really inventive. Like even the, um, the opening sequence where we have uh, mm. what I believe are five of the exact same dude jamming in a band together. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Literally, I thought maybe for a second that this was like a, a cool thing and that they'd like carbon clone them. <laughs> but, yeah. but no. That's just Italy. That's just how all men looked in the 70s. But yeah, uh, we've got like a <laughs> fucking it. GoPro. Obviously, GoPros weren't the thing, but we've got like a fucking yeah. GoPro shot on the bass net. Yeah. We've got inside the a, guitar. Yeah, a camera inside the guitar. Things like it, the camera swinging around. We have a great bit where, um, uh, uh, what we call him? Not Hippie Paul Rudd. Huh? Uh, long. Oh, oh, Jimmy um, long hair. fucking. Gail Garcia Bernal. Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, where he's strolling yeah. through the seats and, um, sorry, the streets, and and it's almost like a Fisher mm. King esque um, kind of dreamlike bit where couples are strolling through, throwing confetti. This this theater yeah. that he goes into, where he believes he's killed this man, is all draped in in confetti and streamers, and it's kind of derelict and it's really beautiful. There's like a lot of it imagination is. and creativity yeah. to the shots and the sceneries, and and um, you know, there's there's bits of humor and characters that are, yeah. that are quite fun. Yes. but I just felt like at, at a certain point I was like. This is taking forever. <laughs> yes. This is the taking pacing. forever and none of these red herrings are, in my mind, close to believable in terms no. of, um, you know, who who is going to be the eventual murderer. I believe uh, I, I agree with that review in that yeah. it would have been better had we had we um, got to know this killer a bit more because the punchline yeah. is pretty obvious. So it's like, I feel like trying to dress it up as a murder mystery. Um, at the end, you get to a point where you're like, well, whoever it is, all of these yeah. red herrings are pretty unbelievable. And I and I think it's just, the, the satisfaction is probably going to be from the spectacle of the revealing the murderer as opposed to the actual... Um, yeah. You know, well, emotional I mean, yes. build up. The sight and sound review touches on that too is the idea that although you see it coming, the ending does actually arrive with a fair amount of aplomb and mm. style and grace, which is good stuff. Yes, it's a very stylish film. It does drag a little in its pacing. And I think the reason for that is firstly, I don't think our. We'll, co- we'll come to him in a moment when we rank our heroes, but I don't think our lead is very compelling. I don't think, certainly compared to last week's one where. You know, he was a much more interesting and endearing character who had sort of self-effacing qualities and humor Mm. that made him a lot more fun to engage with. And connections, Um, like when things happened to him or to his friends, there were real emotional stakes. And you got the sense that this was a guy who was, you know, both of our leads in the last one. That yeah. these are people who are deeply affected by the world around them and that this yeah. this ongoing murder mystery is having huge consequences on them. Whereas, Which is funny because yeah. this one is the one that places the action most directly in relation to the killer. The, the last two has literally been a case of a guy is walking down a street at night and happens upon, <laughs> you know, a murder that has happened. In this one, it is very directly, he is being framed for murder by someone who is in his life. And it does turn out, you know, 
in the fullness of the thing and in the final act that this is very personal, which is curious because yes, it does feel, I don't know, it just, it, it's, it, it, like we say, it just sags. It's not as engaging, although, I don't know, for me, like, in terms of the ranking of this thing, I think Bird, Bird of the Crystal Plumage for me is still my favourite, and then I think it's this followed by um, uh, Il Gato. Ooh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I think so. Because that one, I just, I really don't remember many of the sequences involved with him exploring the various nine tales, you know, oh. the, the genetics lab. I, I do, but I took gen- the notes. Generic. So That's true. <laughs> so I, That I, does help. I wonder if that, that might be, because I was going to say, I, I think I lean most favourite favorably to that one mainly yeah. because i found the two leads most compelling and even when yes the film went on much longer and and the explanation kind of paid off in that one whereas i feel yeah. like argento loves to find a bit of um you know fake science or science yes, that is does. like kind of common maybe it, it it's all um it's all folk tale right uh he, yeah. he picks up a, a something like that and and uses it to excuse or um yeah, uses it as as why the murderer would do such such a thing, and I think the murderer yeah. in this film has a very a, like could have a very compelling case for um, our lead is just fucking insufferable. <laughs> he just <laughs> sucks. True. I would have murdered him too. <laughs> Eventually, they will get into the psychology of it because Argento does like to have these sort of the very psychological kind of aspects to the filmmaking. He likes to have it. This is something he's sort of, you know, inherited from Hitchcock and will eventually be passed on to De Palma. Um, well, kind of at the same time as De Palma. But there is this interest in sort of using, you know, psycho- what is understood as psychology at the time, even if it is sort of pop, pop psychology. Um, and you end up with these very fun little moments. But then also sort of forensic science gets involved. In the first movie, you have the sort of computer printout of the killer. And then in this one, you've got the absolute ridiculous eye oh, projection. Yeah. <laughs> thing which is good fun and it adds to it but when i think of this movie i will just think of sequences and moments i will think about the detective's investigation i'll think about him meeting up with the professor and god which doesn't help him in any way no those two characters can be lifted out incredibly easy without really contributing much they have a slight role to play in the ending but my grandmother even pointed out they already had something set up to justify how he could have gone out of that situation, he wired up the electricity beforehand to create like a makeshift light switch. Mm-hmm. He could have activated that with his foot or something to distract the killer to get away. He didn't need God to show up. But, I don't know, almost like um, uh, James Joyce or something. <laughs> I enjoy, <Wow. laughs> I feel like this movie is at its, like Argento's can be at his strongest when he is sort of diver- diver- diverting. You know, when he's on his little tangents. Yes, can, you do get a lot of yeah. colour and life that way. And yes. Yeah, meeting meeting God and the Professor was was cool. Uh, and they were very, like, interest. Like, it was just very dreamlike the way that whole thing was set up. I really do feel like it felt like a Beckett play. Uh, yeah. You know, like you know, like our two tramps in, in Waiting for Godot. But I'm like, it, yeah. I feel like you get a, you get a match, babes. You know, if this yeah. is the most interesting thing, then then lean towards that. Like, I, yeah, I don't yes. know. I, I, I lose interest in the whole murder mystery at a certain point. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, let's just, let's just fuck about. <laughs> let's just fuck yeah. about in this world. Like, we can still <laughs> have the murder, but it doesn't need to be a sort of investigation plot. Like, yeah, you know? Yeah, and, and another thing is the murder set pieces, although the build-up and anticipation is good, the payoff 
it's sometimes good. There's a couple of moments in there which are very good, but others it can be a little just too, you know, straightforward, done. You know, in particular, just cutting away and then later on it turns out they were dead. Yeah. <laughs> we get that a couple of times and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's a bit surprising for you, Dario Argento, at this stage. Uh, uh, look, we were yeah, running but, out of time. <laughs> yeah, but this, the stalk sequences are really good, like the park sequence and all the rest of it. Like, yeah, really good moments, but it's it's about trying to make that sort of central issue compelling. And I think having a likable main character is a big part of that. But also you don't want too much sort of big expositional moments. I totally agree. Yeah. It's a tricky thing, but it's very interesting to see a director work so closely to a template. Mm. You know, like watching them. It's like it's like Ozu revisiting the same, you know, kind of themes and concepts over and over again and exploring them in different ways. It's curious to see this kind of approach that he has to his shallow films and the subtle variations in there and figuring out what works and what doesn't. It's yeah, it's curious. Mm. It's very interesting to see. Like a like a Buddhist poet who devotes his entire life to writing about blossoms. Just trying <laughs> to find the right words. That's Argento with Ex- his except gory is- Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Except this is about murder and yeah. introducing maybe slightly offensive queer characters? We're not sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let's have our little discussion about the LGBTQI plus representation in Argento's films. Like, I, I, the dichotomy comes down to, is this an endearing piece of representation that shows a gay character in a positive way in a time when gay characters were not being portrayed at all, or is it just perpetuating gay stereotypes? Why not both? <laughs> Why not both, guys? <laughs> I had the cuz yeah, I was endeared. You know, it, it's yeah. one of the things when you're when you're looking back on something in hindsight where I do yeah. think a bit of the former of how refreshing it is to just have a character yeah. who is very openly queer. Um yeah. But also, like, you know, and there are bits where it's like, I find this endearing. However, if if this was all that people were seeing, uh, maybe I would not want an actor doing the floppiest of wrists. Oh, God. It, particularly for a straight actor as well. Well! It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's something. It's something. I was it's like, something. that man has is... no ligament in his wrist whatsoever. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. This performance and this kind of way in which he's written into the script in which, oh, he's gay, but it's okay, but we will comment on it and make jokes about it the whole time, is very 90s. And this is a movie made in the 70s. So maybe it is ahead of its time. It's just not ahead enough. Well, and also (laughs) the the 90s was a low bar for everything. (laughs) Well, exactly. But this is the kind of like low bar representation that you're not even getting at this stage. And obviously we've moved past it. And thank God we have. It's still awkward, obviously. Mm. But to some extent, I don't know. It'll be very interesting once we have the whole picture. Well, we I was going to say, thing. because we have seen a bit of diversity in the type of queer characters he has. Now that we've had our little LGBTQI plus corner, let's uh, look at some other sections. And let's see if we can build up any Italian vocabulary for this particular month. Oh, yeah. Not much for me because I was fairly distracted from having all of my living family members surrounding me. And an unliving one. Daz ashes are in the room. Aww. Aww. Nice. Where's mine? <laughs> oh, he's in a ring somewhere. Your ashes? He- oh, okay. Uh... No, Dad's ashes. <laughs> <laughs> I put him in a ring. You put him in a ring? Yeah. Oh, that's cute. So I can take him around. People can still kiss him. 
<laughs> How Italian? There you go. Kiss my dad. <laughs> Kiss my dead dad. Kiss I'm my Italian. fucking dead dad on his cheek. Show some goddamn respect, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, this is, I, I believe, the first time we hear Go Fuck Yourself, Vafangulo. Oh, yeah. Oh, which yes, is, I did notice Yeah, that. which is like a commonly known phrase, but I'm like, oh, is this the first time we've heard it in Ooh. one of these? That's kind of fun. Uh, it was taboo up until the summer of 1971. <laughs> In uh, January, you couldn't have gotten away with that. Yeah, God, no. Uh, peri- pericolo, I like. It's just danger. Ah, pericomo, you say? Colo. Oh, colo. Pericolo. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And uh, we also hear, again, people know it, but putana for whore is nice. Oh, I love that. Yeah, putana. love that. That's why it's called putanesca, whore's pasta. <laughs> Because it was cheap, I Amazing. believe. Wow. <laughs> wow. Gotta love that. What a brand name. What a <laughs> wonderful language and culture. <laughs> um, so a character answering the phone with pronto. Pronto. Yeah. Is that pronto? Yeah. I hadn't heard it's that It's like before. here. I like that. Or hello. You know, yeah. Here, pronto. present. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Go. Um, <laughs> characters listing reasons for something. Says uh, primo for the first reason and then secondo for the second reason, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, oh, I looked up imbecile got said, but in Italian, so it was something like imbecile. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the C became a chur. So I think it was imbecile. And then, uh, yeah, and then later on, something boring, I think it was facile or not important. Facile. Facile. F- would it be a C or would it be a C? Facile. Sure. Facile. Facile. It, it might be facile. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it for my Italian vocab corner. Yay. You'll be a pro Yay. by the end. End of this. I mean, we already know Il Gatto e Novacordi. And <laughs> what more could we need? <laughs> quattro, quattro, quattro Mosche di uh, Velito Grigio. So Grigio. I think we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll get by. Our, our trip to Rome will be a, a, an easy... <laughs> triumph. <laughs> we'll triumph over Rome. And that's something that the Greeks can't say. Oh, <laughs> Uh-oh. 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 Um... Uh-oh. Where's your fucking army, Alexander? <laughs> So, anyway, segments. Segments. Uh, best scare, creepiest moment. You go first. <laughs> okay, for me, actually, something I didn't mention, there's a lot of abstract stuff going on in this movie. Yeah. Like, little shots of, like, moments, and it's really getting into the sort of psychology of the thing, and little suggestive moments that I really liked. And I did really like his very eerie dream that he keeps having, mm. which in the end is in- implied to be vaguely prof- uh, prophetic. Yeah. But... Ultimately, I'm going with the absolute surreal and gorgeous way in which he delivers the final kill um, of the movie, where the killer meets their own sort of nasty fate, kind of through circumstance, and the movie ends dead after it, and you've got to respect that. Um, <laughs> you've got to respect it, or you've got maybe to respect be a that. little bit annoyed. <laughs> right up until the point when a rubber head goes flying out the window, it's really eerie and surreal yeah. and kind of gorgeous. Yeah, you so see I'm lots of as... beautiful shots of glass breaking. The glass and, breaking yeah, and like the, the car crumpling, and it's just, yeah, it's kind of... Kind of incredible. If not for so, the explosion, yeah. I would have been like, that's very tasteful. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that explodes and the goblin music starts. Yeah. By the way, Ennio Morricone's out now, but yeah, he's going to find an eloquent, elegant solution. I was Ooh. going for elegant and eloquent, but so an eloquent uh, solution <laughs> to well, his music problems. Wait. I'd probably go with. Um, cause you know, like I always find the actual murder scenes to be more goofy than they are 
scary. It can be. Um, but I loved, I loved that whole park sequence because there was a moment oh, yeah. where I was like, are we going Suspiria? Are we going yeah. magical? And are we having, <laughs> you know, this, this character, like, you know, obviously she's, she's meeting up for an exchange of information. The danger's high. She's going into this park. There's all these children, but they're not really like. There's children going around on, not a merry-go-round, but like a little yeah. kind of turntable yeah. thing. And none of them are like really moving or smiling or like yeah. it's it's all very tableau-esque, um, similar yeah. to like the dream sequence. And it's very, very cool. And then they all like blip out of existence. And I guess yeah, like now that I've seen it in hindsight, I guess maybe that was to show like the passage of time. Like she, I think so, like but she was really striking way to do that. It was really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, and even like her running through this really tiny, I don't even oh, know yeah. what you call it. It's like, yeah, too, <laughs> like, because it's, it's a, a crevice. Yeah, and she's like, she's running through and it seems to be getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a very scary situation. And yeah, yeah, I think that's very cool. I liked that. And the contrasting of her panicking and the wind and everything happening in that alleyway with the cold, slow progression of the killer yeah. silently. Yeah, very, we just, just hear footsteps. their footsteps. Very yeah, good. Very cool. Um, best character. I am going to go Jean-Pierre Morel Mar- or Mariel as uh, Gianni Assolo. Um, His name is Assolo. <laughs> I, um, I got one ass, oh, no. but God, I know how it's to use not. it. <laughs> Arroslo. Arroslo. Okay, I feel a bit better about this, but he is the gay detective character. <laughs> I enjoyed him a lot. I thought his performance was very good, even if it is. Kind of cliched, I thought he brought a fair amount of nuance and a lot of poignancy to the death scene. Mm. Well, I was going to pick like... him too. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, I, I was tempted to go for the professor, but I can't just keep picking I didn't... Argento's weirdos I didn't... after yeah, last week. I wasn't... I mean, there was something cool about, like, God. But I also just, yeah. like... And the hallelujah uh, bit. Yeah, but I didn't feel like our main character really like lived in that world enough for no for it to be a what kind does it mean of to him. Yeah, exactly. And they're meant to be friends, but it. I just. I. I wasn't. I liked that character in in isolation, but not. But yeah. but the detective was was a part of the world. Yes, a very heightened yeah. and silly kind of part of the world. But still, he lived in it. And yeah, you're right. The, yeah. the final death, the, like the death scene of him knowing he he yeah. he solved that one was very bittersweet. And yeah, yeah. And like, there's a the detective living in the world. Like, there's a moment where he encounters another gay stereotype. Oh, I was gonna say that and was my favorite like, bit of like. It was really good because yeah. he's just like, "What are you looking for?" And he's like, "I'm looking for you." And it's like they have a little moment of like communication where it's just yeah. It was one sweet. of those things where I'm like, I I could see him being the main character, like this kind yes, of Columbo esque figure where you think he's not very good, but yeah. like in that bit, you see him really turning on the charm using his conversation yeah. skills like they have the whole like the guy's like oh and you wouldn't believe if i told that and he's like no no i wouldn't believe it tell me more tell me more and i was like well that's it's dynamic it's which you're really... not getting from a fucking main character yeah it's really fun and even like his stuff yeah him not wearing the the sh- the the jackets halfway off his shoulders i was yeah. like i want oh, i want this guy to be our main character that's what i yeah, want yeah absolutely yeah. oh god all right best kill I've gone with Dahlia, the cousin, who 
has a couple of really shocking moments. She's hiding in a cupboard for ages as the killer sort of passes. And then when she comes out, there's a flash as she's suddenly like hit in the mm. face with the knife. Which yeah. Leaves a cut. And then this really, I know it could be silly, but I like it. Do, it's do, do, this do, do. static shot of her face as, her, as she slides down the stairs. Mm. And then a tracking shot of the knife going up. Knife stays uh, still. The background moves to indicate that it's going up and then slides all the way down. Mm. Shocked face, the end. Yeah. I loved it. I really Very liked the, the knife drop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I say the the dream sequence? <laughs> is that cheating? Sure. No, absolutely. It's menacing. It, it it reminds me a lot of Midsummer with the, the ritual oh, yeah. killing. You know, all yeah. these people stood around. But even the detail of like, yeah, this person gets stabbed in the neck first. So that, they, so that they ne- they arch their neck up for a cleaner yeah, swipe. Rigid. Yeah, it's Ugh. it's really interesting. It's really chilling. Um, it is. And I liked it a lot. Yeah, and I think the effect of building up to it, showing it, because the guy at the party tells you how it works, and then you see it, but it cuts off before the sw- just as the sword starts to swing. Next time he dreams, we're a bit further into the action, a bit further until finally we see it. And it's, yeah, it's a menacing sequence for it being silent. It's very good. And then finally, the final section is to rank our heroes. And here we have Michael Brandon as Roberto Tobias. Probably the worst one. I think so. It's pasta with no sauce, mate. Yeah, he is. (laughs) He is absolutely that. Maybe this was just made too quickly. Maybe this needed a bit more time to stew and resonate. And that's what we're going to get because we've actually got, I think, a four-year gap before Profondo Rosso. (gasps) I can't wait. Much more. Much more straightforward title as well. <laughs> I can do that one already. Excellent. <laughs> well, it's time to get back on these here time traveling Vespers then. All right. Use your indicator, oh, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We're d- just let me merge on my time Vesper. Oh, I hate this traffic in the time vortex we're in. <laughs> Around the, t- the time vortex around the Colosseum is a real nightmare. Bloody hell, these things are tough on the crotch, though, just like the rest of Italy. <laughs> What's that coming up on our left, Paul? Is it the movie? <laughs> it is. It sure is, because, yes, after his animal trilogy, Argento has a go at a comedy drama called Le Cinque Giornet, or The Five Days. <laughs> Le cinque. cinque the cinque cinque jornet <laughs> you gotta be real careful when you say that man you gotta be real <laughs> you gotta be real I, fucking careful <laughs> I apologise I was coached on how to speak Italian by an Australian <laughs> an Australian Italian so <laughs> that's why it's full of racial slurs <laughs> yes ours is a racist country I'm so sorry <laughs> The Five Days is about a thief and a baker who team up during the chaotic final days of the Italian revelation. Revolution. Revela- the revelation <laughs> that nothing was going to work anymore. Yeah. What was the Italian? Was that the Italian revolution that got rid of Mussolini or the one that put him in? I don't know anything about Italian history. I don't know. You were just me neither. <laughs> no. Rome Shit. happened and then we try not to talk yep. about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> then some mistakes were made. Oops, oops, oops. 
That's why we say forget about it so often. Forget about it. Hey, <laughs> it's a f- very important aspect of cultural identity. The fascism? Forget about it. <laughs> this from the BFI's website, who screened the film as part of their Argento retrospective this year. Probably the only chance to catch this particular film in cinemas, but I missed it. So ah! they say, a box office bomb in Italy. This spaghetti western influenced melange of buddy movie, historical romp, and political satire remains the director's only non-horror thriller making it an absolute must for Argento completionists. And uh, Jesus Christ, the BFI are good at making certain things sound watchable. <laughs> I've come a cropper of that many a time. What did they say about Grown Ups 2? <laughs> <laughs> well, they included it in their Sandler retrospective. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Thank you for coming dear. to this Dennis Duggan season. <laughs> God. Argento then returned to horror quite promptly with uh, Deep Red or Profondo Rosso. Quite an easy one this time, but nearly wasn't because the original title w- was uh, the Sabertooth Tiger or uh, let's have a go. <laughs> have a go, have a crack. La Tigre, yeah. De Denti, <laughs> like Denti, <laughs> Denti a Schiabula, Schiabula, Schiabula. That's a dagger, I guess. You know what? In my broken Italian, I've never had to refer to a Sabertooth Tiger. <laughs> Same so before. I'm That's a have shame. To- <laughs> Gonna have to go off your lead. Let's get it empty, Ah, nonna, you've left this saber-toothed tiger out. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, which would have kept it within the animal cycle of films, but you know they changed it. Maybe because they couldn't think of a natural way of fitting it into the plot, and you know that that's important to them. Oh that that not god. be contrived. <laughs> Oh, look, the killer has a saber-toothed tiger figurine. <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah, that would have been ridiculous. Done. <laughs> you know what I'm really realizing? I don't know why this is called Profondo Rosso either. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not, hey, forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. Forget about it. what I it. did to the plot rundown, but we're going to struggle through anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Well, let me struggle through some more production notes. Yes, um, yes, you do that. He writes this one with Benedito Zapponi, uh, a journalist and one-time film critic turned screenwriter who's worked with softcore porn director Tinto Brass. Not quite film Tinto Brass, but mostly is. I mean, he's got the fucking name for it. You know, yeah, Tinto exactly. Brass, you're going into porn. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, he worked with softcore porn director Tinto Brass and Federico Fellini. How far back does that se- and apply in that sentence? Watch, watch <laughs> Fellini, he'll find out. <laughs> He worked on some good Fellinis. He worked on Roma, Satyricon, and five others. <laughs> Less Not appearing much. in this film. Forget about those. Yeah. Um, according to Zapponi, uh, the murder scenes were inspired by Gento's desire to invent painful injuries that the audience would be able to relate to. Most people don't know how it feels to be shot or stabbed, except, you know, Italians. Uh, but chopped up with a meat cleaver, they know exactly. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nonna raised me right. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, they they shot the film in Turin because Argento found out there were more practicing Satanists than in any other European city. I don't know what oh. census got completed. 
Yeah, I, d- <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I don't know. Argento said it, therefore. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that it was totally yeah. scientific and accurate. <laughs> yeah, he, he asked. He met too, and they both lived there, therefore. That's a lot. That's a lot more than you usually see. So he's not wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> That's 100% more than I know to live in Cardiff. I bet that was a bad pull. Cardiff, Cardiff is probably fucking head to toe with them. I think, yeah, Cardiff is, uh, is definitely where a portal opened up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hell mouth. Oh yeah. my God, Welsh Buffy. That would be. It's oh called God. Torchwood, cunt. <laughs> it already exists and it's Torchwood. <laughs> Damn. I'll have to watch Torchwood. Now, the. The complicated effects from this uh, came from special effects maestro Carlo Rambaldi, who had previously done effects for Mario Bava's Danger Diabolique. Paul Morrissey's excellent Flesh for Frankenstein and Blood for Dracula. I fucking love both of those movies and highly recommend them. But perhaps more notably, perhaps more notably, uh, he would go on to do effects for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Ooh. Alien, where he designed the alien's <gasps> head, E.T., oh did oh. I, he did E.T., uh, <laughs> David Lynch's Dune, and most importantly, Oliver Stone's The Hand, starring Michael Caine. <laughs> he did all the hand effects. Uh, you really stuck the landing there. <laughs> he did the animatronic Michael Caine. <laughs> and they've been using him ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yes, rather than cast another American, they put British actor David Hemming in the lead most famous for having played the lead in Antonioni's era-defining masterpiece, Blow Up, in 1966. Uh, he was also in Barbarella, which is even more era-defining. But in oh, my ways. God. <laughs> God bless wow. that man. Wow. Um, wow, wow, wow. Younger generations might remember him for playing the senator with the weird eyebrows in Gladiator and Proctor in Equilibrium. I hope that's why they remember him. Oh, I've not seen either of those films because, unfortunately, growing <gasps> up, I did not have a penis. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> That is res- unfortunate. Yeah, as a result, such a law <laughs> was lost to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, two big collabs start here. The biggest of which is that having fallen out with Ennio Morricone, this film is scored by the Italian rock band Goblin. And Argento would work with Goblin ten more times, including his most famous film, Suspiria. 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 <laughs> you have to do the voice. You have to. <laughs> Amazing. I know, right? And the other one is uh, Daria, Daria Nicola, Nicol. Oh, I looked it up. Nickelodeon. <laughs> Nickelodeon. There we go. <laughs> Nickelodeon. Daria Nickelodeon, who plays the love interest in this, with whom Argento would work five more times and co-write Suspiria. Suspiria. Whoa! That's cool. Yeah. Okay. That is cool. Uh, He also married her, and at one of the four conversations with Argento I saw at the BFI this year, he was asked if his life had had extreme moments, like in his films, and he responded that my life's like any other. It's had wonderful moments and terrible moments. When I divorced Daria, that was a wonderful moment. <laughs> Whoa! La, 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 la. What a dick. <laughs> what a dick, but massive laugh from the audience, and he was just absolutely deadpan. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> oof, oof, oof. Okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, the last thing he said after, like, four hours worth oh, of conversations man. we had that weekend. Dude. God. I... <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, it's a bit of, hey, do you know what? Forget about it. 
Forget about it. All right. Speaking of forget about it, should we get to the plot? (laughs) Did you forget about it? One last thing. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) I haven't forgotten about it yet. Uh, The film was well-received. In a retrospective review from 1984, Kim Newman, the excellent film critic, writing for Sight and Sound's monthly film bulletin, said, What sets Argento apart from imitators like Lucio Fulci is his combination of genuine pain, the murders are as nasty as one could wish, but the camera flinches where Fulci's would linger, and self-mocking humour. (laughs) <laughs> well he's mocking someone yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> it's know. all internalized i yeah. assure you uh <laughs> the, the film is largely considered to be one of argento's best and perhaps the best giallo film ever made whoa whoa okay. according to some people but we shall see <laughs> ellen yes what happens Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> sorry. I'm skip to the I'm end. Already sweating again. Okay, as I shakily hold up my notes. All right, be brave. We can do. We can do brave things. Um, la 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 la. The credits open to a totally normal sight of a jazz group playing in a circle, facing each other in an empty cathedral. You're playing Fuck too yeah. good, says Jazz Michael Parkinson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is this whiplash? I don't know, but I tell you what is a whiplash. We go straight from jazz to a parapsychology conference about tele- <gasps> <laughs> telepathy in animals, which quote can be easily demonstrated. Uh, I cross out scientific accuracy immediately. We have Blonde Love Witch. That's the best reference I could give you. I'm so sorry. She's a telepath and she can tell um, someone in the audience is wanking. Just kidding. He's got keys in his pocket. Who could have possibly predicted that? She's then struck by the sensation of a prick of a thorn, uh, someone singing uh, a house and death. Oh, sounds like PMS to me. But no, someone in the audience has killed or is a murderer. Ooh, we go to a bathroom in desperate need of a renovation. Um, and we see the POV of someone retching and zipping up black gloves. Ooh, are they your peeing gloves? Anyway, the love witch knows uh, <laughs> who's had these thoughts and writes it down. I'm sure, I'm sure she'll be fine. <laughs> Writing down who the murderer is has never gone bad in any of these films before. So, uh, Cut to, obviously, my dressing room table full of baby dolls, marbles, knives, devil figurines as someone gets ready for the new My Chemical Romance album <laughs> by <laughs> applying thick eyeliner. Hot. Um, Fuck yeah. The Love Witch is on the phone to a journalist but is interrupted by that blasted title music. La, 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 la. Who left that on? Is someone at the door? Oh, better get it. Chop, chop. Uh, She gets chopped up by a machete. And the killer takes her notes. Ah, shouldn't have written it down. Oh, if only we had the Ah. iCloud back then. Anyway, Jazz Michael (laughs) Parkinson's meets with Bob Dylan, who's drunk as a skunk in the streets. They overhear the scream of the Love Witch. What was that? Oh, probably just a sexual assault. Ah, cheers to that. Um, he bids his <laughs> awful friend goodbye and sees Love Witch get chopped through her window. Uh, the dub over artist is having a hell of a time with a detective who only talks through a mouthful of sandwich. Manic Pixie photographer comes onto the scene of this fully catered investigation. Jazz Michael Parkinson's uh, remembers that a man left wearing a brown raincoat and that there was a painting of faces that has gone missing. Uh, we have some hot goss at the Love Witch Jewish funeral, which somehow segues to some French romance <laughs> film between Manic Pixie journalist and uh, Italian Michael Parkinson. <laughs> Sorry, Jazz Michael Parkinson. 
Um, the cutesy mm. couple shit continues with some uh, <laughs> shitty car hijinks. Oh, Manic Pixie journalist has a terrible car. It's very, I, I laugh. Anyway, um, there's a joke about boomerangs that I feel represented. Uh, the parapsychologist now <laughs> is doing a monk at the theater where the love witch uh, had her psychic fit, trying to recreate the last moments. <coughs> we go back to Jazz Michael Parkinson and uh, uh, Manic Pixie journalist uh, as they're doing their little investigation. They're talking about feminism. You know, men are jazz pianists and women are journalists, obviously. <laughs> uh, she challenges him to an arm wrestling uh, competition and she damn near breaks his sexist arm off. He gets butthurt about it and doesn't want to investigate together anymore. <laughs> that means he uh. goes to Bob Dylan's mum for some reason. Can't remember why. If you do, jump on in. Um, and his mum's <laughs> a bit loopy and probably a lot horny and she gives him directions to where Bob Dylan is. It turns out he is at his lover's house who is doing his best Prince cosplay. He's very hot. Um, mm. And uh, uh, yeah. Bob Dylan's lover is concerned about his mental state. Anyway, back to... <laughs> you know what makes me relax during a murder investigation, Paul? No, you're right. It was rhetorical. Doing some jazz composition. <laughs> um, jazz, jazz I Mike. said it was. <laughs> jazz Michael Parkinson no. is tinkling away on the key. <laughs> Um, but he keeps getting distracted because someone keeps playing the darn title music from Profondo Rosso. Uh, Jazzman is threatened through the door um, as he is on the phone to Manic Pixie Journalist. Uh, and he says, someone is absolutely trying to kill me, you know. <laughs> um, he, he does in the English dub anyway, which I thought is too funny not to, <laughs> not to commit to Wait, memory. English dub? So this is where we find oh, out that I had a dual uh, I had a dual <laughs> uh, recording which has bits in both Italian and English. Okay. And at Interesting. a certain point I just let it all wash over me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> The jazz man finds the music that's been playing during the murders. It's some sort of uh, child's music album. Um, the parapsychologist makes one hell of an assumption that the killer is a paranoid schizophrenic who needs to recreate specific conditions to unleash pent-up anger. I mean, I guess he must be right. No one else has offered any reasonable explanations, so I guess we're going off that. Um, another shrink wants to add something, <laughs> something less scientific to the theorizing. Less, I say? <laughs> less um and he says that love witch mentioned a house as well as singing and that there was a legend of a haunted house that had a child singing um which was proof that there was bloodshed once in the house he says to go check it out in the library of folklore oh boy uh the jazz man calls Hot manic pixie journalist to follow lead on the house in the noisiest possible cafe while she's obviously on wall street with all the ringing and yelling uh the <laughs> author of this uh this legend uh finds that someone's gone and put babies all over her house oh i hate it when that happens um the music from the t <laughs> the music from the title plays, um, but, oh no, the murderer was a bird. Just kidding. It's a jump scare. Uh, but the real killer clonks the author over the head to a jazzy fresh beat and <laughs> wastes all the hot water in the house by pouring a bath and drowning her in it. Oh no, can't you tell we're in a drought? <laughs> uh, Jazz Michael Parkinson looks for clues concerning the author's death uh, in the only way he can, taking phone calls in loud spaces. Yes, so uh, the parapsychologist checks out the crime scene and sees uh. that the author wrote a 
message in Steam. It was... <gasps> anyway, cut back to the haunted house. <laughs> Jazz Michael Parkinson goes to investigate with the owner's ghost daughter. Uh, Stop sticking pins in lizards, uh, the dad says. Ah, youth. Anyway, Jazzman <laughs> finds something odd on the walls. He scratches layers of paint away to reveal a drawing of someone getting stabbed up. Ah. <gasps> Uh, you know, ah, it's important. Um, <laughs> as Jasmine returns to look at the painting for the third time, he reveals another section of a third figure in the picture. Ah, but he gets bonked on the head. Damn pop-out walls. Okay, the parapsychologist is at home now, cozy and secure with the knowledge of the killer. Knock, knock. I didn't order a creepy moving doll. Ah, uh, well, it pairs well, sir, with the corner of all the furniture in the house. The murderer grabs him, <laughs> uh, shoving his face into each corner of all of his furniture. Uh, thankfully, he uses his tongue to cushion the blow. Just kidding, he's dead. Meanwhile, <laughs> Manic Pixie journalist and Jasmine say, bugger all this crime investigation. Let's go on a holiday. She flounces off, but Jasmine checks on a photo of the haunted house and realizes that the window is missing just when I think I'm out of the game he says uh, he calls his friend to tell him he's going but he's not home oh I wonder if that'll come up later probably not uh, he summons his inner tradie and knocks out the wall of the haunted house and finds out where all the corpses are kept ah unfortunately he continues to suffer from getting bonked on head syndrome uh, manic pixie journalist just happens to be there to save him when the place gets burnt to the ground. Uh, he is back at the groundskeeper's house, I'm assuming. Either way, it's some guy who has the keys to the haunted house. Uh, let me know if you have an explanation for that. Um, and he sees the ghost girl has made a drawing of the murder mural. Uh, she says oh. that she saw drawings of it in the archives of her turtle school. Because <laughs> as, as, as Leonardo da Vinci, get it? Get it? Anyway, uh, Manic Pixie <laughs> Dream, go they go to the school, uh, but Manic Pixie Journalist gets knifed in the classroom. Something about learning a lesson? I don't know. Uh, Any who's, uh, we, uh, we find Bob Dylan, um, and he runs from the police but gets dragged behind a big old moving truck. Hmm, well, I guess that must be the end of the film. Seems nicely resolved, <laughs> except... Da, 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 uh -oh. It wasn't Bob Dylan. Ah, Jazzman <gasps> returns no. to the apartment because he realizes he must have been missing something. He then figures out that he didn't see a painting missing that night, but a mirror with the real killer's face who I will <sighs> leave. Yeah. Anyway, there's a bit of a run from Jazzman uh, as he tries to get away from the murderer, but thankfully the murderer is wearing a long necklace. There's an elevator and Jazz Michael Parkinson has seen Final Destination. You've been watching <laughs> Profondo Rosso and the killer was... <laughs> Oh no, I'm getting stabbed. Oh no, I wish I'd told you who the murderer was. Oh, how could I have prevented this? <laughs> the murderer is as follows. <laughs> it follows. I love that movie. Anyway. Love um, that movie. So. <laughs> what do we think? What do we think of Profondo Rosso? What do you think? Um, I loved so much of the imagery in this one. Like yeah. we had some really cool set pieces. Um, yeah. The the return to yeah these these kind of symbols for the killer. Uh, we we 
go back to the Argento thing of of having the eyes of the killer very featured very prominently, which is always really fun. Yes, um, and really mm. stylish. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, just some really cool locations on this one. There's um, like when we have Bob Dylan and Jazz Michael Parkinson, it's it's almost like a scene from Night Nighthawks. Like it's a it's an empty street mm. and it's really beautiful. And the location yeah. of the Love Witch, like there's, there's some fantastic imagery here, um, and some real yeah. real cool like dreamlike qualities. Um, it's there's <laughs> also like uh, I wouldn't say it's his goofiest, but there's certainly a lot of real goofy fucking bits in there. <laughs> um, like yes, we have the definitely. slapstick with the, the car. Uh, you know, we have like these weird, <laughs> anything with the detective I've realized is now just irrelevant. Like it's just, I think it's just for funny. It has become so. Yeah, yeah. it's just for funny. Yes, it almost always is. <laughs> um, yeah, the detective never helps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know that I liked Jazz Michael Parkinson that much. Um, mm, but certainly he, he had a flavor about him. Um, uh, and the, oh, was I like, I don't know that I was that intrigued by the mystery, but the more Argento I kind of watch, I always feel like mm. the mystery is kind of the weakest part. Uh, I don't know. Like there's, it, it's, it's always invigorating to see our hero on the journey of investigation, but in terms of like where the clues lead and, and who en- it ends up being. Yeah. It's always really invigorating to see our hero kind of on the quest to uh, investigate mm. who the murder is, but as it's usually like meant to be just a string of red herrings until we get to the final yeah. twist, there's always like not a lot of great evidence of like, okay, A leads to B leads to C. Um mm. Does that make sense? Or maybe I'm dumb. <laughs> well, it's there. It, it is there, but it's always very tenuous and it always, to some extent, like you say, doesn't matter too much. I will mm. say that I do enjoy the fact that the mechanics of this investigation is way more satisfying because usually it's just our reporter goes and talks to a bunch of people. Mm. And usually Argento will find interesting ways for them to talk to people. You know, they'll find some eccentric characters and such. Although, actually, the eccentric characters are almost always on the good side. The bad guy side or the mysterious side are usually quite boring. Mm. So it's quite fun that in this one, the investigation is pretty much exclusively bound to the house. It's unveiling the mural and it's finding the hidden room and it's doing research. And I found that stuff way more interesting because you are bordering. There's This is like a board, a transitional film between his um, sort of, you know, somewhat straightforward plot-wise sort of uh, whodunits of his past and where he's going, which is into supernatural horror. Mm. Because there are some moments in here which just, I mean, the whole, we'll come to the puppet thing, but the whole, the, 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 the haunted house aspect of it, you know, and just the weird kind of sinisterness of it, the use of music, Goblin's music. Mm. There's just an awful lot here that sort of speaks to the inexplicable and the supernatural. And I find that a lot more entertaining than the sort of grounded um, sort of yeah, investigations of previous films. Yes. And I also find, like you say, the style is really on point in this one. It's very stylistically interesting. Um, 
there are dry spots again where usually he's just going around talking to people yeah. um but i remember this there's a dry spot after the first murder and it leads up to the point where he is stalked in his home a sequence that starts with this tremendous push in through the neck curtain towards him as he's playing his piano mm. and then we get these really tight close-ups on the hammers hitting the strings and panning across the sheet music and it's like oh boy you know Argento's here <laughs> you know, this is him <laughs> fully realizing his style Uh-oh. and it's kind of exhilarating Argento's here <laughs> <laughs> watch out somebody like this man behind the camera and I adore it yeah I, um, I, I yeah, get what I'm, you mean because yeah. yes I I, I kind of wish that we would just um go more with the supernatural thing because some of these were mm. still quite grounded like it didn't seem like the haunted house was actually haunted um oh no it's not yeah and it's and just cinematically it feels haunted yes that's what I love. yeah and the puppet like is revealed to be you know some sort of moving doll um he's a clockwork thing yeah, yeah. and i, I just that. i just think <laughs> let's just fucking go with it chum let's do it <laughs> like yeah i don't really need this to make sense <laughs> i think so it's unfortunate that we are now going to skip the next two of his films which are supernatural it's um <laughs> Suspiria and Inferno are his big supernatural movies ah, before yes. he makes his next Jallo, ah, well. which is a shame, but that's the conceit that we're going with. Um, <laughs> but what I love is just the whiff of the inexplicable coming from the camera technique. You know, this sense of sort of ominous foreboding that I absolutely love and the sense of sort of madness creeping in. Um, because it, once again, you still have this obsession with the psychological of Argento, even if it is somewhat at this stage, you know, a little naive. Um, but I really like the idea that David Hemming's character is just purely is purely driven by the fact that he can't figure out what he didn't see. Mm. He's got this memory. It's wrong, but he doesn't know why it's wrong. Yes. And no one else really seems to acknowledge it either. Yeah, exactly. And then also then you add a bit of a ticking clock to the fact that he's going to be likely sort of uh, suspected for the murder once they find his fingerprints at the murder scene of oh the woman who wrote the book the uh, yes uh Rigetti. yeah the scary Amanda book Rigetti. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you get a slight inspiration there but for the most part yeah it's like all of argento's leads they're just inspired by being the main character in an argento film that's they're all just, they need really they're just dudes <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just guys who came along as the yes thing. because i tell you look not to be gendered about it but um, how often would you have a, a female character who would just willingly be like, fuck it, I'll chase down a killer? <laughs> <laughs> Candyman? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I want to say Candyman. Yeah, but no, but she's trying to get her PhD done, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, so... that's, that's all. You see, it's functional. It's practical. <laughs> it's all you need. Whereas a lot of these guys are like, whatever. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I got along with that. I spent the hell out of that. Um, all right. Well, before we get to our segments, yeah, I will. I will say that this is my this is my favorite of his Jello films, and quite pro- possibly my favorite Argento film. I think mm. I prefer this to Suspiria. I just wow. I don't know. There's just something so pure about it. It's so well honed and although you do have that slight lag you know it's nothing like the lags that happen in the second half of Suspiria as we discussed in the Patreon Mm. you know last year Mm. um I I just find it so compelling and so beautiful and cool I love so many aspects especially Goblin's soundtrack yeah um yeah the, the the scare sequences which we'll come to in a moment and with the uh the segments but yeah and I think 
it just represents some sort of absolute refinement of Argento's vision of what makes a good sort of horror thriller film. And yeah, I find it very compelling for that. Mm. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. You want to do some segments well, with me? Let's do some bloody segments, shall we? We'll do some bloody segments or we can all go home. <laughs> let's start with any Italian words we learnt this time around. Uh, oh, uh, fuck. Uh, Miodori. My smell. Miodori. Ooh, like, like, yes, I think. Yeah, my, because she was like, what, what don't you like about me? Is it my something? Is it my smell? Or, so yeah. I guess odori is like odor. Uh, my odor. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fun. Um, I had, I think someone gets called childish or something. And so infantile. Ah, that's nice. Said, which I, yeah. I like that. Uh, niente gets said, but I didn't hear what it meant. I just like uh, the sound mi- of it. Miente or niente? Niente, I think. Nothing, right? It niente. Niente. Is it, oh, was it nothing? Yeah. Niente. That was it. Yeah. Yep, it would have been nothing. Uh, you hear... Like, it's not a super special word, and I already know it, but you hear ragazza a lot, which is nice. Ragazza. Uh, it's, it's just the word for girl. So you have ragazzo for boy, ah, ragazza for, yeah. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Because and of the frightening little girl in this one. Yes, but also uh, I think they use it for, like, girlfriend as well. I guess they just say ah. my girl, um, mm. even though it's kind of meant to – I don't know. I guess maybe it's like a catch-all. Italian doesn't have that many words. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not, I guess it's not just for like children, like girl, boy. It's yeah. also like my girl or my boy kind of thing. Anyway. Okay. Love that. Um, when she's accusing him of various, no, she's not accusing him. It's after the arm wrestling. Um, oh yeah. But yeah. she wins, she wins fair and square, right? Because I read it in Kim Newman's review, it says she only won by cheating. And it's like, no, that's just what he said. She fucking beat his ass. I'm fairly sure she beat his ass. Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't lift a fucking elbow off the table. Anyway. And also, um, she's wouldn't that to, make like... it harder? <laughs> I don't know. Well, if you if you take your elbow off the, sh- off the table, I imagine you could then put your shoulder in. You have, yeah, more range of your arm. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I don't think she did. I think so. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Fucking Kim Newman. <laughs> Believing men as always. <laughs> you're a bad man. But she tries to like fix his ego afterwards. Um, and just says, oh, you're so masculine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're so masculine or something. And I think it's something like masculine. You're so butch. <laughs> so butch. Um, one I actually got to have the spelling correct on is that he looks into a book and um, the English subtitle was A Weird Thing Happened. You know, oh, and strano. the uh, Italian was Uno strano fatto. Mm. Attento gets used for be careful. It's like be attento. Ah, yep. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And finally, and I do love this, it's probably quite well known, but mal- maledetto for damn it, I think, or damn yeah. you. Yeah, that makes sense. Mal is, is mal- bad. So it might just be bad things happen to you, maledetto. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> love that. Okay, uh, we'll save Besquet for later because I actually have two good answers for this one, which is rare enough for these things. Ooh. Uh, so let's talk about best character. Who is your best character? I don't know. She annoyed me. But like Manic Pixie journalist is very yeah. funny. Um, <laughs> she it's is. more I just didn't like. Like I love her. I hated some of the stereotypes she's playing into. Yeah. Um, uh, well, at least she's Hawksian. You know, at least she's sort of you know no no nonsense kind of. Just you know the strongest, most powerful person in the room. Even if yes, it's it's a stereotype and it's you know it's yeah. it's one of the least sort of um, confining stereotypes at the very least. Yeah. 
She was fun. The detective with the sandwich. Every time he came on, I was like, "Who oh, the fuck, fuck is this guy?" And like, and then I—he's got- like the guy. Well, he's like the guy. I can't remember which one it was in. Was it Cat of Nine Tails? The guy who's always trying to tell everyone his wife's soup recipe. Yes, that's what it felt like. <laughs> but like, it yeah. felt like his scenes should have more weight. So I still wrote them down for my plot <laughs> rundown in the hope that it would come up. But no. <laughs> so yeah. even though while he charmed me. I'm furious at him because he fucked up my life. <laughs> <laughs> my um, favorite character yeah. is also a tie-in to our legendary segment, Argento's LGBTQI plus uh, representation moment. Because even though they are in just one scene, uh, Massimo Ricci, who is, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Carlos, Carlos yeah. uh, lover. Bob Carlos's Dylan, lover. Indeed. Uh, played by Geraldine Hooper, which raises even more interesting questions. They are great. Like, it's one scene, but they're f- they're fabulous, really sensitive portrayal and a wonderful tenderness mm. between them and Carlos. Um, and again, it just, even though, you know, cliche is there, just, a, you know, but is it, like, it's still representation I of did... a very sort of gender-bendery character. And I think that might be the most deftly Argento has handled this so far. Yeah, I mean, I did put them down in my, like, you know, m- notes of, I said, Carlos's lover is so beautiful, <laughs> almost eth- right? ethereal, and I like that. I know, that, beautiful. Yeah, gentle It looks quality. and in actions. Yeah, because yeah. their whole thing was that they were they were really concerned about Carlos and, and his drinking, um, and that he just was not in a good state. Um, yeah. And you're like, oh, is this going to be compounded by the fact that probably no one else knows about this? You know, is he going to yeah. do something dangerous because now his his jazzy friend knows about his sexuality? And, you know, yeah. it doesn't seem like his jazzy friend is the most open-minded or accepting guy. <laughs> yeah. Although his reaction to um, uh, to to them is not, you know, it's it's not a dynamic like we've seen in previous Argentas. It's not like this predatory thing where they're advancing and they're having to back away or sort of act compelled. Like there's an initial moment of, oh, am I in the right place? Which might just be, oh, I didn't realize one of my closest friends was gay, which is, you know, a thing that mm. might catch you off, off guard, at least initially. And then after that, you know, there's no real mention of it made. And there's that lovely moment after Carlos has left where Hemming's character just has a moment, um, what's the name, with Massimo, where it's just kind of, um, it, it, I can't remember if he says thanks or sorry. Oh. But it's just this real moment of, you know, it's a shame that we both care mm. for this guy and have to kind of deal with this. And it's nice, a nice little bonding moment. Mm. There you so, go. Yeah, I like that. There you go. Yeah. Right, let's kill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it cheating if I say the, uh, the bird? <laughs> Oh, the bird. Okay, that was quite. That was abrupt. Yeah, the <laughs> that bird. That's a surprise. I yeah, forgot about that. The author, um, she hears the title music playing, so she she knows she's about to get got. Uh, she grabs a knitting needle and holds it out, like yeah. brandishing it, and one of her birds flies directly onto it, um, and yeah. then is like bleeding, you know, from from the wound in its heart, and it's a very striking image. Um, yes, a very sudden. Yeah, you know, it doesn't give you enough time to process that a bird has flown into frame. It's, yeah, yeah, I yeah. really, really liked it. Is that cheating? Can I yeah. say the bird? 
No, go for the bird. Yay. Um, I have two. One of them is the pro- unnecessarily prolonged death of Carlos. <laughs> where it just goes oh, on and on. He's being dragged oh, behind a van. It's so good. He gets his it's head so bonked long. off of a curb. Oh, no. and, then, yeah. and then it goes to the effort of establishing these long metal prongs in the back of the truck. And I thought, oh, God. But that doesn't <laughs> happen. Instead, he just gets his head run over. Oh, yeah. Sure does. But that's not my favorite. My favorite is the one that gets the biggest reaction every time. It's It's the lift. <laughs> yes, you know, and I was it's thinking insane. to myself, you know, had this been the first film I'd ever seen in my life that that featured an elevator decapitation, um, maybe I, <laughs> I would be more shook. But you know, I'm a jaded, <laughs> jaded millennial. Oh God, I or thought it was so call it. <laughs> well orchestrated. When you see the neck and you see the necklace sort of pull through yeah. it, it's oh, it's very good. It's good and stuff. the fact that then we just follow the elevator, we don't even see the head. Yeah, I thought, that's haunting. I it was very tasteful. <laughs> yep, and the final and the final moment of David Hemming staring into the sort of deep red of the blood. Oh, there you go. Um, shit! Shit! <laughs> Did you do it? Did you just do it? Did you make the did title it. make sense? <laughs> uh, and then bravissima. a Saber Chief Tiger attacks. Bravissima, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, look. Last segment. Tutto Best bene. care or creepiest moment. The puppet. Uh, the grazie. puppet. Yeah. yeah, the fucking puppet, right? Yeah, it's dude. terrifying. And, it me- and, it's, oh. and, and it's the thing of, you know how, like, sometimes there's the scary thing of just seeing something standing. Yes. But I think what is scarier is when it moves at terminal velocity yeah. and it moves so it damn quickly towards him. Because it, the build-up to it is so good. You've got the heavy goblin music doing it, saying with the bass line, you do, do, mm. do, 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 and all of this. And then suddenly everything cuts and the psychologist has his back against the wall and it's silence for a moment. And then the door swings open and quicker than you can process it, this tiny little puppet in a suit just suddenly comes in accompanied by the sound of a creepy laughter. And then we cut to its point of view as it gets closer, a close up on the face, and then he hits it. And it's just, it's so well handled. Yeah. It's, it's sublime. It's great. It's everything I wanted it to be, Paul, and more. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Since you've got that, though, I'm going to go for a, a slightly different moment, which is one of the most sinister things that Argento's ever done. <laughs> we have this moment where Hemmings has gone, he's picked up the keys, and the guy who's given him the keys asks his daughter, who we get, we already get the impression she's a little creepy. She's like been like cr- watching out and sort mm. of doing stuff like that. And then he asks her to go with him. And so she does, but then suddenly he calls her back and he says, I told you never to do that again. And he slaps her across the face. And oh, you think, yeah. oh shit, what a horrible dad, what a mean guy. And then she bites her lip and smiles at him and then runs off. And he looks down, and we cut to his feet, and there is a lizard with a pin for its neck. Yeah. That's so creepy. Just girly things, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sinister and so unspoken. This school has apparently been churning out psychos for the last 30 years. Yeah. Because there's also Kill Your Parents written on a bathroom stool. (laughs) Oh, I missed that. (laughs) (laughs) 
We did it, folks. This movie would mark the beginning of a period that would surely be considered the pinnacle of Argento's career. But it would also be his last Jallo film for seven years. But luckily, we can skip all that shit with these magical vestas. Vespers. So let's just get back on. <laughs> and these vestas. <laughs> and these vestas. Do you like them? Hey, I my vesta. Yeah. <laughs> Scusi, my vesta. <laughs> Beep, beep. All right. See you losers later. Viva Italy. <laughs> Sup, Italy. Oh, fuck. I forgot about our little intro thing. Beep, beep. Here we are. Oh, shit. <laughs> it was, yep. Oh, wow. This is the quickest ride I've ever been on. Great. Yeah, I've actually got, I have actually gotten used to it. Yeah, I'm actually quite intuitive. <laughs> oh, you know, and it's so much, it, it's so much zippier getting around the city this way. Yeah, it's so much more exotic. Anyway. I've been whistled at several times. Oh, <laughs> I'm losing, I'm I losing my uh, my edge here. <laughs> it's not We're fair. Telling. You wore the you wore the skirt this time. <laughs> Gregory Pegg doesn't know what to make of me. <laughs> uh. uh, anyway, where are we at know. now in our wonderful uh, adventure? Is this Rome? <laughs> I see. Is this Rome? Oh, <laughs> yes, we're back in Rome after a brief sojourn because after Deep Red, Argento made uh, the biggest movie of his career, the supernatural non-Jallo, <gasps> sort of. I mean, it still has people with black with black gloves killing people. <laughs> so, uh, what Suspiria. What film is this? <laughs> if not, <laughs> <if> not Jallo, <laughs> what color? I think I'm doing my walls in Suspiria pink. Oh. <laughs> That's the colour. Suspiria was the film. It was the biggest both in terms of box office and legacy, I think. Uh, Certainly his most famous film. Uh, Then he worked with George A. Romero on Dawn of the Dead. Oh, a little indie darling. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Spending some time fucking around in a supermarket with Tom Savini. Love it. And then he made the second part of his proposed Mother's Trilogy with Inferno, uh, which had a mixed reception, although Kim Newman called it the most underrated horror movie of the 1980s. Well, I always go by Kim, of course. Of course. (laughs) You know Kim. (laughs) Kim knows what's up. Yeah. Still not seen it. (laughs) It was... It's it's fabulous. But it was barely released outside of of Italy. So it did much worse at the box office. What, just in Malta then, or...? (laughs) <laughs> just you had to travel there i just literally said you're lucky if you saw tenebrae outside of italy oh, so nice <laughs> <laughs> you had to walk into the wrong cinema in order to see it well this is argento also had a rough time of 20th century fox so oh. uh he was soured on hollywood therefore he just he ret- um he put the third and final part of the Mother's Trilogy on hold until 2006, it turned out. Jesus I Christ. I know, right? And it sucked. <laughs> he should have made it. Well, he, I guess he didn't know he wasn't going to be good for that long, so he didn't realize the importance Nothing of trying to make all the movies Nothing good came out in 2006. Could. Nothing. No, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, he set out to make the most Italian movie he could. Tenebrae. Hey. <laughs> Or, in its Italian title, uh, Tenebre. It's, it's very similar. <laughs> Basically that. It's just oh, Italian. Oh, wow, geez. Thanks for the translation there, Paul. <laughs> I was really struggling. I was like, oh, in my mother tongue, uh, what would that be? Tenebre. Tenebre. I got praise and I yeah. got tenebre. <laughs> um, the film was based on two things that happened to Argento in 1980. Uh, one, he had a creepy run-in with an obsessed obsessed fan on the phone who threatened to kill him. 
And uh, also, he was staying in a hotel when a Japanese tourist got shot dead in the lobby. And, uh, yeah, he really hated the idea of just people getting killed for no reason. Ah, so there's not going to be any motives in this film. No, there's going to be extra motives. <laughs> Don't worry. There's gonna be stuff going on. Now, the lead in this movie was originally offered to Christopher Walken. I saw that! What a, I saw that! that what a so timeline! Cool. <laughs> what a timeline that is that the people who saw that are living in. <laughs> Yeah, that that uh, universe is so much better than ours. <laughs> I know, right? Although Kim Newman did observe that if they had cast Christopher Walken, one of the plot reveals may have been a little bit too obvious. <laughs> what do you mean? That we he can dance really well? <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. It's revealed that the main character can dance really good. Yeah, it's like when we see Jack <laughs> Black been... in High Fidelity, and we all know he can sing great. So that reveal yeah, is just we all like, know it's what? <laughs> yeah, it's Jack Black, guys. Yeah, it's Jack Black. yeah come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, similar for Christopher Walken. <laughs> this. Uh, yeah, I can see. Now, a word on Daria Nicolodi. Nicolodi. Uh, that is Argento's then lover, who was memorably the love interest in Deep Red. Oh. And in spite of being involved, uh, involved romantically, they had fallen out over a disputed story credit for Nicolodi in Suspiria. I.e., she felt she should get one. And he felt differently, I assume. He felt differently about that <laughs> cool don't you remember i went to that ballet school and all of the teachers turned out to be witches it doesn't i'm pretty sure i came I'm up with so that i never listen to anything you say <laughs> <laughs> I, so it's entirely a coincidence that i came up with that idea so <laughs> wonderful so consequently she only wanted a small role in this and in their relationship but was uh she was cast as the ex-wife uh, a role that eventually went to Veronica Lario, who was once married to Silvio Berlusconi, which is one of the reasons this movie was banned at one stage. Because of the marriage? Because, <laughs> because um, I guess the Berlusconi administration thought that people shouldn't see the, the Prime Minister's tits. wife getting her hand violently cut oh, off. All right. <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> well, why not? Yeah. Carla Bruni's been up to all sorts. Yeah. <laughs> Double standards? Yeah, French and Italian, it just... Rules don't apply. They should. It's very yeah, like rules. in Italy, so, we have <laughs> rules about food. Oh, being good. Uh -oh. oh, and not snooty as hell. Oh, shit. <laughs> Got him. Want anything you could say about the Italians. <laughs> not snooty. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also talk that she may have been considered for the role of the woman on the beach in the flashback, a role that ended up being played by Eva Robbins, who is trans. That's pretty cool. Oh. I mean, she's horribly murdered, but not because she's trans, so I think that's progressive, even by today's standards. Yay. <laughs> Just, uh, Nickelodeon uh, ended up uh, taking on the larger role of Anne, the main, the main character's assistant, after an American woman dropped out. Uh, Nickelodeon said that the role required little energy or imagination, but she did like not being the killer or the victim. Spoilers. Would we say no, that she's nice... not a victim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she doesn't get violently murdered again. Hmm. We're all victims of Daryl wow. Argento, if you think the about bar. it. So low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> you really have to adjust your expectations if you find yourself in a Daryl Argento film. Hmm. Or married to him. Either or. Or married to him. <laughs> Uh, filming did become fraught. Yeah, speaking of which, filming became fraught after Dario took exception 
uh, to Nicolodi, uh, getting close to the lead actor, Anthony uh, Fran- Francioska, uh, bonding over Tennessee Williams and the theatre. He didn't like that. So after that, he started to make sure that their scenes together were, in her words, an ordeal to endure. Wow, what a cunt. <laughs> what a cunt. <laughs> That's awful. I hate it. That's a bad guy. Mm. You got right there. Uh, this apparently culminates in the final scene of the film where Nickelodeon had been directed only to scream a little bit, but instead did this. And I'll just sample the end of this movie. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it does go on a bit. <laughs> Yeah, she said that was cathartic. I get, I get it. Wow. Good for her. <laughs> Good for, Good for her. her. Now, although filmed in Italy, most of the dialogue was filmed in English. Sorry, Ellen. <laughs> hey, man, that's cool. <laughs> we, just, we just keep going. I just continue to force you to watch the Italian version of these, even though they're mostly in English. It's very fucking hard. <laughs> Uh, Tell you what, though, if you had watched, if you do watch the Italian version, which I assume you did, yeah. uh, the voice reading the book at the beginning... Dario Argento. Oh! Yeah. There you go. There you go. Little director's cameo. And it wasn't him. Screaming at his wife. That's, yeah, <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> now, although it would be, a a, it would be horrifying, but not in the way I'd like. <laughs> Here's a weird detail. Uh, Argento wanted to very subtly imply during the movie that this is set in the future. Either five or 15 years into the future. I read that too. Fucking yeah. why? <laughs> <laughs> very strong i actually heard it from the horse's mouth like he was he mentioned this in the q a i was at with him back in the summer and yeah he said that he wanted this massive decline in the population because you know there's been some sort of disaster or nuclear war or something Mate, it just and looks therefore... like italy <laughs> i know it right? just looks like italy but with now video phones. yeah is the decline in population because there's no jobs the uh, <laughs> the population <laughs> is aging and it's now a fascist state Yay. Yay! So maybe he was quite. Oh, he's also made comments that maybe it's like what Rome would be if the fascists stayed in power. Oh no! I don't know. I kind of like That's it. I like very the idea prescient. That... <laughs> very prescient of him. I like the idea that this story is just happening in this society. Very subtly, the story is being encouraged by the society, but the story isn't about the society. That's kind of there's something in there. I like it. I it's a bit weird. Should... Maybe too subtle. I think he should talk less. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should talk more. I think it just looks like all the Rome. time. Just looks like <laughs> in the 70s. Film received an 18 certificate in Italy, which Argento believes was because of the openly gay couple portrayed in the film, and not the incredible violence throughout. So, hmm. I reckon Just it might say. be because of the violence and the tits. It could have been, but then again, but they are gay Italy, tits. So there are gay tits, and it was Italy in the 80s. So who's to say? <laughs> Uh, however, this is one of Argento's most violent films, uh, with somebody getting killed on average every 10 minutes. Whoa. <laughs> That's so funny you say that because it didn't feel more or less violent than <laughs> than there's others. Yeah, when you start counting them up, you do realize it had quite the body count. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, yeah, yeah like maybe we're just slowly <laughs> getting desensitized. Yeah, we are. Yeah, the, that is the other we're thing. the pasta in the water, mate. It's slowly boiling <laughs> us around us. Just kidding. The water should already be on full boil when you drop the pasta in. You fucking idiots. Absolutely, it's more like the lobster fat. Yeah, it's crueler than that. <laughs> So much crueler. Anyway, Alora. <laughs> Alora. Uh, Alora, the film ran afoul of multiple censors in lots of countries and was put on the UK video nasty list. A senseless attempt 
to protect kids growing up in Thatcher's Britain from the effects of violent movies, but not the effects of Thatcher's Britain. Yeah, they can't watch movies if they're in the coal mine. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on them. <laughs> we don't even have a sense of the movies anymore. The kids have all gone blind. <laughs> yeah, got them. <laughs> Trickle down economics. <laughs> Trickle down and my foot up your ass. Ugh. <laughs> uh. That was that was an exact quote from Margaret Thatcher, our greatest prime <laughs> yeah. minister. So yes, the film's reputation has improved over the years, uh, though with with some calling it Argento's last great film, which doesn't bode well Uh-oh. for the remainder of this podcast. This is our last one, so <laughs> we got two more. I will do the ceremonial plot rundown. There we go. Take it for away. The benefit of the OGT. Yeah, you've got the kiss the cook apron. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the spatula. Right. This is the only time I cook all year long. I feel good. Bellissimo. I feel ready. <laughs> we start with the good old Italian tradition of book burning. Uh, it's also a British condition. Not because of anti-intellectualism, though. It's because we can't afford heat. Yay. And have too many books. Uh, we meet our hero, Dean Kuntz, uh, the Italian-speaking American say. horror writer. This is a PG podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Kuntz. I thought you were going to come out as a massive Kuntz fan. <laughs> I open up my jacket and has got Kuntz. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we meet Dean Kuntz, the Italian-speaking American horror writer, and he's cycling to the airport. How green of him. Just kidding, he got a cab for his luggage. What a fucking asshole. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I immediately do not like this guy. <laughs> what if he had been Christopher Walken, I wrote though? down, who's this David Byrne-looking asshole while the Eurythmics plays? <laughs> Damn it, David Byrne's better. Yeah. Um, he's on his way... He's on his way to Italy to promote his latest book, but there's a glamorous lady watching on. Sinister. Mm. Meanwhile, in Rome, a beautiful woman tries to steal Kuntz's must-have new book, and she'd have gotten away with it if she hadn't looked so shifty while she was doing it. <laughs> Just sweeping the whole bookshelf in her, in her handbag. <laughs> and she's Looking furtively from side to side. <laughs> the best way double bluff it's a good thing the manager is literally any man though so she's able to source her way out of it mm. she catches a ride with a random biker dude that's how you get around italy uh then she encounters scuzzy another scuzzy dude but runs away from this one that's how you get around italy yeah uh she <laughs> she beats him up smashes his hand in a gate and then runs away talk about mixed signals you best persevere mate <laughs> this whole woman's life is just a cavalcade of terrible men <laughs> Anyway, we've already made the Italy joke, but continue. Yeah, the Italian story. <laughs> la, 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 la. Life in Italy. Continue. Allora. Allora. Uh, fortunately, she's spared from the creepy tramp by a murderer. That'll teach her to shoplift. I, I wrote, um, I've heard of devouring books, but this is crazy. <laughs> That's good. Anyway. That's fucking good. God damn, it's a tragedy that I'm doing this week's one when I had so little time to prepare and you're coming shit hot in on the press right now. <laughs> Time for some press interviews for cunts. You're a sexist pig. Oh, come now. What if we did a private interview? Okay. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Luckily, he's saved from this intense line of questioning by Nancy's dad in a tremendous hat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm picking it up. I'm picking it up. Yeah, more about that in quickfire. It's it's all of them for this film. His assistant, Suspiria co-writer Daria Nicolati, I'd feel like the best justice might be just uh, mentioning her actual name as many times as possible. Yeah, I agree. Let's get some justice on this woman. (laughs) Let's get some justice. She shows up with her young assistant, Luke Skywalker. (gasps) 
I also wrote, <laughs> I wrote Luke Skywalker too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Snap. I put Luke Skywalker in brackets, the cutest twink I ever did see. <laughs> <laughs> he sure is. Oh, God. Can't wait for his adventures. Uh, Detective... Detective Robocop is here to ask the author some questions. Hey, this woman got murdered and had bits of your book stuffed in her mouth. Why would I do that if I killed her? You're on the case. What? <laughs> so. It's just, He's we've got now. no labor force in Italy. <laughs> so, honestly. Yeah, seriously. You come over, well, you know you'll be immediately works. tasked to solve a crime. <laughs> that's the main thing that stops me from writing any kind of crime fiction. It's just the sheer amount of police work that's going to be put on my plate if I do. I mean, I've watched Castle. <laughs> <laughs> It happens every single time. It's unbelievable. The killer calls, prompting a jazzy chase from Detective Robocop, but it's no good. Skip it up. His, his partner, female cop, literally her own whole character, uh, witnesses or causes a minor car accident. Never mind that. There's a celebrity in trouble. Uh, the killer remembers a bit of a saucy adventure from his youth involving a lady on the beach with some chaps and a goblin on the glockenspiel. Ah, yeah. She goes to have... Uh, she goes to have some lovely group sex uh, with three of the four aforementioned chaps, but declines chap number four. Well, it's a bummer, but then the, them's the breaks. Maybe the next door. Oh, he slapped her. Uh, mm. He's then rightly beaten up, but also has the heel of a shoe forced into his mouth. You can just get that for free. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what's his problem? He got what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More attention than you probably would have had if you'd just been invited to the orgy. Monica Bellucci and her girlfriend are having a falling out. Yeah. Because her girlfriend keeps sleeping with men. And that's not ideal for a girlfriend. Buy erasure. Like sort of <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Climb on Come you, on Argento. Buy erasure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she can do what she likes. Uh, this escalates back home. You know what these two need is a long, hard look at what they both actually want from this relationship. Uh-oh. I hear Goblin. Because, yes, after a lengthy, expensive, difficult, and impressive, but kind of out of place crane shot that takes us all the way around the house... We arrive back at the girlfriend's room for the stunning reveal that she's the one playing the goblin song. <laughs> well, she's no one to blame for herself then for what happens because Bellucci dies in perhaps the most stylish death Argento ever composed, uh, causing girlfriend to pause the soundtrack. But surprise, the killer brought his own B-side, so she dies too. <laughs> Never trust a musician. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, who's this showing up to fix the plumbing in uh, Kuntz's house, though, in a short skirt and, you know, to get perved over by Kuntz? The landlord's daughter. I watched The Wicked Man again. A fucking teenager. Yeah, just a child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the killer slides a letter under the author's door, prompting another jazzy chase. Maybe if these chases were a little less jazzy, it's fine. You know, you do you. What about, like, a poker? A, pol- a polka? Would that <laughs> a work? poker chase. <laughs> it's worth a try at this stage. <laughs> a heavy metal chase is what we'll get to experience much more of in the near future. Hooray. Time for another press interview. So, you hate gays. Mm, um... You may have brought this on yourself, though, sir. <laughs> Can I get some softer questions, please? <laughs> I've gone from at why do you stage. hate women to now why do you hate gays? I just... Maybe can you just ask me about, you know, my perfect Sunday or... Uh... You know, the book I've just written. Oops, there's an Italian romance brewing between Luke Skywalker and the landlord's daughter in as much as he smacks on the ass. So now all he's got to do is get the father's blessing and he's away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kuntz uh, thinks that he sees his evil, glamorous ex. She's so glamorous, though. It's hard to tell. This is Italy, after all. I was going to say, it's just a, it's just an Italian woman, I think. <laughs> <laughs> But she was really shady, wearing a dark dress and sunglasses and looking like she was up to no good. It's summer. Italy. It's summer. No. <laughs> it's summer. <laughs> Everyone's squinting. <laughs> of 
course you're going to look suspicious. It's summer. <laughs> Idiota. Anyway, Dolores. I think, I think this is the last time I have to sing this. The landlord's daughter has a fake out jump scare with a dog. <laughs> Classic. Oh, fuck. <laughs> this dog shows Schwarzeneggerian de- determination to kill this girl. Yeah, truly. This dog is not giving up. This dog is now like... Like at least twelve kilometers from its residence, which it was meant to be protecting. <laughs> it has to. It's it's a George Bush style dog. It has to do preemptive strikes against possible threats to the house. It chases her into the murderer's house whilst he's out murdering. So she gets the run of the place. She grabs some evidence and then tries to get away. Oh, thank God, somebody's here! Help me! I've been chased by this mass. Oh, you're the murderer who lives in this murderer's house we're in. Ah. <laughs> thought this was the dog's house oh yeah and that you were like <laughs> you were like the cleaner really or something. thought i was in another movie here <laughs> yeah. i don't know i guess he'd pay you in biscuits or something so she gets murdered uh kids tries to piece it all together good luck with that because unless you anticipate a deranged dog chasing chasing the girl to the murderer's house you're gonna <laughs> Who have, could a have predicted that one even the murderer <laughs> seems somewhat surprised yeah even the murderer's oh, like oh my you god ran in here uh, whose dog is that? <laughs> I'm gonna murder you because I'm just afraid of the dog. I don't want to yeah, take. Fuck! The dog it off. is still pacing outside, even though the cuts <laughs> to it seem like it's the friendliest dog ever. But uh, fuck that noise. Yeah, true. He's got well, he's got a lovely dog face. <laughs> is the problem. But uh, hey, two of the victims were uh, gay, and that reporter was super into my book bash into the idea that my books bash gays. So yeah, let's break into his house. I've heard worse connections. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> The only homophobe in Italy. Let's get in there. Oh. <laughs> wow, there really must have been tough times in Italy for the homophobes left. <laughs> Dyst- dystopian future. They all went to America. Hey. So, <laughs> the much worse version of West Side Story. <laughs> da, 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 da. Da, da, We hate... Anyway. <laughs> no, I was gonna... no, I don't want to even say it. No, but it's... No, I'm glad you cut it off there, but it is perfect. Yep. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so- Alora. <laughs> So they yes they do that and impeccable timing because Luke Skywalker sees the homophobic uh, reporter uh, let's call him Piers uh, uh, yeah. get murdered by someone. Kunz <laughs> uh, got st- uh, knocked over the head by a rock so he was out cold so it's all down to Luke and his hazy memories of Dagobah <laughs> in order to try and save the day. Uh, another saucy flashback happens to the beach girl. It's less saucy though because she gets uh, killed in a garden and nobody gets a high heel stuffed into their mouth. Gento's lost his way there. Mm. Uh, Kuntz meets with Nancy's dad. I want to go home, but we've nearly sealed this big deal. I'm going to die. Oh, I mean, but your types. books will fucking sell like hotcakes, I'll tell you what. They'll, <laughs> they will fucking sell if I get you onto the Italian version of the James, Cor- James Corden show. Yeah, but Nancy, Nancy's dad is the one uh, sealing deals around here because he's having it off with the glamorous evil ex. Oh, <gasps> uh, yeah. It's the hat. It is the hat. It's just so perfect <laughs> on his hat. head. It's oh. irresistible. Oh, God. <sighs> Luke uses the force and brings Kunz to, uh, back to the murder house where he reconnects with Detective Robocop. Uh, well, this guy was the murderer, we reckon, and now he's dead. It'll all be fine. Case solved. <laughs> Who killed him? Case solved, I said. It seems like a bad case of a falling axe. <laughs> Could have happened to any one <laughs> of us. <laughs> Nancy's dad is waiting in a very public place for his paramour. Well, when he gets bloody killed instead. Talk about blue balls. Uh, Luke Skywalker gets strangled. Glamorous X gets her arm chopped off. And then Lady Cop dies. Well, 
I mean, she was a bit of a side character. Oh, no, we're using that death to reveal the murderer. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. It's... <gasps> not them. <laughs> not that. Not... <laughs> not them or them. <laughs> not they slash them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. So... Detective Robocop shows up and there's a final conflict that's definitely more twisted than the others. So I think we'll actually just leave it there. Mm. The imagination. How about you tell us what you thought of Tenebre? I thought it, this was like, uh, maybe it's been a while since we've we've watched an Argento, but I was very taken by the visuals of this one. Oh, uh, God, yeah. the, the deaths were very, very striking. Um, mm. Maybe just in their simplicity, but also like he's cast some very, very interesting looking people. Um, and yeah, their reactions, um, their kind yeah. of like final scenes are, are all very striking. Um, and it, there's like a very brutal swiftness to some of these deaths mm. as well. They're not, not a lot of them are very belabored as sometimes we've had before. And so there's just like, yeah. a, there's a kind of lack of catharsis because it's like, dunk, they're dead. Oh my God. Yeah. We, there's almost like a little beat after they're dead where you're like, wait, really? Like that can't be it. And especially because we have like yeah. strings of them. Like, you know, the, um, the, the reporter and her girlfriend, like it, it, there's a horrible tension there because it's like, Oh, usually we're one and done, but this is like a string and um, some interesting yeah, yeah. reveals. A lot of a lot of glass and steel in this movie. Yes, especially when it comes. Yes, very modernist. Yeah, when it comes to the desk, like when we're looking around Rome, we're seeing that kind of um, colorful architecture, lots of pinks. You know, it's summer. Yep. Uh, warm tones but when it comes to any scenes with deaths we're liking a lot of mirrors co cool tones yeah. and I think that gives it a wonderful it, it, it gives it very 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 striking visuals which of course Argento always has but I was really entranced with them in this particular movie yeah um and the twist like Definitely. yeah getting to the twist I was like oh okay Right, like I don't know. <laughs> I'm never that kind of satisfied. I think maybe by the endings of these, um, <laughs> but I was like, I, I, I kind of buy it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I quite like it because it's the movie where a lot of people sort of talk about it in the context of it actually sort of being almost like an art film in terms of its abstract editing and visuals, just the way it really pushes <laughs> the, the the murder set pieces into. Yeah. Their own thing. Lots of dream you logic know, happening in this one. I mean, as well yeah. as actual dreams. Oh god, yeah, yeah. And again, it's it's fascinating to really see a lot of the stuff that was sort of sown in his early films. Like if you think of the dreams of the guy getting executed from the Cat of Nine Tails, you think of the weird sort of flashbacks to childhood from like Profondo Rosso. There's all sort of coming together here mm. um, for this one. And you know, some people have suggested this is actually Argento answering his critics by sort of leaning into a lot of his tendencies. Like, you know, you accuse me of, you know, having this sexualized violence. Well, the last few films haven't actually been that sexy, but this one's going to be. I'll show have... you. <laughs> I'll show you. You want some boobs? <laughs> yeah. This this actress is going to wear the towel under her nipples. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time. God bless her. In, in some ways, it feels very self-aware. It's sort of, you know, kind of laughing at itself as well as being just a really good example of what it is. And I think that this is the film that really cements, you know, the reputation as being this sort of, you know, director of thrillers who has a lot more style than a lot of his 
detractors or yeah. imitators, which I also think this was another part of, was the idea of answering back to a number of the people who sort of copied his style from the earlier Jallo films. Yeah, I, I definitely um, agree with what you said mm. of, like, all the things seem working together much, yes. much, like, more concisely. Dreams slip into the narrative as opposed to being yeah, like, really yeah. disjointed. All the visuals are working together. Um, I must say, though, I don't think I've... I, I had a real fondness for any of our protagonists, though. And I don't mm. know if that was just me, um, but, like, I don't know, because I'm trying to think of all of the the ones. I'm like, I really fucking loved our characters in Cat of Nine Tales. I, like, really, yeah, really, really loved them, glommed onto yeah, their yeah, humanity. Yeah. Whereas these ones, I was like, you're more shapes. You're more shapes. Yeah, no, this. agreed. And that's fine. The, I'm liking the shapes, but I'm not really glomming on to any of you. No, true. And I did see someone suggest that it's the Italian characters who get the short end of the stick there, but I don't think really... I think there's that when you watch it again and you see how much is going on with the author when you know what the truth is and what everything's you know going on around him, there is a fair amount in that performance that's coming through, which I quite enjoy. Um, but nevertheless, yes, the characters are quite thin. Like I like pleasant characters like the landlord's daughter or Luke Skywalker, but there, there's not really Luke anything Luke Skywalker there. doesn't seem that pleasant, though. No, oh no! Well, he does his very by Argento standards. But he's yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna go on a date with this landlord's daughter, and you're like, that's cute. And then, yeah. like, he drives yeah, her back. She's yelling at him, blah blah blah, oh, and he's just like totally emotionless in a really actual scary way. I kind of wondered if that oh, might have been a, bit of a twist because she's like clearly oh, had yeah. a terrible time, and he does not look affected at all. And then he just lets her out of the that. car where she gets into yeah. a horrible, dangerous situation. And he, and even though she is found totally fucking brutally murdered, he yeah, is yeah. not affected one iota. <laughs> yeah. He's the most terrifying character, and I'm glad he died. <laughs> he is terrifying. And I think he was meant to be a red herring as well, Ooh. like trying to, up until the point he witnesses the murder. Mm. So you're right. You're right about the characters, but I don't know. It, it is, it almost feels a little harsher in that way. The world feels a little less friendly, even though this is probably. It's a lot cooler, I guess. It's very slick and polished, I think, compared to the other ones which had this much more kind of gritty, slightly improvisational director finding his feet kind of feel, which also included a fair amount of warmth. Mm. It's kind of homemade feel, whereas this feels very much like a polished, effective, efficient machine, you know, and that reflects in its look as well. Mm. Um, Yeah, but there's just a huge amount of entertainment to be gained from this. It's just, like I say, it's just constant stuff happening and things like, you know, just... (laughs) Constant like murder set pieces, scare set pieces, and it's the yeah, Doberman it's is really something. the mascot for this yeah. film. Just keeps on <laughs> fucking going. A fence, it's over it. It's gonna, it's gonna fucking bear down on your ass until the end credits. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that covers it. So I guess we should go on to some of our little segments. Let's do it. Yeah, first of all, Italian words. I only have one. Um, early on, the phrase, I think it was written in the book, which is why it stood out, is uh, the word for uh, murder, which is something like um, le homicidio, like homicide. Mm, homicidio. That makes sense. Homicidio. Which, yeah, that's the only one that stood out. Yeah, I, we're I think hearing it was just... a lot of similar words. And as well, like, here's yeah. the thing. Yeah, true. Ital- like, Italian doesn't have that many words. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Let's move on to best scare or creepiest moment. What have you got? The the reporter's death. So mm. the girlfriend stops playing the loud music. 
realizes uh-huh. something's kind of funky, goes down the stairs, tits out, towel around her waist. Very cool. Yep. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> sees her girlfriend dead, but it's like kind of reflected in a mirror, but you're not quite yeah. sure what you're looking at. And then you suddenly see a shadow flit over the the um the the girlfriend's body and that mm. fucking frightened me so much because it's not just seeing your girlfriend murdered it's then yeah, yeah, seeing yeah. movement over a corpse <laughs> where there should yeah. just be stillness that really i don't know that just and the shot's very beautiful because as well we're not quite sure what we're looking at because she's like fallen through a mirror kind of thing or there's a mirror propped up near her so we're seeing two faces yeah yeah very scary good stuff yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I think my one is a moment during the dog chase. She's running across the uh, the field and she encounters a bunch of trees that she's struggling to get through and the dog is running up behind her. This is all in one shot and it's going to catch up with her. And you think, oh shit, the dog's going to catch up with her. I guess we'll cut as soon as it reaches her. It does it like the dog jumps up and knocks her to the ground and then we cut and it's like, shit, it like, I know it really plays with you. I think the long drawn out nature of the shot mm. really plays with your expectations in terms of what you would expect to happen in a scene like this. Yeah. And it was, yeah, quite something. Uh, right. In that case, this one's a bit tricky. Best character, as we've discussed. <laughs> this is the tricky. The Doberman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did put the joke. dog initially. That's a silly joke answer. <laughs> um, look, I, I don't think he had enough for me to truly... For me to, like, see him as a fully fleshed out character. But the Italian Uh detective um, had something to him. Had a kind of sincerity. And even, like, we joke about the lady cop being, like, not fleshed out at all. They have, like, they do have, like, chemistry between them and a little bit of camaraderie. There's the thing where she jokes about, like, oh, I got this person's, I got this celebrity's autograph. He's like, who cares? (laughs) But then they share, like, a little (laughs) smile together. And so it's clear that, like, <laughs> as much as he's like, oh, who ca- who gives yeah. a shit? Like, it's very clear that they do have a camaraderie, <laughs> and um, he is very affected by her death. Um, and I thought that was yeah. some really good acting from him. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say, uh, what was his silly name? What what name? Did we- I called him Robocop because he looks a bit like Peter Weller, yeah. who played Robocop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Italian Robocop. Fabulous. Also, something we didn't get into, there's a weird number of doubles in this and like things occurring. Aside from the fact the idea there's meant to be sort of two killers and they're sort of copying each other, you know, the co- the female cop does look a lot like Oh Anne. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, Anne. I, when, and Wella yeah, when and she, like when she the main got guy. Got, I was like, was that Anne? I don't fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you were meant to feel that way because he thinks that too when he comes yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, good. It's not and just And then there were sequences that are similar, like being chased by the dog and being chased by the tramp. And like, there's just, yeah, there's these weird little echoing moments, which are quite interesting, which shows just a little bit more thought than your average Jallo. Um, my favorite character was John Saxon, Nancy's dad, playing the uh, the literary agent uh, with the hat. He loves that hat. Best kill. Um, there's something that the, the slit throats are very stylish. Yeah. Um, so. But I am probably going to go with the journalist. Yeah, again. Ah, I know I've done her which both. One? Uh, the, the, oh, yeah, her one. the yeah. journalist one where she gets, <laughs> yeah. she like gets, falls through that sheet of fabric and then it's just her head through like well, fabric for a little second. And 
yeah, so she's trying to put on this shirt. Yeah. Um, and we don't actually get a gratuitous topless shot of her, in spite of the fact she's changing outfits. There's already boobs. Um, in that and scene. she's they already. There's plenty of there's plenty of boobs being provided by. <laughs> Um, so she's trying to change it to this thing and the killer comes from a razor slashes the shirt open and we get a gorgeous shot that was used in you know several of the box arts and things of just the shirt being torn open and her terrified face on the other side which is then splashed with blood yeah. and it's yeah it's so stylish and cool and yeah and it's also it's quite the thing something. of I, I don't know if you're the same but like you know when you have to wash your face and like because you yeah. have to close your eyes to wash your face, you get a bit scared. Yeah, it's a real moment of vulnerability. <laughs> it's the same is putting like, a yeah, shirt over your head. something over your head. You're like, uh, <laughs> what if? <laughs> um, I'm glad you've gone for that because then I can go for the one because within the movie there is his arguably sort of most tightly sort of cut stylish kill, but also his like weirdest most out there, and that is the death of Jane, played by Veronica Lario who I oh. called the glamorous ex-wife, who, yeah, she's sat off. by a window, hand on the table with a gun. You can tell it's been replaced with a mannequin's hand, but even then you probably won't imagine just how abrupt it is when an axe just smashes through the window and lops off her hand. But there's a shot of it on the table, like, twitching. That's great. as She's, like, spraying <laughs> just, blood just all around the place. Of blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's it's totally samurai movie, and it's just... it's it's absurd but kind just kind of delicious as well <laughs> delicious <laughs> it gets it it gets a big reaction yeah. um right all that's left then is to think about our heroes now it has been a long time so i guess we'll just do this off the dome uh we've got anthony francioska uh as peter neal as um, who has a lot as Kunz, <laughs> who does have a fair amount more to do than your average hero who we previously just kind of judged based on um their charm mm. uh and for most of this movie it looks the same but then things get a little bit more complicated so how does he stack up against previous favorites i don't know who previously we've announced as our favorite i've forgotten i mean for me <laughs> it's always going to be um I forget. Did I call him Blind Alan Older? No. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. the blind guy from. Yeah. And still, for me, <laughs> yeah. I still found the the pair uh, in Cat of Nine Tails the most charming and also dynamic yeah. and also the way that they was they were tackling yeah. the, the crime. They still got incredibly frustrated and scared. And, um, and yeah. I know we have an interesting layer to our Kuntz character yeah. as to why he's not revealing so much of that negative emotion. Um, yeah. But he seems like, uh, like you said, he seems like on the surface is kind of like eh, charming and I'll roll with the punches. Sure, I'll yeah. serve, solve a murder. Why not? As some of our other ones. Yeah, so that he doesn't, like uh, some other stuff makes him a bit special. But um, he still doesn't top the list for me. I think it's going to be blind, no, he blind grandpa for me. <laughs> you know, the thing for me, the big thing about it is that he doesn't have that self-deprecating nature, which I need. Mm. I need to have them all just be a bit ridiculous. Like, I think it's the same guy, isn't it, from, um, oh, Cat of Nine Tales. Is it? No. Or is it Profondo Rosso, where he is like a would-be chauvinist, but it's really rubbish. Yeah, like, he tries to challenge. Yeah. Yes, he tries to challenge the, um, uh, the love yeah, interest Profondo to Rosso, an arm he's wrestle. Like a... <laughs> Yeah, shitty incel. <laughs> he is. Or like he's a devil's advocate. It's like you were cheating. Your elbow was he's up. Joe Rogan. He's Joseph the Rogano. Blind grandpa for life for me. <laughs> he's the best. Love him. Well, you don't know what's ahead because, and neither did we. It turned out because we thought we only had one left. Oops. But 
it turned out the film that I often think of as just being another one of um, Argento's supernatural horror films is commonly regarded as a giallo. And I think I remember why, but it's been a while since I've seen it. But to be honest, any excuse to watch this again. And I think, yeah, it's going to be very special well, hey, because well, let's find next, out together, up, right? <laughs> next up is Phenomena. So let's let's get to it. All right. Okay. Uh, 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 you're going to need to push start this Vesper, I think. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you know, with the low center of gravity, it actually makes these things really good for learner riders. Hey, Paul, I reckon I can do it. I can stand on the seat of this Vesper. Ah! <laughs> assuming you don't do that then actually the small <laughs> wheels make them you know a little susceptible to bumps so maybe don't stand on it but oh. as long as you're road conscious i think oh oh no you fell over too oh, i'm so sorry but oh. pride cometh before the fall is what argento teaches us if we are but to listen oh yes well it's <laughs> As, as we knit our busted bones back together, we might as well talk about the movie starring a monkey of a weird butt. That's good for bones. Hey, don't call Jennifer Connelly that. <laughs> sorry, so sorry. You so are getting cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> so hard. I Miss- don't think that ties into anything, but it's, it's, it feels like it Miss should. Miss Scoozy, Miss Scoozy. Yes, we're going to talk about his 1985 film Um, Argento was inspired not by a horrific encounter with a threatening fan, but by a French radio broadcast detailing a murder case solved by measuring the growth of insects in the decomposing corpse. Uh, a true crime girly, like the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, according to an interview in La Stampa in 1985, Argento said, I am a samurai. I challenge America with this film. And uh, I read the translation of that interview to see if there's any more context for that. No. Did he have a big old sword? What was the go? <laughs> he had a... The question is in here. What will you do now, Dario Kitten? And it's unclear if that's the interviewer asking him that or Dario rhetorically asking himself. But either way, I'm on board. <laughs> Dario Kitten. Dario, baby, what are you doing now? <laughs> Same energy. Um, it sounds German. <laughs> ah, yes, the Dario Kitten. It's Dario Kitten. What's his next? What is next, Dario Kitten? Do not be threatened by me. In... <laughs> Speaking of which, this is unbelievable. In the same way that the last movie was meant to be subtly set in an underpopulated future, this film, according to Argento, is meant to be set in a world where the Nazis actually won the war. Why does he keep doing this? No one cares. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that was really rude. But like <laughs> when I was in acting school, we, we had a term called the salami in your shoe, right? Uh-huh. Which is like the little secret that you yes. have as an actor, right? I love that expression. <laughs> yeah, it's because the, the, re- <laughs> the salami in the in shoe. There. That's... <laughs> Only I know. <laughs> Only I know that I have salami in my shoe. But that's the point. You're because you're not that. meant to share it with anyone. Mm. It's just for you. Because yeah. uh, sometimes you need to do weird things to recontextualize uh, an intangible thing like art and performance. It gives them an inner life. 
Truly. And I think yeah. Dario Argento should keep that in a life to his <laughs> well, he, he says, if the movie is watched attentively, then it is obvious that from that perspective, whoever made it was working from this principle. He had a salami in his shoe. He had the salami in his shoe. That crazy hey everyone, bastard. I've got a salami in my shoe. And he yeah. walks away. What? We already Phenomena? did that joke. Phenomena. <laughs> but not for the public. And as you know, every, all content must be publishable. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll, uh, I'll air that d- dirty laundry I spoke with you earlier then. <laughs> and he just kept bleeding. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hopefully they won't find the bugs. Uh, this film... This film actually costs more than most Argento films, apparently because of the cost of all the insects they used. Heavily unionized those bugs. Oh, mate, there's a <laughs> there's a union rep for each maggot on screen, <laughs> and I don't mean the actors. Wah 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 wah. Oh, oh, oh. fuck you, Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, in the film, I feel like if I just say that, I can move on to whatever the fuck is next. Speaking Alora. of which, yep. Alora. Uh, in the film, Connelly has a famous father. Uh, within the narrative. Now, originally, that was just meant to be Al Pacino, like actual Al Pacino, like Al Pacino playing her dad. Like he wouldn't be in the movie; she would just be Al Pacino's daughter within the film. Ah, uh, that would uh, be the didn't... salami in her shoe. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> that is the salami because it didn't happen. He did not. He didn't appreciate Argento telling the story of a daughter he didn't have. Surely that's that would be better than if he actually did have a daughter. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He draws the line there. Yeah. Fuck for Jack and Jill. (laughs) (laughs) Dunkachino. Maybe he thought Uh, he missed out on phenomena. Next time somebody asks me this, I'm saying yes. It's it's the Sean Connery thing of like, I just I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. Oh God. Yep. Al Pacino starring in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Anyway, the monkey with the weird butt is Tanga, uh, who previously appeared in Bingo Bongo, an Italian family comedy. Aw, the monkey was really violent on set, actually hitting the Daria Nicolati uh, with a prop razor during the bit where, you know, at the end, uh, ah. causing a scar ah. uh, and biting off a part of Jennifer Connelly's finger. <gasps> Had to be reattached. Who, like, was a teenager, right, at the time? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, Tanga did also escape one day and went missing for three days. Uh, coincidentally, five local villagers were killed in monkey-related <laughs> incidents, but that's just a coincidence. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, Come on. Leave him know, alone. It's been years. Really, this really prepared Jennifer Connelly later for her role in Labyrinth <laughs> when David Bowie bit part of her finger and then ran away for three days. Such a pity. <laughs> It's <laughs> really good David Bowie. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's, you know, Take I'm working on it. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Prick. Um, Argento, Argento, however, struggled with the monkey because he found that the performance was frequently too funny. <laughs> it was quite humorous. <laughs> it was a little funny. But he also said the same about Donald Pleasance, and we're not having that. Now, although Goblin does return with some original music, including two cues from uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, the film adopts the mid-80s trend of using popular music in the soundtrack, including music by Iron Maiden and the Sex Gang children. It's seamless. Oh, Paul. 
<laughs> you and your sarcastic plot run, not plot rundowns, uh, briefs <laughs> on the production film. rundowns. Production rundowns. But I'll tell you this: the movie was a big hit in Italy. It outgrossed Gremlins, Dune, Lynch's, and The Terminator. Sorry, Gremlins, Dune. I never saw that <laughs> cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> what a crossover! <laughs> My desert, my, yeah. my Arrakis. <laughs> my path leads into the desert with these weird little freaks. <laughs> hey, stop calling hey. the Fremen that, you racist. <laughs> Paul Atreides, he's not a saviour, folks. His son yeah. will be, though. It's kind of complicated. <laughs> how could he? His name's Paul. <laughs> I know, right? What a lame What a dick. loser. Speaking of which, in the States... It had an hour, it had half an hour cut out of it, and it was released as Creepers, and it had a song by Motorhead added. Not that one. So this was the <laughs> this was the last Argento film to get a major release in the states to this day, and this version was not well received. But the film has since grown in reputation considerably. But nevertheless, it's generally seen as one of the weaker films in his classic filmography. But will, she, will we find the same? I don't know. One last thing. After the film's release, Argento's then-girlfriend, Dario Nicolardi, who wrote the uh, story for Suspiria, uh, repudiated the film for its depiction of disabled people and said that she would no longer work for Argento. We'll see you again in opera. <laughs> no, that's... Oh, no, Paul! Yeah. Why'd you tell me that? <laughs> I mean, she's kind of right, but, you know, it's a horror movie. No, but then she went... No, but then she went to do opera. Yeah. So she didn't even... You know what it's like with your ex. Because I was just about to be like, good for her. Good for fucking her. Good for her. uh, Damn it, Daria. We'll talk more about about (laughs) Daria's decision when we get to opera. But for now, Ellen? Oh, shit. It's a phenomena. Oh, here we go. Well, Diane, I'm coming up on Twin Peaks, <laughs> which uh, for this purpose is in Sweden. Um, oh, some yeah. absolute loser. Uh, Switzerland. Uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Look, God. We're not even like 15 seconds in. <laughs> Sweden, Switzerland, Austria, Australia. Who gives a fuck? Who truly gives a fuck? No, of course it's Switzerland because they're in... Z- oh, my God. They mention Zurich all the time. Anyway, um, some absolute loser Laura Palmer gets left behind on the bus. Um, um, Laura Palmer approaches a gorgeous country home. Please, I'm a foreigner and I'm lost. Just don't say you're a young white girl or you've got perfect victims. Bingo. Oh, silly, silly girl. Don't run with scissors. But what if someone's oh, running shit. at me with scissors? Ah. Uh, Sorry, I've got no advice for you, Toots. Guess you're dead. <laughs> she takes to the gorgeous waterfalls as I do, screaming, oh. running, and bleeding. And I thought hiking was meant to be good for you. She dies being stabbed against the only window frame in a waterfall. You know what? I still don't understand this after the movie's done. That's okay. It's a beautiful shot, though. Um, mm. Meanwhile, allo- sorry, allora, uh, a chimp allora. stalks outside a home. Ah, I've oh. seen Nope. Ah, Donald Pleasance. I've seen Halloween. Ah, forensic <laughs> entomology. I've seen the swarm. <laughs> Don't worry. It's all very legit, though. Just a regular entomologist and a corpse's head hanging out. Um, <laughs> Dr. Loomis is uh, approached by other polizzi, um and reveals that this corpse seems to have been killed around the same time as Laura Palmer's disappearance. Uh, the chimp looks on solemnly. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. 
we cut to Jennifer Connolly, or as I'll be calling her, Jenny, um, who's Yay. arriving at her new boarding school. Don't worry, Daria Nicolodi assures her. It's based on American schooling programs. Well, shit, you couldn't do any better? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Jenny reveals that she has some sort of strange <laughs> affinity for insects. Anyway, she's here at her wonderful school. Just don't fucking go into any of these buildings. <laughs> oh, my God. Jenny uh, meets her new uh, hot French Hot French student? Her hot French roomie, I guess, a fellow student, and she says, I'm starving. I've only had breakfast twice. That's lunch. That's lunch, Jenny. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) she's offered some baby food, um, and I would say it is pretty accurate for two teen girls to eat baby food, but uh, not for comedy reasons. Allora, headmistress Sophia Thanks. Loren appears. <laughs> sorry, was that too deep? Was that it's too dark? Good. I like it. I'm so no, sorry. No, it's what this fucking podcast needed and what the OG team need to hear. I'm just saying, <laughs> teen girls, you should eat. Anyway, eat. headmistress Sophia Loren appears. What's this? Movie posters. This school has rules, you know. Now shut up and finish your cigarettes. Uh, uh, Frenchie says, hey, that famous movie star on your posters is really hot. Uh, that's my dad. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's all good. Oh, in that case, do I do I have a sh- do I have a shot since your parents had such a messy divorce when you were seven? Oh, sorry, bringing down the subject. Uh, it's good to have a roomie. It distracts me from all the recent murderers. Anyway, gotta sleep so I can fantasize about fucking your dad. Ah, school years, right? Cut to the gardener from Bly Manor is what I called her. I couldn't. Oh, oh I'm sad. Oh. Sorry. (laughs) Can I tell you, Paul, it was going to get sad regardless because she's running into a spooky house pursued by heavy metal riffs. (laughs) She sees something and screams, dropping her candle as we see a knife being assembled. Mm. Still not clear about this one. I hope someone has an Allen key. Jenny wakes up, but she's in a, a strange sleepwalking state and sees a blank white corridor as she wanders through this abandoned building. She comes mm. face to mannequin face with Bly Manor Girl who gets skewered <laughs> through the mouth and window. What is it with windows in this film? Jenny sleepwalk, sleepwalks off a crumbling ledge, but her gown is caught and she dangles like a tampon in the breeze. <laughs> she, walks, <laughs> she walks the streets. Remake of American Beauty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jenny walks the streets <laughs> until she's found by two young German men. Yeah, we know usually we'd feed the killers, or if we're in Australia as backpackers, the victims. Uh, she dives out of their car, and after a brief, sehr gut, they fuck off. Yeah. Jenny has a Disney princess moment watching two ladybugs jostle for position on a leaf, and a chimp, ah, who takes her to talk to Loomis. They bond over bugs. Uh, you remind me of another young girl whose uh, head I have stashed in my study. <laughs> Alora, my chimp will take you to her coat, which I will give you now. It's not weird at all. Uh, they. Oh, yes, also, you seem to make my bugs horny. What's up with that? Anyway, she reveals uh, she's been sleepwalking. He says, mind how you go. If you're a sleepwalking, say the phrase, you have no power over me. I mean, uh, I'm sleepwalking. I must wake up. Fear is the mind killer. Fuck, fuck. I mean, stay safe from the wind. Uh, the, the frond, ice cold, black, just a shape. Ah, uh, shit, shit. Ah, uh, fuck. I'm getting all my movies confused. 
Uh, back at school, Jenny has a test. Oh, it's an EEG. Most schools don't hook you up to a sleep study, right? Uh, but in this one, I guess they do it European style with soft lighting and uh, weird porno breaths. I'm not hot on that one. I'm not crazy, Jenny Pines. I'm just casting an Argento film and storms out. Meanwhile, all the girls are gossiping about Jenny. Her dad's really rich and hot. I hear she sleepwalks um, and they don't like that for some reason. (laughs) Very unrealistic. Oh, wow. Oh, what are you going to do, young rich girl or rich, richy, famous dad? That's what we'll call you. Um, The biggest Bee Gees fan in class answers a question about poetry while Frenchie and Jenny talk about their fear of being killed. Mood. Uh, Frenchie is called upon and Jenny feeds her a very off-the-cuff treatise on poetry. I thought that worth noting for some reason. After (laughs) school, Frenchie sneaks out to be with German boy. I am 16, going on 17, before he (laughs) returns to his home planet. I mean regiment. (laughs) Oh, then Jenny goes for a jaunt outside and there's some epic guitar wailing. She walks inside and we hear her screams off camera. Thankfully, don't worry, she fills us in via monologue later. Can't have an audience interpreting shit on our own. I mean, I can't. I didn't fucking know anything that was going on there. We see Frenchie's dead face reflected in an insect's eyes as Jenny takes off the maggoty glove that she found on the ground. Dr. Loomis thinks he can use the maggots to find the killer. What is it with you and my insects? Maybe they sense my mood, she says. Oh, shit. I'm in. I'm into this weird dream logic. Jenny tells Dr. Loomis Uh, that as she was sleepwalking, a firefly came to her aid. And the bugs seem to chill out as Jenny tells this story. Ah, well, it's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic, Dr. Loomis says. God, I hope not. I don't need to read the mind of a dayfly trying to fuck everything before it dies. I've already lived with men. Dr. Dr. Loomis cites his own book, and that's all the peer reviewing I need to get on board with this premise. Jenny gets back to school, and her fellow students are obviously sympathetic. Hey, dead friend girl. (laughs) Teen girl Jared Leto (laughs) talks to headmistress Sophia Loren. She's crazy. I stole her private letters to her dad that says she's discovering her own power and made friends with a bug man. Not the most embarrassing teen diary you got there, but enough for these European girls to do a carry on her, taunting her with bug noises, spraying a fire hydrant on her, and chanting, we worship you. Again, not sure that this is as psychologically as devastating as real teen girls. But anyway, she's then surrounded by a halo of light, a mysterious breeze, and utters a powerful witch-like phrase, as per my last email. Shit, I mean, I love you. As bugs surround the school. Bloody hell, it's the swarm. Uh, Jenny passes out. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't do a good Michael Caine. It's the swarm. It hasn't stopped me yet. (laughs) Watch out, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, nice. Jenny passes out. We're taking her to the mental hospital. Not not necessarily for being crazy, but for being diabolique. Uh, (laughs) Sophia Loren says she may be the lord of the flies, but pronounces it... (laughs) Ballsy bub, so I laugh for five minutes straight, missing the plot. Uh, while Jenny's attendant is asleep, she takes her IV out carefully, good job there, and sneaks out uh, to Dr. Loomis. I know what it's like to be different, he says. He's Scottish. Oh, oh, and he got hit by a car ages ago. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know what it's like to be a freak that society rejects. <laughs> you Scots are a contentious bunch. Uh, he reveals that the maggots in the glove are the great sarcophagus maggot, which lives exclusively off human remains. What a weird name. The re- it has many names. The Destroyer, The Shape, Michael. <laughs> Uh, he figures out that the killer must be conserving the bodies or keeping them nearby. Let's call the big guns in to catch this killer, he says. A teen girl and a fly. Well, shit, I'm down for this buddy comedy. (laughs) Why don't you just ask this fly to take you down a 42-kilometre path and if it leads you to the house, you're on the right path. Best of luck. I'm not coming. (laughs) Road trip time. We cut back and forth between the scenery and this fucking fly for 30 times before it finally makes its signal, which is buzzing and flying. What really was I expecting there? Anyway, she departs her bus. We're at the house where Laura Palmer died, but Jenny is being followed. She finds some creepy dolls wrapped in plastic. The fly leads her to a room with large pieces of paper on a high shelf, and a man grabs Jenny and accuses her of stealing by manhandling her. I don't know we're in Switzerland, but it feels like Italy. She runs, <laughs> but leaves behind the fly, which finds a severed hand under the floorboards. Ah, turns out the creepy predatory man who just grabbed Jenny was a real estate agent. Bing, bing, bing. The joke is obvious. Let's move along. He's approached <laughs> by Polizzi. Meanwhile, at Dr. Loomis's, there's something unsettling about a chimp <gasps> flying a kite at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> the chimp gets locked outside and gingerly tries to get back Aww. in side which i put in brackets so sweet but now i know about the production um, <laughs> hey uh-oh. that monkey was terrified the whole time he's still cute he just probably, shouldn't have been on a film set probably <laughs> um and loomis is killed by a chairlift not quite gremlin style um and chimp <laughs> i so thought it would <laughs> i really did <laughs> and, and i'm and i'm kind of glad that he got a bit more of a dignified yeah. death to be honest uh i've called her chimpy but if you have anything better no, uh, no, that'll do. Okay. Uh, Chimpy swears revenge for Dr. Loomis, jumping on, jumping on the killer's car. I've never rooted for anyone more. But she's thrown off. Jenny sees Dr. Loomis's body being taken away as heavy metal plays ba- loudly over the scenes like a fucking TikTok. <laughs> the police investigates the mental asylum. It looks like somebody broke in instead of breaking out, just <gasps> like 15 years ago. And we're led to Marlon Brando in a cell. Ooh. Ooh. Jenny is ah. on the phone to her father's people. I need to go home. Why? Oh, there's only been a fucking murderer at my school. Ah, <laughs> Just teen girls being hysterical, <laughs> am I right? Chimpy, a.k.a. the best girl ever, is... <laughs> rifling through a bin for clues and she finds a straight razor? I really wasn't clear on this. Jenny's dad slash agent slash whoever uh, sucks and doesn't wire her any money to leave. She went to the bank but oh no, is found by a long-suffering ex of Argento. Oh yeah, sorry, Daria Nicolodi and brings her <laughs> back to her place until her flight home. Mm. In the house, all the mirrors are covered. The reason being, she explains, her sick son doesn't want to see his reflection. He drives me crazy, staying in his room with his thoughts. That, yeah, fucking fair enough. That's fucking horror that right there. (laughs) Who knows what kind of forums he's on. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jenny finds a creepy boy doll alone in a room. Why are you so unnerved, Daria Nicolodi says. Now take these pills. Jenny goes to the bathroom, but ah, maggot soap. 
The pill makes her sick and she vomits it back up. She leaves the bathroom to try and ring 911, but Daria Nicolodi hits her on the back of the head. Ah! Uh, she sees the polizia outside and puts uh, locks up the house so that Jenny is stuck inside. Now, you were assaulted 15 years ago. Is that true? The polizia says to Daria Nicolodi. Let me just reach for your scars. <laughs> oh, weird. You didn't like to be touched by an <laughs> unknown man as you're talking about your assault. Women, am I right? Jenny so comes right. to as she hears the polizia screams, but she's locked in. Cue the heavy metal. No. Jenny unlatches a tiny window and wiggles <gasps> free after trying to hook a phone on a curtain rod, even though she's clearly fucking small enough to fit through. <laughs> I scream for 10 million years. However, <laughs> this does knock the phone into the plot room under the house. Very important. <laughs> where she finds the polizia tied up and bloody and oh, oh. good. It's an old pool of corpse juice and oh. maggots for protein. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Daria Nicolodi uh, is finally gone mad from dating Argento as she cackles evilly. <laughs> <laughs> the polizia breaks his wrist to get out of his handcuffs and seems to subdue her. Jenny finds her son in the basement. You don't have to be afraid of the mirror anymore. Ah, my God, you're so fucking ugly. She screams in terror at his ugly, ugly face and runs away to a boat. (laughs) Um, How far do we want to go for the end here? Just because uh, Jenny uh, runs to the boat pursued by tiny, tiny boy or tiny, tiny stump man, rather, with a, t- <laughs> with a novelty mask, with the knife harpoon thing. I still don't know what it was. As she yeah. screams, the swarm comes to her aid, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but don't you know, Jenny, never start a boat that's had its engine knifed by a tiny maniac? <laughs> she dives <laughs> away from the burning boat and she almost gets Friday the 13th. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Jenny row, row, rows herself to shore uh, and sees her father solidator. Solidator? Solidator. Solidator. Well, he ain't solid no more because he gets got by Mrs. Voorhees with a sheet of metal. Oh, Ah! shit. And just as Jenny's about to get sliced and diced, don't worry. Oh, who's who's left? Insects? More insects? The best girl ever, Chippy, comes to her yes! with a razor. <laughs> Credits roll. No notes. Five stars for me. <laughs> can I just Amazing. say, can I just say, <laughs> Yes. I'm really sorry, everyone. <laughs> I wrote my notes. I... I watched this film and wrote all my notes in the bath. Um, <laughs> and the legibility of what I wrote really suffered as a result. Uh, I have no notes. That was perfect. Great. Literally, okay. yeah, do that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't because the next one's yours. So. Oh, so it is. Shit. Na-na, well, na-na. <laughs> before then, what did you think of the sheer <laughs> shit show that is? It was so fun. And I, yeah. I loved that, like, because normally I think I get to the end where it's like, oh, the twist. Yeah. Um, and it all feels like from the twist, we've still got like more of the movie to go. Yeah. But it always seems to be just somehow offing the, yeah. the, the killer who was revealed in the twist. Yes. But this, oh my God. This was like <laughs> a re- the last 
five to ten minutes of this film yeah. is like a wrestling match where it's like, <laughs> oh, oh shit, it's Dara Nickelodeon. No, now Jenny's got her bugs. Oh, and it's the chimp with a knife. Um, like just fucking madness. So yeah. fun. And just like it's great timing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because the first like, oh, how long is this movie? It's like an hour and 40. For the first like hour. Hour 50, I think. Yeah. Hour 50. First hour or so. It's like, it's introducing elements. It's going relatively slowly. It's more subdued than most Argentos. The murders are much more, you know, subdued at first for that well, first we're, hour. We're and also getting deaths off screen and stuff. We're getting like... deaths off screen. The color palette is much more. Um, I saw someone suggest that it was influenced by Possession. Uh, the sort of uh, Sam Neill, you know, a fawn. A lot of cool <laughs> um, colors, actually. Yeah, yeah, cooler colors, sort of a lot of blues, a lot of things like that, a lot of natural colors, you know, as opposed to his usual kind of big color palettes. Um, and so it's kind of building things up, and it's only really in that last half hour, and it, yeah, particularly the last 10 minutes, you start to realize just how many crazy elements have been slipped under the radar in that time. <laughs> because you could easily get to the end of this and be like, oh yeah, the monkey! <laughs> <laughs> fucking forgot about that fucking monkey. That's a fucking monkey as well. And just like, even even like when you think her bit's done in the movie, like when she gets thrown off that car. Yeah. Um, no, we cut to her later going on her own clue hunt. Like, yeah. Fucking... I'm just... And Gorgeous. just the bit where, when the insects swarm and it's like, oh God, she can control insects. It's like, it's just, <laughs> it's madness. It's sheer madness and it's a very slow burn to that but during the slow burn you are being affected by the slightly odd atmosphere jennifer connelly's bizarre performance that's quite detached from things in a kind of dreamlike way which kind of works she's just an odd oh character. I, yeah i mean uh, as well i couldn't find any uh italian no no this movie dance. has to be watched in english yeah, because it was filmed also, mostly in English. This one and and yeah, Jennifer and and Donald Pleasance, like it's their yeah. actual voice, which is lovely. Oh my um, god! But yeah, it is very much like it, it's getting that vibe I often get with. It's like Jennifer Connelly is doing the effect of of a dub yeah. on herself yeah. in that it's <laughs> slightly, you know, because I always have this thing where I'm watching Argento and I'm like, is there a stilted quality because the voice and the body are disconnected yeah. and in some regards does it add to it yeah, but yeah like it's not necessarily a choice but in here you're like nah i feel like this is a choice. yeah this is a choice i mean my god i'm gonna sample some of the first uh dialogue sequence in the dorm between um uh jennifer connelly and her dorm mate of just the whole you know i'm really glad you're here i've always had to sleep alone it can be very scary Thanks for coming. I'm the one who should thank you. Don't let me forget, I owe you a meal. You know, there's a murderer around here. A crazy man, a maniac who kidnaps girls our age and kills them. And then he hides the bodies. Can we change the subject? I need my sleep. The weirdest conversation you've ever heard in your life where you feel yeah. like neither of these women were on set the same week. <laughs> well, it's, it's also like... <laughs> Oh, it's like that one scene in Things all over again. <laughs> when they're making a sandwich. It took like three days to film. Oh my God. No, but you do get the sense that like, yeah, she's in the scenes where people are like probably not talking like, or uh, there's a there's a delay there in either English yeah. or whatever language they're speaking. Yeah. But she does seem so like alive despite it. It's, yeah. it's not a stilted quality that's coming from being totally detached as an actor 
Yeah. It seems like she's really taking everything in and like, you know, she's got those big expressive eyes. Oh god, yeah. Um and it just feels like yeah, she is really just absorbing all of the madness yeah. around her. Yeah, think of the sequence where she's sleepwalking and she's on the balcony and the the floor dramatically gives way beneath her and she gets caught on the nightgown, oh, which is an that. amazing stunt, incredible visual of this woman in like this pure white nightgown hanging from this dirty old building and she's just like looking around like kind of vaguely interested but it's, yeah. it has this kind of sleepwalker effect kind of thing can, going on. I can totally like. I mean, yeah. she's. I think she's spellbinding in um in in labyrinth as well. But like, mm. I, you can just see this quality in this in this young woman <laughs> of just like, wow, she there is magic here. Yeah, um, yeah. I did actually gasp when she dropped because I was like, yeah, like it was. It's, it, it's yeah. so dramatic. It just yeah. really looks dangerous. God. So that's the first hour 15 or so. It's just this bizarre kind of ambiance, sort of dream sequences that are gorgeous. Then it gets nuts. Let's get into the best scare or creepiest moment. Best scare. I honestly, I honestly do think like her f- almost falling to her death. Yeah, got yeah. Because it was such like, I, again, I don't know how they did that effect without like mm. really endangering Jennifer Connelly. But um <laughs> Yeah, there was just something so swift about it, and because yeah. she's sleepwalking, there's no, <gasps> there's no like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's less of a reaction from her, and so she just falls so suddenly, yeah, but is not really reacting to it, and like as a result, your stomach kind of drops, yeah, yeah, um, because she she's like, you know, she's not, you don't see her react, and mm. so you think, oh god, she's just gonna fall, she's not gonna save herself. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. That's my um, scariest moment. I yeah. Think. Mine is the creepy fake boy that um, Dario Nicolati has got in a room. She's just got like a dummy set up in a playroom. And it's really creepy lit from sort of low down. And it's it's Argento with puppets. It's like deep red. You know, it's, mm. yeah, it's sinister. And then it just kind of clunks over and it's, yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> How about best character? Oh, like, can I, yeah. I it's got to be a, it's got to be a three-way tie. <laughs> Donald Pleasant. Yes. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Jimp. Okay. Jimp. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Donald Pleasant. So you talk a little about, I think we've talked about Jennifer Connelly quite a bit. Tell us about Jimp. <laughs> it's just so cute. The, the way it kind of acts around Donald Pleasant's, like, mm. it's just so sweet and the scene where he dies and the chimp finally gets back inside oh god yeah um and it's whimpering and why i don't know if this was like really the chimp or if they did it somehow imposed because it sounds like its heart is broken like it sounds like a sad dog that is mourning and the way it's kind of like nuzzling and like yeah. lipping on Donald Pleasance, and then it just turns and looks to the killer with its eyes like, Ugh! yeah. And I was like, yes, Chimpy, you go. Yeah. And like it's, it's a real emotional journey conveyed through this chimp's. Well, I'm gonna say performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very scene. sad, very heartbreaking. With Donald Pleasance, he's doing this very gentle Scottish accent. You're not to go. Where did you get this? You know you could cut yourself. Look, look here. You could cut yourself with this. See, it's not a toy. It's not a toy. Where did you find it? Oh, outside. 
and who may I ask put it out there? That's just it's really so beautiful. He's got a so really sweet. gentle manner to him. There's not a trace of Dr. Loomis yelling at children <laughs> about him. He's just... It reminds you what a lovely man he is. And just... It's a wonderful committed performance, which is what you always get from Pleasance. And yeah. Yeah. He's love great. That. All right. Best kill. Whoa. Oh. Oh, fuck. I mean... <laughs> Well, I will say that the first one that we see, Laura Palmer. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because, again, I am so confused where she actually fucking is because she runs <laughs> out into, like, these waterfalls. But somehow oh, gorgeous, when, she, that space. when she falls back, she's crashed into a window. I don't yeah, get it. Yeah, it's like an observation window in a waterfall. I loved it. But it's beautiful <laughs> because yeah. it's, like, slow motion. Um, she is falling back as the glass is shattering around her. It does kind of look very dangerous, so I hope yeah, the actress yeah. was yes. alright. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh, it's, yeah, it's just really beautiful. It is. Um, it's quite the set I, piece. And I guess the thing that we talked about of like this is Argento getting more and more subdued, but by no yeah. means less stylish. No, yeah, he's really refining the style, and I think we'll yeah see more of that in the next one. Um, for me, I'm going to go for just the really abrupt dad getting his head cut off with the sheet of metal <laughs> because it just was that surprised me. Was it? No, it was the lawyer, wasn't it? Or was it, it the who... solicitor? I, I think can't... it was the solicitor. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, because yes, the dad isn't in it. Um, yeah, that was just so surprising. <laughs> Fuck just... me. Was I blindsided? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a proper carry style. Oh shit. It's not over yet moment. And you got to love that. Um, Speaking of, well, that just leaves us with rank our heroes, Jennifer Connolly as Jennifer Corvino. Um, how does she stack up against the army of dudes we've had so far? <laughs> oh, nah, she's top of my list. Yeah, if that's it, fair. If it, it, especially, <laughs> not that he's the main character, but especially if it was a tag team of her and Donald Pleasance, I'd oh, say. Oh, God, yeah. No, yes. we're, yeah. we're way up the, there with Charismatic. Straight to the top, baby! <laughs> right above... The charismatic uh, blonde dude and his blind guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you thought oh. you thought you had us. <laughs> you no. had it in the bag until that last moment. Well, look, yeah. we've only got one of these left to go, so let's get back on these time vest- vespers one last time and head to that distant month of October so that we can finish all of this off. Mind all that right. low center of gravity. Okay. All right. Shotgun. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm riding in yours now. <laughs> oh no! Oh shit! Budging. There we go. Uh, this is the guy we're giving back to. Uh, uh, gra- oh. gra- grazie, grazie, signori. Yeah. Hey, oh. what are you? Uh, uh, prego. <laughs> oh, of course. Oh wow, he's riding both of them away. How's he doing that? Wow. Whoa. He's it's like they don't. I guess they didn't make roller skates here. <laughs> just... Oh shit. What? He's. I think it might be me from even further in the future. <gasps> Holy shit! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I hope you remember that when you record the next of these fucking Halloween fucking... <laughs> Better won't. Uh, well, here we are. The end of the line. One last Dario Argento Jalla film for our Jalloween. Oh, weird. He, uh, he, our final destination was the opera. The opera. <gasps> he did make more, Ooh. including a film called Jallo, starring da- Adrian Brody. But we're not. They're not. I don't want to d- hear don't, about yeah, it. Yeah, don't, don't, <laughs> don't worry about it. It's... We simply do not have time to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> it is 1987's opera.
terror of the opera. Oh! Argento took a little break from directing after Phenomena um, to recover, to stitch various fingers back on. And um, during that time, he produced and wrote two movies for Mario Barber's son, uh, Demons and Demons 2. They are utterly fantastic. Uh, one of them is about a bunch of demons invading a cinema. The other one is a bunch of demons invading an apartment building and all the televisions in there. I can't recommend them enough. I love them. Uh, he wrote those and produced them. Then, in 1987, he returned to directing, inspired by his experience of trying to stage a version of Verdi's Macbeth, uh, which oh, was shit. which was accomplished masterfully that same year that this film came out by Claude Anna. Uh, he made a film of Verdi's Macbeth, which we reviewed in the Scottish film, um, and is amazing. It's one of our favourites. Um, and I don't know if Diana took over Argento's production or if Argento got scared off by Diana's film. I have no idea. But yeah, got made the same year and it's great. There you so. go. <laughs> the visual of needles getting taped under eyes originated as a joke of Argento's when he talked about what he'd like to do to audience members who looked away from his movies during the scary parts. Dario. Oh my god, what does he think of subway surfers? <laughs> <laughs> He's not a fan. What does, what he, does think he think should... of TikTok? <laughs> what does he think of people who use their phones in cinemas? <laughs> Unleash the birds. What a <laughs> funny audience. joke, Dario. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> As previously stated, Nickelodeon was not going to appear in this one, but apparently changed her mind when she learned of her character's elaborate and shocking death scene. Um, She later said that it was very frightening because it required her to have a small amount of explosives placed on the back of her head. How many of your exes would you trust to uh, be doing that? (laughs) She's a a braver woman than I. (laughs) You know... I was sick of you being a prick and dicking me over in your movies. But now that I hear I've got a, a, a death scene where I no, get I... <laughs> shot in the head, well. Well, <laughs> sign Back me up. In, baby. <laughs> I knew there was a reason we were together in the first place. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Truly. Um, the film was prepared for a US uh, release uh, under the title Terror of the Opera with 11 minutes cut out. Uh, mainly the epilogues were uh, cut, uh, set in the Swiss Alps. But Argento didn't like this, he didn't like the cut epilogue, and Orion Pictures were struggling at this stage, so the film didn't end up getting any kind of theatrical release in the US, and went straight to video. Whoa, it looks like the US wasn't ready for their release. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't ready for Terror of the Opera. That sounds too classy. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we call it dumb opera bitches? (laughs) We call it singing bitches. (laughs) Oh god, this film was well reviewed. Uh, with Ed Gonzalez of Slap Magazine calling it Argento's last full-fledged masterpiece, which we shall never find out because we're stopping here. <laughs> That's it. It's That's the it, finale, folks. baby. Finito. <laughs> okay, so what happens in opera? Well, let me tell you. We start with a bird's eye view, literally. Of, uh... <laughs> and he ain't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it is a raven, and he is annoyingly uh, heckling an opera rehearsal. Middle-class scum. Pigeons Never around more. London can only heckle people pissing in the street. <laughs> These middle class birds. So then we're in a different bird's eye. That's right. It's the bird storming off set because she's mad at the director. It's a staging of Macbeth. And uh, yeah, she's doing some very impressive backwards walking out of there. The raven is actually meant to be here. He has an agent too. They, all these things have agents and unions. Ugh. Oh crap though, it's Italy. So as soon as she gets outside, she gets run over by an errant car. <laughs> Never leave a building in Italy. 
Uh, we get a little reminder of how fucking good Verdi's Macbeth is, but it's ruined by a phone ringing this time. God, this modern world just can't sit for an opera anymore. Our lead character gets a call from the Phantom of the Opera, informing her that she'll be taking over the role of Lady Macbeth, an ironic role to succeed into. Yeah. <laughs> Dario Nicolotti, the story writer of Suspiria, long-suffering um, girlfriend of uh, <laughs> Dario Argento, uh, comes in to give her the news formally. She's the uh, Duncan of this one, I guess. Um, but I'm too young to play Lady Macbeth. And there's a guy named Polanski who might disagree, but I wouldn't... I wouldn't Whoa! I wouldn't hear it from the, the mouth there. You get him, Paul. You fucking get him. <laughs> Let's fucking get this fucking dude. I'm finally, someone's speaking up. So... We're going to need to name for our main character. So she's blandly attractive and there's no way Argento is actually giving her any character traits. So I'm going to go with Kimberly. So Brandy is going on stage the next night. <laughs> but who's this watching? The Phantom. Oh, I could just call her Christine with the whole Phantom thing. Fuck. Oh, well. Crystal is singing up a storm. Yeah, she's singing up a storm, but the live birds on stage are kind of ruining everything. This was a bad idea. The uh, the Phantom uh, takes a break to chase a woman around whilst another watches on. Wait, is this the past or present? Who's to say? Stay tuned, faithful perverts. <laughs> it must be past because the Phantom is actually busily no- noisily murdering Jason Isaacs up in the balcony, knocking over a light into the audience at the time. But director P- Sean Pertwee is having none of this. Get back to the singing. Most of the audience aren't on fire not over until the fire department shows up um argento does his best to get another one of his actors to be mauled by an animal by chucking ravens at bambi Uh, but she finishes anyway and gets a round of applause even from the phantom and she's rightfully delighted she earned that uh i mean there's literally a a disaster during the performance and she still nailed it so good on you the former lady macbeth let's call her winona Ryder from like black swan uh there's also steve merchant who's uh wooing tiffany Oh, he's our Raoul. Fun. Um, it could be very easy just to name them after Phantom characters. Very easy for our character audience. Very easy, Paul. Very Wouldn't easy. It be easy. It would be easy for our audience to track as well. Yeah, it would be good. Anyway, Brandy also has a stagehand boyfriend, who I'm going to call Alan Ruck. Oh, yeah, good. Good <laughs> I call. I think so. A little bit. Yeah. Yep. Oh, oh Christ! And this guy in a tux is he someone? I'm running out of name. Oh, good. He's just delivering a gift from Winona Ryder. A bottle of piss. Lovely. So uh, the Phantom also agrees that the Ravens are a dumb idea. So he goes and kills a bunch of them in order to try and save the next performance. He's disturbed by old Gus, the theatre cat, who also hates them and doesn't give a fuck that some of them are dead. Uh, Maxine is doing a sex with Alan Ruck, but it's not. He's not. It's, it's not happening. So I guess things are just different now that you're famous. It's not that. It's just oh, that Stephen Merchant guy. <laughs> Ruck goes off to get an ice cream Italy uh, Allowing the Phantom to tie her up Gag her and attach pins to her eyes So that she in theory can't close them mm. <laughs> Don't worry about the practice of that Alan Ruck gets killed before he has to suffer The indignity of knowing he lost his dame to Stephen Merchant A blessing I wish I had And he gets killed to Motorhead Or something similar Outside, it's all Morricone-esque and rainy. Oh, this could be a classy flick. Not if we have anything to do with it. <laughs> we wouldn't be watching if it was. Um, <laughs> Pertwee finds uh, Charlene roaming up the streets and picks, uh, picks her up. But oh no, he's also a creep. Does that mean he's the killer? No, it's just how things are. <laughs> so she brings him back to her place. Um, so he says, I'll check the place. Hey, do you have a boyfriend? Uh, no. Oh. Who's this guy staring at the flat with binoculars? What? That's exactly what the killer would be doing. Oh, yeah. 
My neighbour is also talking to some shady-looking guy. Probably nothing. You suck, Sean Pertwee. Jesus. So, film, direct- film director Pertwee laughs off bad reviews and spends the evening with his supermodel wife. Who's this guy based on? Uh, the next day, <laughs> Hercule Merchant is um, trying to work out the angles and get to the bottom of this case. He tries taking his glasses off dramatically, but nobody snaps and confesses, so he's all out of ideas. That pissed assistant from earlier is back. Oh, she's the costume designer. Does she need a name? Let's see if she becomes a red herring or has a lengthy murder sequence. Oh, crap, that's happening now. All right. <laughs> name her! Name her! <laughs> Unfortunately, she actually looks a bit like Winona Ryder. All right, I'm renaming the other Winona Ryder from Black Swan, Winona Rival, and this is just Winona Ryder, until I can come up with a pun about her being a costume maker. Ooh. <gasps> so Winona Ryder <laughs> discovers a piece of ju- real jewelry has been included in the fake stuff. It has a date on it, a crucial clue. My God, the date. It's something I'm about to say right now. I'll just read it to you out loud. <laughs> but over there. So she gets murdered with an iron. An Iron Maiden, or similar. Oh! And then some scissors. Scissors sisters, or similar. Brittany got the eye thing done to her again, so she had to watch. Lurleen catches up with Hercule Merchant and explains that she witnessed the last two murders. Oh! Well, we'll definitely need to question you then. But first go upstairs and isolate yourself in your apartment where you'll be perfectly safe. Um, Mm. You'll be safe from the set pieces there. Oh, and see if you can impair your vision just before you um, allow in my inspector. (laughs) Done and done. Done? (laughs) You don't have to tell me twice. You're already gouging out your eyes. Smearing Vaseline on my eyes? What? (laughs) Come in, inspector. Suspiria story writer Daria Nicolardi arrives in order to reveal that there is the man... That the man... uh, the camera was very careful not to reveal actually wasn't who he said he was. Oh no, the killer is here. Do you have any rooms that aren't dramatically lit? No. No. It doesn't matter though, because no matter how secure the room seems, eventually the main characters will just want to walk around the place. And so Daria Nicolati gets shot through the, through the fucking door and the head. <laughs> Saw two style, baby! <laughs> Don't worry about our main character though. She hooks, she hooks up with Newt, who came from somewhere in order to show how to get, how to get through the vents. Uh, she's the daughter of angry neighbor lady. I write optimistically thinking this might come back again. <laughs> oh, Paul. <laughs> also, the same reasoning as to why I named Winona Rival. Uh, frustrated, Opal goes for a fraught wander around town where she comes up with a plan. She's going to be Macbeth again. Uh, but during the performance, Pertwee shall ruin uh, the performance and the set in order to, and endanger several lives in order to unleash dangerous birds amongst the audience who will surely only attack the man who attacked them out of revenge. It's flawless, and it works. They peck somebody's eye out. That'll probably be him. Get him! Oh my god, it's Hercule Merchant! He starts wildly shooting at everyone. <laughs> Somehow he ends up alone with Charity in the dressing room, where he reveals that he was in love with her mother or something, I'm not sure, uh, who was also a big opera deal. It's hereditary. Um, oh, he's an eye out. Ugh. He's like, oh, he's like, you know, the guy with the mask in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> So Gerard Butler straps her to a chair and tries to goad her into killing him with a blindfold on. Uh, She then shoots herself free and escapes the room as it goes up in flames. Well, that's the phantom dealt with. I outsmarted him. His big mistake was giving me a gun and directions on how to shoot him. (laughs) It's over now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So (laughs) Pertwee takes Neptune out to the Alps for some peace. 
oh shit though it turns out that wasn't him and coincidentally here he is <laughs> there's a there's a heavy metal chase across the field followed by a rough confrontation in which Pertwee gets done in Ginger decides to try and Mrs. Voorhees him by playing along with his delusions just long enough to hit him with a rock and then the army shows up and detain him and that somewhat anticlimactically is the end of our journey that started with an extraordinary man an American witnessing an attempted murder behind a glass wall in Rome and ends here <laughs> with a young woman freeing a reptile in the Swiss Alps, just like Argento planned it, I bet. Yeah, I mean, that that was the story of my nonna and uh, <laughs> nonna before her. It's the Italian story. It's, it's the story of Italy. <laughs> it's all in there. Mussolini, fucking other stuff that's happened in Italian history. <laughs> How did you find opera? I had fun. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, I think is that thing that we were talking about is everything starting to work together a little bit more. Yes. Uh, and that things don't just feel totally out of place. Yeah. Um, I think I, I did get a bit of like ending fatigue. Oh, yeah. Um, and especially I do think the whole subplot with the mother, our, 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 heroine's mother being yeah. this former yeah, opera that... singer who tortured this guy with their you know psychologically damaged this guy with their weird kind of sadism and yeah. murder of other young women but like also the then the inspector character is like the same age as our protagonist yeah. so it's like how the fuck does that work? Yeah. Uh, was he was he was he a chart? We don't want to get into that. That's no. It's I think that's way it's... too dark. Then then this movie has the right to kind of like yeah. get into safely. <laughs> uh, but it's just it just that didn't work for me. It's that thing where that didn't quite land no. for me. That didn't quite gel, and as a result, it did feel a bit like the ending lacked. Um, yes, a real emotional kind of... context, and I didn't enjoy our. Uh, lead character anywhere near as much. I, she did feel a bit more bland than yes, uh, previous absolutely. entries. Yeah, she felt like basically just one of the women that Argento would write to be murdered in one of these scenes. Only she doesn't. She just but just she sticks around. she keeps yeah she keeps living. She doesn't have yeah. any real <laughs> inner life. No, you don't get. It, it's really incongruous when you see her on stage because even though you see her like supposedly relaxing and putting on music, you don't feel that connection between her and the music. You know. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure she's not the one singing as well. No. But yeah, it's. I think as well, you could have done a um, uh, a Suspiria thing, or maybe so the the mm. the modern Suspiria of this person who is just obsessed with the music. You know, yeah. and that's and like we're talking about Phantom. That's Christine's thing. Like her yeah, whole yeah. thing is that she is devoted to the music, uh, as devoted as as the Phantom is. Yeah, yeah. And that's why this whole power play is irresistible because she cannot separate herself fully from this thing that she owes her life to. And like yeah. we have, it, we, we had seeds of it maybe where she's like, no, I'm, I can't be Lady Macbeth. My voice is too, I'm too young for the role. My voice yeah. is too young, blah, 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 blah. And like this idea of someone who's that committed that even having a starring role dropped in their lap, they they have that kind of artistic principle. Yeah. But it just shows, it doesn't follow through, stands out. And then we have her at the end go, I'm not like other girls. I yeah. like nature. It's like, yeah, what that the was fuck so do odd. you mean? I didn't know what was happening in that sequence. I thought, are we revealing that she's insane as well? 
Yeah, I thought she just got like gone off the, like her rocker entirely. She's literally hugging the ground. <laughs> I thought there was a twist I, had, I that we had missed, and she had been the killer the whole time somehow. Yeah, like, it was very surreal. It was messy, and I Tenebrae feels more like the sort of apotheosis of everything that's come before. You know, all of those techniques um, coming together to make an ultimate Jallo, and then Phenomena almost feels like moving past it, moving past what Jallo is into a new thing. For Argento, which is, you know, in tying in his kind of supernatural stuff from Suspirion and Inferno, you know, therefore making it something wholly new and entirely of his own that only he could really make. Then Argento, it does just feel a bit like a throwback to one of his Giallo movies, which is made on a very impressive scale and still has the artistry and an awful lot of very impressive visual elements. But story-wise, character-wise, is one of the weaker efforts, I think. I can I can handle one of these movies with, where I don't have an attachment to the character if the pacing's okay. If the pacing is good and it keeps us propelled, I'm entirely happy to take this as like an experimental art house exercise in tension, you know, visual storytelling and that kind of thing. Um, but I just didn't feel like, even though there is stunning visual sequences in here it just didn't have that propulsive pacing anyway uh best scare or creepiest moment oh okay well i don't know if it if it's what i actually thought but it's the one i wrote down um (laughs) the horror of letting the wrong man inside yeah it's because we've we've got the moment where she's she and i think mira is inside at this point Mm. um daria nicolodi's character Uh uh-huh they're, they've locked themselves inside, but they're not sure who's in. Right. Um, at, or, like, where they are. The And, like, they go to the room that the policeman was in and there's the cigarettes. Yeah. Smoke wafting. Mm. It's, all, it's all blue. It's very eerie. And there's just that horror of, like... Where the fuck is he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good because, stuff. Because we're all in here together. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Very eerie. Um, I will just have the iconic, you know, it's on all the posters, mo- fe- idea of the pins under the eyes. Because it is oh, really yeah. scary. It's not quite oh. the way it's realized. It does really look like you could just close your eyes. So long as you don't move your brow, you'll be fine. But they do enough to make you feel like this is dangerous. Because they've got blood running down the yeah, pins at various a, stages. And there's a few Ugh. shots where you can kind of see how... The very close-up one. If she, if she blinked, it would... Yeah kind of get the top of her eyelid and you're like that's off that's yeah awful. it's gross <laughs> okay uh best character who have you got for this the seamstress was kind of fun she was fun actually i enjoyed her and i yeah. like the fact she fought back and that she yeah. nearly got the better of the guy that was good it's also nice like because uh, you know I, like we were getting a good sense of like the drama within the theater yeah you know that she's like oh this director like i disagree with his vision and blah 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 and 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 he got this person to make the costume but like now that's gonna fall to me which is not really my area but like but you could see that she um still was very sweet to the actor like she was still very sweet to our main character Mm. um yeah i don't know i liked her a lot yeah so i'm I'm gonna go for seamstress the only other person, the only person I really went for was, I think that's the best uh, option there. 
I went for the evil former actor who like schemes and sends uh, the the piss in the bottle. But it's like only because I really like the idea of her. She's not really utilized very well, but I like the idea of the sort of bitter, you know, actor who got into an accident and couldn't do the role and so hates the main character. But it was an obvious red herring, but you could have still had some fun with it. Right. Oh, and also oh. the ravens. Oh, the ravens are great. Great yeah. performance. Whoever that raven keeper was when he busts <laughs> down the cage with yeah. a single kick. Oh yeah, that was amazing. He was like a stagehand from a heavy metal <laughs> thing. He just kicks in the fucking cage. Fuck yeah. Very spinal um, tap. But the ravens were very cool. And anytime yeah, they you saw them, they, their mouth was just like slightly open, yeah. making them look kind of happy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, best kill. Uh, you go. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have. I've got two options here. So. One of them is uh, the fucking boyfriend right at the beginning getting knifed in the in the throat because it's very abrupt, looks great, and then you get a little shot showing the knife coming into the, his mouth, mm. which is, you know, really creepy and quite gross. And then he just gets stabbed up a bunch more, which is, you know, very sinister. But also just Nicol- uh, Daria Nicolardi getting shot in the head and it's so well done. It's so abrupt mm. and has so much impact. The reverberation of the shot around the room and her scream like yeah that was powerful yeah i i i definitely have her down as a note because it's it yeah it's it's so realistic yeah uh like you know because normally in these like uh, either people are too hardy or they're too just Mm. like butter yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah the the way that she drops and like they they did a really fucking good job. I yeah. look I don't want to be that person but like uh when the killer's going through slitting the throats of the raven mm. um there is like a I, I guess cuz you've got real life animals that are fluttering around oh, yeah. and like you know looking nervous and you have the other ravens reacting to it of like yeah. getting more agitated as he like grabs one and just like <coughs> slits its throat yeah. and then it just kind of like drops to the floor. I was like ah <laughs> 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 no. Yeah. Um, All right. How do we rank our heroes? Because we've got Christina Masalach as Betty. Now, through no fault of her own, really, she fuck doesn't. Betty, man. Yeah. There's nothing to do. <laughs> there's just sorry. nothing for her to do here. She's really boring. <laughs> so sorry. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't actively hate her in maybe the same way as some of our other protagonists. So, um... That's fair. So maybe she doesn't rate bottom, but she's not. Uh, so in that case, I think it's pretty fair to say that Jennifer Connelly wins. One hundred p. As if we had any doubt <laughs> that the light of my life, <laughs> the greatest. Dario Argento protagonist of the sort of generic guys that we got for the first five of these. I think I put my, I stake my uh, flag to, who was it? I like Deep Red Guy, the guy who looked like fucking uh, Paul McCartney. And it was, I liked him. <laughs> and he's, he's like a satire of the Dario Argento leads. So I think he was my favorite like guy one, but yeah, Jennifer Connelly's the best overall. It's Jennifer Connelly and then blind old man for me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> beautiful combo um and with that in mind i think that we could probably get to quick firing the entire argento saga (laughs) holy shit let me slam an energy drink yes (laughs) quick fire oh fuck yeah okay (laughs) um oh early in uh bird with the crystal plumage Uh there's a cat in the bird museum and i thought haha he's, en- <laughs> he's ended up i was like he's ended up right where he wants to be 
this little fucking legend. <laughs> this little fucking cat uh, in amongst all these taxidermy birds. He must be in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Scattergun. Um, opera. I really like the Lady Macbeth outfit. It was very Wagnerian. I enjoy that. Oh my god, are we going backwards? Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm going. God. I'm going all over the place. Um, <laughs> deep red. <laughs> Um, oh, I like the fact that when the two men are talking to each other after the initial murder, they sort of walk away and the frame keeps pulling back and widening as the two men go to leave each other with that gorgeous statue in the middle. That was, yeah, quite something. And then one more. Uh, oh, cute little girl in um, Cat and Nine Tails. I think we've covered that in some detail already. <laughs> yeah, she's very cute. She's very cute. <laughs> Holy shit, you're a madman. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I can probably do all of my crystal plumage one. Do uh, it. Because, again, I think I, I got most of them out in the episode. Uh, all right, just, let's get crystal plumage just, off the menu. We'll, do, we'll both yeah. do them. Okay, mm. yeah. We, we, we talked about it before, but the uh, um, the red-headed woman in Bird with the Crystal Plumage is so yeah. beautiful oh in such God. a way that I don't think we really see enough of anymore. Mm. Um, I, I know it was the time, and, and maybe because plastic surgery and, and what have you like wasn't yeah. as much of a thing. Um, but when we watch some of these older films, particularly yeah. if the cast is not American, you just see these striking looking people. And yeah. she's like this tall woman. Um, like she's so beautiful, but with such like sharp features. Yeah. Um, and it, like just truly a, the biggest mouth I've ever seen. In oh my life. yeah. And um, used to very, put to very good use. That sounds wrong. But when she's like screaming and looking <laughs> maniacal, <laughs> when she's like looking yeah. maniacal or like screaming, like it's, yeah, it's quite yeah. full on. She's so gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've got uh, like a few other ones. Uh, the, there's a big moon sculpture of like uh-huh. a screaming moon. It oh, looks yeah. a lot like the moon in Majora's Mask. I like it a lot. Love that. Um, We've got a very domestic feeling uh, scene of our shit man in this one. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I called him, him off-brand Ted Bundy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> when he's trying to like solve when he and his girlfriend are like going through yeah. clues and they're both sitting on the couch together. And it's just like, it feels like they're doing the crossword together. It's very, it's very yeah, sweet. It is sweet. Um, and just like the face of the painter appearing in the window in the country house is very... Oh, yeah. Very strange, and it's it happens so suddenly and quietly that mm. you're like, oh my god, is this a mannequin? Like, what yeah. the fuck? That's that's my crystal plumage. So, crystal plumage, uh, Morricone's score I thought was really good. In general, all of Morricone's scores for these is very good. You've got the creepy singing, the good plinky plonky kind of abstract music. It was good stuff. The the newspaper shot that then turns into the hero reveal is very good, uh, where you've got a guy holding a newspaper, which then sort of turns, you know, establishing shot then into hero. That's uh, complex camera work. The fact that it's a foggy Roman morning, I thought was really, cu- uh, really cool. Uh, the reveal that the, uh, the guy, the husband, is left-handed by having our hero chuck something towards him, and he catches it with the left hand was very good. Doesn't get said out loud. Nice bit of storytelling. The chase with the guy who looks like Lance Henriksen. You know the iconography of his bright yellow jacket. The music. The fact that it's set in like a bus stop. You know, it was a really interesting setting. The pacing, the fast running against the killer's just confident Michael Myers-style strides. Uh, the body arm reveal, the fact that a body gets revealed and an arm flops out and he doesn't even notice it. And then I really like the fact that our main character is negotiating with the painter, having already eaten a bit of a, ca- a, bit of a cat. <laughs> That's just, yeah, marvellous. Cat of Nine Tales. Il Gatto e Nuova Code. Yeah, we talked about this a, a little bit as well, but this whole um, getting into kind of 
including more queer characters in Argento flicks, but we have this um, queer venue. We yeah. have this this Saint Peter's Club um, where we see all these people. It's very cabaret style, not in terms of a cabaret, but like we've got big kind of uh, velvet curtains and yeah. cabaret seating and people oh, drinking, yeah. but it just looks like a cool place. It yeah. looks like a happy place. No <laughs> one's really... Like, no one's really vilified or it's not like you've got a bunch of creepy men. It's just like yeah. a nice, literal, yeah. safe space. It's strange. Um, it's the recurring yeah. element, yeah. And the death. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's obviously the in my list as well. The final death in the elevator sliding down is death insane. Death by elevator oh shaft. Oh, my God. It's incredible. Or trying to... You know, uh, I think I've seen a similar injury in like one other film where someone tries to grab onto a cable and yeah. just burns the shit oh, out of God, their hands. Oh God, it's horrific! It's amazing. Oof. Yeah, it's God. one of those very visceral things where if you include like damage being done to hands, a lot of the times you go, "Oh, yeah. wow, Ugh. that would hurt my hands." Got a lot of nerve endings there. With very relatable yeah. sense of pain. That was my that was my cat with nine tails. Cat doing over Cody. Okay. Uh, moody tracking shot through the house as the killer bl- breaks into the blind man's home. Um, I like the station complete with paparazzi. It felt very Fellini. Um, I like the quick intercutting as a transition. Um, as he makes the decision to see the journalist, it sort of teaches you to expect the cut too, which I really liked. Uh, Giordani's big smile. I've put, I like the name Calabresi. I think that just sounds nice. Three beakers of coloured liquid in the science lab. That's good old-fashioned cheesy shit. (laughs) Just three beakers (laughs) of coloured liquid. Ah, for our experiments. The milk getting poisoned and subsequent tension around it. Like, are they going to drink it? You know, it gets brought around. It's like a Hitchcock film. It's good stuff. Um, Fucking milk. (laughs) I I love the, uh, the line about the average number of times people make love and then they just take their clothes off in preparation for sex. <laughs> All right, we'll get undressed then. I love Works that. Works on me. Works on me. All right, we better get undressed. <laughs> um, uh, I love the newspaper office with all the typewriters. They were very green. It looked like a Tati film. Um, slow motion blood drip, I don't know, but if I've written it, so there it is. And then finally, yes, the lift kill. And that is El Gato and Avocado. But what about Quattro Moschi Deliver Voluto Grigio? I remember oh, these. Fuck. I'm not reading this. Man. I still remember that these are called in Italian. Ah, well, I good job. Some you. Italian. <laughs> Warner. I did not. And it's <laughs> my family's language. Um, I did not remember a lot about this film. Fair. I did not. This was not one of my favorites. Um, but I really just like the opening of seeing these weird jazz dudes. Yeah. Um, and we had some kind of wackadoo shots. Like we had the, uh, yeah, the camera in the guitar and like just seeing the strings vibrating. I that love really that cool. inside the guitar. That was crazy. Yeah. It was fucking nuts, man. Oh my like, God. I, you should have they, been there. Like, they obviously like, I mean, it's not GoPros, but like, it looks yeah. like they mounted a GoPro on the <laughs> neck of the base as well. Yeah. Because we get the, the view down, de- like, you know, down so the neck difficult. of the base. Um, we also have a cool setting when he gets to like this empty theater that is like all fucked up from whatever crazy celebrations happened. It's, yeah. It almost looks like it's very run down. It's like there's me- melted wax everywhere. <laughs> just looks like a fucking, it looks like a theater that has been abandoned. And so has become like a weird punk rave place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a lot 
else for that. I'm sorry because well, I misplaced my notebook. <laughs> yeah, this one's a bit tricky because this is the one I watched with my grandmother. And so it was a little tricky to take notes whilst also trying to field the various questions there were. So, yes, there's a shot of a cigarette in the foreground and a man, a man walking away in the background, which was very cool, very stylish. The mask the blackmailer wears when he's taking the pictures, the little boy mask, is creepy as hell. Um... The execution dreams, where he dreams of the execution in the Middle East with the guy getting his head cut off, are really haunting and beautiful. Um, the shack where the professor is living, the professor and his associate, is great. It's so sort of shabby, chic, and bohemian. God. And God, <laughs> yes, God and the professor. Like, oh my God, I yeah, love those two so it's much. A, it's a Samuel Beckett play halfway through. <laughs> and there's a parrot. Reason. There's a parrot there that I love. It's, yeah, it's great. And he wakes up the professor with his like Rube Goldberg machine of like ropes and pulleys that just serve to nudge him. That's great. Um, I love that when uh, I think one of the guys gets killed with a club and we just get a perspective shot of the club as it zooms across the room to hit him in the head. Uh, The coffin expo where they go to have their conversation is hilarious. Um, The professor going to the effort of stealing a cigarette from someone. Oh, that's it. He goes to a guy. I still remember this so clearly. He goes to a guy. He's got a tiny little cigarette nub and he says, do you have a light? And he gives him the cigarette he's smoking, which is a full length one. He lights the cigarette and then gives back the stub and keeps the long one. (laughs) amazing so good <laughs> the sad death of the detective who was you know like i think his last words are something like i finally solved one or something like oh, that oh yes yeah. of course we really liked him we really liked he him sh- he should have been the main character in that film. oh yeah <laughs> anyway and finally the sheer madness of what the four flies actually were <laughs> Argento landed it, but uh, <laughs> but it was it was kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. I remembered something from that oh, film, yeah? which was um, I don't think she got a name, but she was a witness, mm. um, and she was in the park waiting to meet up with someone, and yes. like all of the children are like kind yeah. of playing on the playground, but not really making any noise, yep. like it's it's a it almost feels like we've just gone straight into a dream scene and then before you know it it's night yeah. um no indication as to what's actually happening has she just been yeah. sitting here this whole time it's just like night descends like yeah. reality doesn't quite work here and then of course she's running through this weird gap in between two stone walls that almost feels like it's closing in on her it's just yeah it's it's very surreal and not a super surreal movie yeah 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 yeah, it's good stuff. Amazing. Uh, Profondo Rosso, Deep Red. I caught the fucking twist in this one. Ah! Because when I, was, when I was writing my notes, I'm like, that's a mirror yeah. on the wall. Like, I was like, someone, <laughs> I was like, I was like, did they not? did they not get someone out of the way in time? Is this like a Twin yeah. Peaks thing <laughs> where like a production person gets, is just standing in the background? Or I I was like, is this a haunting of Hill House thing where there's just like people standing in the background and, and we don't know, yeah. but I caught the fucking twist. <laughs> and then I felt so vindicated at the end when it was like, when he's like, oh, wait, this painting isn't a painting. It's a mirror. I saw a person that day and I was like, oh, that's great because it means that if you catch it, like you can actually go back and yeah. see it happen in real time, which is which is really cool. Yeah, um, and I also I really love the that reveal, the idea of the mirror, you know, revealing mm. the killer. I think is a really cool idea, and the idea of being mistaken for a painting. It's hard to do though, because obviously as you're panning, you can tell it's not yes. a painting because <laughs> paintings don't shift in perspective when you move closer towards them. 
Some do. The murder flashback with background shadow and foreground knife is very effective, very artfully staged. The conceit of a psychic who can see the murderer, and Argento's camera is great in that moment with the use of POV to show the killer in the audience, like, feeling found out. I love that. Um, when she gets unnerved, leaving the theatre and hears the killer's breath, like, great. The theme is probably the best goblin theme is this one. I absolutely love it, although Tenebrae gives it a run for its money. Um, the assortment of strange items on the table we see with the very intense close-up, really intense close-up with toys, yarn figures, marbles, and then just the knives. Very cool. The blue bar outside the famous statue looks like a pretty chill hang. The car gags, when they've, she's got this piece of shit car, Daria Nicolati does. The door that doesn't open, the seat that shoots back, the sunscreen exiting through the sunroof. Loved all of that. Um, the fact they drive by a guy in a string vest cycling with an Italian flag just shouting, Long live Italy. Yes! <laughs> yes, I thought I was going nuts. Nope, it's so just glad Argento. That you brought that up. Um, I enjoy our main guy's misogyny being undermined in the arm wrestling scene. <laughs> That was great. Oh, yes, I've got arm wrestling scene. Yeah. Because I'm like, he's almost fucking drooling with yeah. effort in the arm <laughs> wrestle. God, he's so shit. He's so shit and she's so great. Well, speaking of which, I love her spinning the slender cigar up to her mouth. She does like a flicky thing up to the mouth. Very cool. I like the tender relationship between Carlo and his lover. I thought that was really sweet because he's a... Yeah, we talked about that plenty in the representation uh, segment. Uh, the camera suddenly rushes through. Uh, the camera I've put to find him at home playing piano, followed by some dramatic close-ups of hammers and sheet music. Yes, it's when he's playing piano, so it's sort of very expressively told. I have so many for Deep Red. Zoom in on record and then rotation around it. Yes, it zooms in on like a record that's in the spinner and then it like turns around as it goes. The house is gorgeous. The really creepy house where the mural is. They're both in kitchens trying oh, to have a fucking yes. conversation with each other and they just can't hear <laughs> Welcome to Italy, where it's like, hey, you know that you could actually like stop what you're doing right now and have this phone call, or have the phone call at a later time yeah. when you're not doing the thing. No, nah, nah. We must continue as we fucking work. We must make the most amount of noise possible at any given time. The doll hung from the ceiling was really creepy. Eye in the cupboard. <laughs> Some of these will make sense. Dogs fighting to introduce the country setting. Yeah, it's the countryside. Here, how do we establish this? Dogs fighting in the street. Got it. Um, I like the steam writing concept that the victim wrote the name in steam in the window that will only show again if you steam up the room again. I like the base whilst he ex the base whilst he explores the house, which is identical to the last part of Tubular Bells. The do 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 do. <laughs> Um, expose, exposing the bloody knife first, the empty school, which is a great place for the sort of semi-finale, and then the boy holding up the bloody knife juxtaposed with the killer lunging. That's it for Deep Red. I love that movie. How about Tenebre? Hey! Uh, <laughs> I loved the mu- Hey! This hey. guy! Hey! <laughs> um, I loved the music in this one. Yeah. It was such oh, a- Oh, God. Such a weird combination yep. of, you know, these synth vibes, this like, uh, it's it feels so funky. The music uh. for this film is so funky, yeah. but also so sinister. It's such a, it's such a weird needle to thread, but yeah. God, they do it. And it's so weird, um, that main, like, segment of it being the, ah, yeah, ah, yeah. 
Hi. Yeah. Like, what even is that? Like, it's just, it's very bizarre, but it's great. And it's the last time we get a full Goblin soundtrack. So I feel like they really pulled out all the stops. Yeah, we only get semi-goblins from yeah. here. Yeah, a couple of good moments, which we'll come to, but yeah. yeah. Shame. Um, w- w- people don't wear it anymore, but mm. uh, white fur. Mm. Um, yeah, the the ex the ex girlfriend um at the airport. She's got this beautiful long dark curly hair, and she's wearing a white fur coat and black sunglasses, and it's yeah. such a fucking look. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> Luke Sky. Some of these are just fashion. Sorry. Wink. Uh, <laughs> uh, Luke Skywalker twink. He's wearing like yep. a little argyle sweater, which has come right back into fashion. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. This kind of like crocheted vest he's wearing Love it's it. very 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 cute uh we have the lady cop and the uh, the two cops um and the the male cops like i should uh you know you're useless i should have i should have a tough male assistant and then she goes oh you'd hate it you'd have nothing to bitch about <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's fun zing <laughs> got him got that prick uh we see two Burliest, the burliest fucking dudes you've ever seen in your goddamn life Love with it. their big guns out playing arcade machines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, when they finish playing, they do like a little bro head shake. <laughs> so, Love so that. weird. Uh, one of the the cup, one of the lesbian couple. Uh, uh, oh, I don't yeah. think she got a name. No, Monica. I think yeah. she had just huge nipples. Anyway. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got to appreciate that. Uh, we also have the um, uh, Daria Daria Nicolodi being mm. like, oh, this not like this fucking novelist that I have to look after. He's always complaining. I'm sure he'll be like. Oh, this feather pillow's too soft. Well, I'll get you a feather pillow. Yeah. And then as sh- he's talking on the phone, her actual response then later is, I'll get you a new feather pillow. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's the thing where she's like, oh, like, I bet this is a stupid request he'd ask for. And then it's actually right. Very, yeah. uh, very, very funny to Love me. <laughs> so passes, this is a quote, so passes the glory of Lesbos. Oh, yes. Yeah, somebody says that when they're like <laughs> looking at the crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> insane like, thing to say what <laughs> the fuck yeah <laughs> okay dude um uh i talked about the lady cop getting the autograph yep and then him being like who cares but yeah then they smart they they share a little smile so cute. it's very cute uh when hat man dies oh yeah hat man. uh there's there's oh, a john saxon woman. hat man <laughs> yeah it's the hat man <laughs> uh there's a crying woman who starts approaching him and mm. it's just very dreamlike because yeah. she's just crying as she's walking in a um in a very kind of fluid yeah, it's creepy. forward motion and it's very very lynchian it um, is oh i love the fact that the art structure gets a kill in that film oh god yeah that's an incredible moment as well yeah it, like the way it kind of all falls like almost like not hail but yeah. just bits of it careen off and then thud into him and you're like and he keeps trying to pull it out and he can't he can't get the grip on the thing it's yeah because like, it's not because it's like a point but it's not like a it's solid circular. point it's curved yeah. metal yeah so he can't so get he's a grip like on trying it. to yeah he's trying to get a grip at it it just Ugh, keeps slipping and it becomes horrible. more slick with blood the depiction of rome i really like this is a much more daytime style of rome than we've seen in previous ones uh dario argento's voice reading out the uh, extract of the book at the beginning i thought it was great 
love Saxon's hat and his little gestures with it and his little gags with it, like leaving it on a thing very deliberately just so it could be taken away and he could say, hey, my hat. Like, amazing. <laughs> I love our main guy's point about the Smith & Wesson thing, where it's like, hey, your book was used in a murder. Well, when someone gets shot, do you go to Smith & Wesson every time? And it's like, okay, touche. Oh, I love the image of a razor smashing a light bulb and then the filament slowly burning out a little after. Love that. Um, one of the most famous shots of the movie is absolutely fabulous in its camp value, but also just in its actual impact, is our detective in frame, bends down to get something, and the killer is just perfectly behind him, so you couldn't see him a minute ago. It's great. It's so yes. Scooby-Doo, but it works brilliantly. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> Very good. And that's that for that. So, phenomena. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Ah, uh, this... Uh, weirdly, even though it's my favourite, I, I think... <laughs> Uh, as well, doing the plot rundown, mm. you get a lot of this stuff out. Um, yeah, the first kill is so beautiful. Like mm. you're just so confused when that when she falls into that window. You're like, where the fuck am I? But yeah, yeah it's shot so beautifully. Um, da, da, da. I think uh, the dr- the sleepwalking bits, like this weird white corridor that she starts out in it's very sterile it's very it's very dreamlike and it's kind of showing it every time she begins to dream we're we're getting the nice uh like us the audience are getting clued in of this is this is her sleepwalking this is how it begins yeah um which is really really nice because then we're on for that journey um just any scene with donald pleasance and jennifer connelly they're so sweet together he's so kind and gentle one of the bugs hits him in the eye with some sort of fluid and it just like it's right in the eye um but the way that he's kind of like sweetly impressed with it yeah um very sweet uh, his strange philosophizing, he's always got a very flowery phrase as he's talking about, yeah. um, you know, the how these bugs are all tied in together, even describing the wind. Um, it's just an eerie yet warm delivery I've got. And as well, we get a lot of close-ups on his eyes, especially mm. with the glasses, and they're just such a beautiful green, like a greeny blue. Yeah, um, God, yeah. Yeah, I think most of mine are going to be about <laughs> him. Oh, oh, as she's trying to sneak out, uh, it's almost like a bit slapsticky still, but like yeah. just there's so many things that could make noise yes. and then they don't. Yeah, uh, it's good like, tension. The knitting needle into the wall is the yes, crazy one. Yes, like, oh the, my knitting, God. the knitting needle falling and just like plonking itself straight into the wall, so like good. straight up. It's like, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Excellent flesh prosthesis. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, I mean, anytime we see goo or goop yep. or flesh in this film, it all looks very realistic and gross. Oh yeah. Um, when when uh little boys being eaten by the swarm, you see, yeah. it's almost like not dissolving, but it's like almost being carved oh, it's away. Oh, so like gross. Wax, yeah, and you're it's like, horrific. Oh, God, that's visceral. Yeah. My God, that's visceral. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but and. and uh, uh, I'm sure it was probably quite dangerous, but the chimp dragging a razor across yeah, yeah. Daria Nicolodi's face as oh well my looks God, quite yeah. realistic. Terrifying. Um, that's that's me. Great. Um, I love the opening music. Very morose for Goblin. I really like it. The sort of 
It was very eighties. I really liked it. Um, yeah. Gorgeous waterfall with the cliffside viewing window. We've mentioned it a few times, but I'd love to get murdered there. It's great. Um, <laughs> and you can the inexplicable one moment of narration, and so Jennifer arrives for her first night at the like that never happens again. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about it. It's that. very fairy tale. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I totally fucking forgot about that. And it's not a vo- it's not a voice of anyone we hear in the film. No, it's not. It? It's it's no. hilarious. <laughs> it's so good. Um and then obviously well we mentioned that. Um falling from the balcony, we talked about that. The ladybird POV of her walking away. She walks away and there's like a ladybird's point of view of like six different shots of her like walking away in circles, and that's great. It looks amazing. I do really like, you talked about it earlier, just the sheer unexpected nature of, um, they all, they, they laugh at her. She storms out and then one of them says, hey, Jennifer, wait. And obviously you think, oh, it's going to be an apology. And instead she comes up and says, I'm a spider. I'm a spider, Jennifer. Oh, queen. And then they all like just start taunting her. It's just so shitty. And I love how earnest that she came up <laughs> Reminds me of working with children a lot. It's very good. <laughs> this is so, it's just so unnecessary. There's Jennifer Connolly is on a bus. She's got the window open. When a German woman is like, hey, hey, you. And Jennifer Connolly says, I don't speak German. And she's like, can you close the window? No. And then <laughs> ignores her for the rest of the bus journey. And then you see her get off the bus. And within the bus, you can see the German woman get up, go and close the window, and then sit down again, thereby ending that subplot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, play it, yeah, play it to its logical extreme. <laughs> Loved that. Um, if you're an actor and your your motivation yeah. is to close the fucking window. You've got to resolve that. <laughs> um, I love the line, he just stays in his room with his crazy thoughts. <laughs> hard, hard same. Um, <laughs> relatable. Big mood, big mood. Uh, everything about the boat sequence at the end, but the underwater photography is incredible. Just what a sequence that was. And then my final one is the, one of the funniest things. Nick, uh, Daria Nicolati is like attacking her. She's got this horrible mirror situation where it's like on her neck and you can see the blood, which you won't see again in a minute. But she's got the blood and it's like horrible. And then somebody attacks her and you cut to the monkey who raises the razor to his head in the most <laughs> in the most stylistic uh, I'm the here mon- to save the day look the monkey knew the shot yeah. okay the monkey knew the framing <laughs> oh oh it's it's a mid okay so i got to hold the razor yeah here. <laughs> it was so right perfect. by my face so you see it i don't know how much monkey footage Dario Argento's got in his fucking basement <laughs> but that moment was worth it it was beautiful okay finally opera the camera work is really fun. We've got a lot of like long tracking shots or like moving through the way it moves through the theater itself. Yeah. Um is is really really cool. It's all very fluid. We've got we've got shots that, you know, start to pan up and then suddenly we're back in the theater, we're rising from the stage. I thought that was really really cool. Yeah. Um all the ravens, five yeah. five stars. Uh, Love that. Yes, 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 yes <laughs> from me. What the fuck is this direction? Uh for the for their production of Macbeth, it's like it's like I World know. War Two. I love but it. But also Lady Macbeth is like in Wagner esque armor. Yeah. <laughs> but then also she's got a gun. 
as a spinning dagger. <laughs> like every time we see the actual production of of Macbeth, I'm like, this is a fucking nightmare. I know, right? None of this, <laughs> none of this meshes. You've also got you've got people holding giants st- like. Um, just spewing smoke and haze onto the stage. And I'm like, yeah. right by the, your main soprano? I know. <laughs> You're going to spew spo- smoke right near your soprano. All right. It's okay. sheer madness. Like- but I do recommend seeing Cloud Anna's uh, adaptation of Macbeth. Uh, that has similar sort of mad staging and sort of weird, it's you know, thing. fucking it's, nuts. It's incredible. Beautiful. I do love the reveal of the stage, though, because it starts with this incredibly long shot of the Teatro Reggio uh, opera house in Parma where they shot this and it just mm. the audience it's a packed house and then pan and then crazy stage it's beautiful yeah and it like mm. it, the production design looks very high level but oh, it's yeah. just none of these things <laughs> mesh together yeah there was several um, sets they'd left over from other things yeah yeah <laughs> and anytime we see like theater stuff so yeah. like backstage we just have <laughs> chaos pure chaos and people like trying to fix things or like you know costume things coming together right before we yeah. gotta go on stage oh yeah and um, when like it's a, a stagehand stops a fucking dude and it's like oh no the scar it needs to be on the other side what do you want me to fucking do about that guy? He's about yeah, yeah. he's about to walk on. <laughs> These things you should save them for notes after yeah. the show. Yeah. Anyway, the director, our director character, he's very he's got a very wry sense of humor, mm. which kind of works if you're playing it as a red herring for him being the killer. Um, but like his supermodel girlfriend is like, you're a sadist. Everyone says that about you. Mm. I always hear that all the time. And he goes, well, you must be very bored <laughs> or like something <laughs> yeah, like that. You must right. be bored of hearing the same thing all the time. It's very, yeah, very mm. wry. We have a raven eating the eye. Yeah, of the cop, that was going to be my um, last but one. But it keeps coming up. It keeps, it's, oh. it doesn't, it just doesn't seem like it really wants to eat that eye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have got the opening shot that focuses on a crow with this grandiose opera in the background, sort of out of focus, and we're just seeing the bird. That's great. The tracking shot as she storms out of the opera is amazing. The tracking shots through the opera house later on, even though they are often uh, set to incongruous uh, heavy metal music. Uh, The entire sequence of the killer killing ravens was beautifully shot. Oh, a moment of feather drop. They want to indicate that a feather is an important clue. So they have a hand dropping the feather into another hand, but we start the shot horizontally and then flip around until it's vertical. Very interesting. Very crazy. The noises when the killer cuts open the costume designer are foul. (laughs) That is really unpleasant. You don't see anything. You just see the scissors, but the noises are horrific. Um, And the... Oh, yeah, my last one then. The curtain... The curtain billowing in the wind. And then we see a a a pillow falling to the pavement where it bursts when it lands just to indicate how far it is and it's such a gorgeous shot it yeah it's really beautiful and it really bespeaks the artistry of dario argento of of old pillow making of old pillow uh, argento also (laughs) (laughs) okay you just don't find too many pillows that are that stuffed with feathers (laughs) here's what i think we should do we should both yeah. do an independent ranking of the movies, uh, which I will then give a point value to based on where you've put them, and then we should add those together to get our definitive ranking of Dario Argento's Ajalo movies. Number one, uh-huh. Phenomena. Uh-huh. Number two, Tenebrae. Mm-hmm. Number three, Cat and Nine Tales. Yep. Number four, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Number five, Opera. Number six, Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Where was Deep Red, sorry? Fuck, we forgot Deep Red. <laughs> okay, I think I think Deep Red goes between Bird and Opera. 
Okay. Whew. Right, I'll give you my list. Bottom place, it. I have put opera. Next up, yep. I do have Cat and Nine Tales. I do love the characters, <gasps> but I know. Yeah. But nevertheless, just the plot was really perfunctory. The murders weren't terribly memorable, and I feel like Argento was still finding himself. Next up, I think this only really bespeaks how much I love the ones that are higher up. The next up, I do have Phenomena. Or maybe I should swap it, though, because next up is Bird of a Crystal Plumage, which is so stylish and brilliant mm. and lovely, but no, I'm going to swap it. <laughs> so <laughs> then after Phenomena, I've got Tenebrae in third place. After that, I do have four flies just because I loved the characters. I found the kills to be really interesting. And there was just a lot of his goofy stuff in there that I really loved a lot. Mm. And then finally, Deep Red is my favorite. So our combined top 10, Opera is at the bottom. Then we've got a joint place, uh, Cat and Nine Tails and Four Flies, which feels about appropriate because like I gave that six points, you gave it one, Four Flies, and you mm. I gave Cat and Nine Tails two and you gave it five. So it's ah, like, there we go. those are the ones we no, kind and of... That ki- <laughs> yeah, that kind of works because they're, they're not balance yeah. those films yeah either of them, it's interesting really. those are the those are our favorites of the animal trilogy <laughs> but then because we both gave bird the crystal plumage an average one it wins out over both of our favorites that's how Yay! aggregates wins <laughs> then in the top three oh god so and then we have deep red in the second position because joint winners with 11 points each we have got phenomena and tenebrae Yay! <laughs> That's a good list. I, I stand behind that. That's a that. very good list. Okay. Yeah. So, how do you feel now? In summing up, how do you feel about the cinema of one Mr. Dario Argento? It's really interesting. Yeah, I, I'm so glad that you asked me yeah. to, to to do this with you. It's been great. Um, my introduction to Argento was like ass backwards because I saw the remake of Suspiria first yeah, yeah. before I went back and watched actual Suspiria mm. not actual Suspiria but you know yeah, what I mean yeah. um, and and it was that kind of following that rabbit hole of all of these films have got so much to them yeah um, oh my god it's really all cramming in there yeah. and so you do get these kind of weird experiences like you know like we said with Four Flies and Cat of Nine Tails yeah I, I like ironically what we like about them, the other kind of film lacks. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> one film lacks kind of character and one kind of lacks like style and, and cohesion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but either way, they're, they're really hard swings, mm. which is what I love. And yeah. I, I, I love how you can see these things translated into later horror. Yep. You know, um, you, you see these these stylish kills, these kind of trips into the more psychological yeah. elements. You know, you can see where both slasher and thriller divert from here, but also just always such a beautiful, rich color palette. Mm. Um, uh, and interesting, like you can see him playing around with a lot of taboo yeah. stuff as well. Um, maybe not as deftly as, as we might do now that it's been explored a bit more, but yeah. like, yeah, getting into, to having kind of, queer representation it's been really fun to to delve into this oeuvre and see as well how it developed yeah that's that's a long ramble to say (laughs) i've watched seven more movies than i have before and i am grateful for that (laughs) (laughs) amazing i think my thing with it is that i think 
He's such a brilliant visual artist, but is working in schlock is the thing about him. He's working in this really culty kind of genre, so you get these bizarre elements, and you get these strange experiences where you'll just go from seeing something absolutely sublime and innovative, where you just think, my god, the imagination to think of putting a camera there and, you know, capturing this motion and this light in this way is brilliant, to just a weird mutant kid runs out, or, you know, and there's always an interest in niche things and sort of unusual, you know, new developments. Almost every film has something that he has been reading about or interested in, like a, a new, you know, psychological development or a new form form of crime busting you know that's going to pertain to insects or computer technology or something in there that just gives it a slightly different twist and the result is that you just have these gorgeous films that are very silly quite often but just have all these incredibly memorable moments i mean these going through the quick fires again you just think wow you can't believe that all of these are as you said just so stuffed full of memorable sequences and things that will stick with you I think we've both bemoaned uh, there being such a period of of horror mm. that is just so bland. Yes. It's so blandly oh, shot and, and written and they're not trying anything. Yeah. And there's no style. And there was such a long, like, such a dearth of creativity in what should be a very creative oh, yeah. genre. Looking at the Texas Chainsaw episode and our episode where we did about, you know, uh, slasher remakes and crossovers and such you know Goodman I think really missed out in not indulging with these because it's enough to restore your faith in what this medium can be you know mm. just the sheer creativity of it and it's none of these are mean spirited some of them have a bit of a harsher edge than others and some of them are, some of them are a bit more misguided than others but for the most part they're really endearing and they actually Argento has a love for all of his you know characters I think we're wrapping up here so you'll you'll find yeah. all the contact information in the comments so look there until then i'm i'm paul salabrisi <laughs> ah mi chiamo elena graham graham yeah i don't know how to, it's it's a scottish surname i don't know how to say it in italian graham My... graham <laughs> and remember uh... the one good thing about Dario Argento's great slasher movies is all the collaborators he had, especially Dario Nicolotti. <laughs> Who wrote Suspiria, I'm told. I'm pretty sure she wrote all of Suspiria.
and I realize I've never had to do an Italian accent before. And it's a perfect. Uh, 